Okay. <laughs> the pen comment yeah. was. Oh. It's your boy PSA Fitch here. The Tuesday, Tuesday stream. With everyone's favorite lover of the gold standard. Yes. Hey, what's up, everybody? We got a special guest here, Brianna Wu, back again for a second visit. How you doing, Brianna? Yeah, so I want to tell you something about your show. And I hope I can say this like with a little humility, but uh-huh. I don't always do a ton of research for every single media outlet that I do. Uh-huh. And I did your show and my inbox is just flooded and my Twitter is oh, no. flooded. Oh, no. And I'm looking after the fact, I'm like, oh shit, this show is like a really big deal. And I started looking more into your success and like, just holy crap, congratulations oh. on all of that. You should be really proud of what you Are, built here. Well, I thought it like, was going to be something completely different. I thought you were going to say your inbox was filled with people saying, why the hell did you go on that show? No, no, no. It was it was mostly nice comments from your audience, wow. to be honest. But I got more, I did, I forget what major media it was, if it was PBS or NPR or, or cable or something, but I did it the same week. And your audience ended up sending me at least twice as many comments. So wow. I think that really wow. speaks to uh, what you built here. You should be proud. Okay, Thank you. Cool. I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, I was going to say, when you were saying how we're such a big deal, I was like, are you confusing us with someone else? We're like no, a tiny, well, tiny outlet. I don't think so. I mean, we you're do, full-time we, streamers. We do have a dedicated audience that yeah. is very into, I guess, you know, kind of productive conversations or attempting to have productive conversations. So that's a good thing, I think. I think we have a very diverse, politically diverse audience, much more so than other typical people. Well, I've thought a lot about this and, you know, just full disclosure, you know, I've been talking to counterpoints, Connor, um, Mm -hmm. about like, I've been thinking of doing something in the Twitch space myself and, yeah, the world doesn't need another like pure leftist voice. And I was thinking about your show and the success that you have here, kind of, you know, having to like not diametrical, but you know, y'all probably vote a different way, even though you're closer to the center, both of you. And I, I think it's a really good formula for a show, in my opinion, because I think I think this idea of just talking to your own side, I think there's only so far that can go, if that makes sense. Well, oh, yeah, I voted for Kanye like pre, um, <laughs> like uh, pre going pre-Nazi insane. Arc? Yeah, the pre Nazi arc. I voted for Kanye. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, don't I feel know. comfortable voting for an, a full blown anti Semite. So <laughs> he had kind of kept that close to his chest. Yeah. I won't tell anyone about the DMs you sent me about you uh, uh, being a big Marianne Williamson supporter. So that's oh, just wait a second. Us. That's not, <laughs> first of that all, that's, that that's a joke. That's, that's not, i never actually sent DMs about Marianne Williamson, but Sitch is technically in love with Marianne Williamson. So. I used to be. She was so amazing. But yeah. I'm not a fan of her anymore. But, you know, whatever. Really? Listen. One breaks our heart. That's his uh, manic you've got a, you've pixie got dream girl. Yeah. Your president <laughs> manic pixie dream girl. Well, she yeah. was just like, I don't know, like when she first came on the scene, she was just so like overwhelmingly positive about everything. Yeah. And I really, you know, it's like a nice brush of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I've had some really, really good conversations with her and I, I reached out to her because like when she first emerged on the Democratic scene, you know, everybody is making a lot of fun of her and stuff. And I started looking into her a little bit more and please don't misunderstand me. I would never vote for her. Don't support her in the primary. But 
I, I think she certainly has a constituency, right? And I reached out to her. I'm like, I apologize for clowning on you, right? Like, I see that you're serious about the stuff that you're doing and just have, she's a perfectly nice person in real life. What did you- You were clowning on her on Twitter? Yeah. Is that what was <laughs> yeah. going on? I know it's hard to believe, but- Our uh, relationship began with you clowning on me. What the hell? <laughs> you know, we have a difference of perspective on April O'Neil and Ninja Turtles. Yeah, we never, uh, and we sexuality. didn't even talk about it last time. Yeah. Oh, I quickly <laughs> forgot about that drama, the April O'Neil drama. Jeez. That was huge. You want to get it all out there? No, I don't no. Even know Look, I, I have a. Yeah. Do still care about April O'Neil? I, don't I know. have a. I have a bunch of contentious topics for us to talk about, but I, I want to start off with like this Moon Rocks thing. That's like, that's completely out of context or something, right? Someone's like, like taking you out of context. And I don't even remember what this is about. So um, there are two really famous science fiction novels about uh, uh, asteroids being used to uh, basically do war with Earth, right? Okay. Uh, the first one is The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert A. Heinlein. Y'all would probably like him. He's yeah, a yeah. Libertarian Heinlein, Starship, writer. Starship Troopers, yeah. One of the best despite our political differences, I've read everything he's ever written. Love Heinlein. Uh, the others, of course, uh, The Expanse. Book five, uh, Nemesis Games, is when uh, the Belters, uh, frankly, destroy Earth uh, by basically pelting it with asteroids. So I was trying to talk about how, um, you know, the moon is not a, um, you know, there, there are things tactically you could do with the moon that are worth thinking about from a national security perspective. Um, you, mm -hmm. know, you can send things down to the earth. Uh, you can spy on communications. I mean, it's a it's a position with a lot of tactical uh, value. And yeah, I didn't. I tweeted this like three in the morning, and it wasn't my most like eloquent tweet, but uh, mm -hmm. it got clowned on. It was a huge mistake. So yeah. it was. So it was misconstrued. You you don't believe that we could throw rocks from the moon to the earth. I think that you could, like in uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, they uh, construct a catapult, right, to uh -huh. fire it into the Earth. I think you could certainly do something like that if you wanted. Uh, the overall point is there's tactical value in holding the moon that we should be thinking about. I guess you, you could kind of, couldn't you? Because yeah. you could escape the, like the moon has a very low gravitational pull. So if you sure. shot that thing hard enough. Right. It would be tricky. You'd have to do the calculations to actually hit the Earth. Hmm. Interesting. That's what Mike okay. does in, in The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, right? So yeah. I, I think the communications component is, frankly, much more um, a, a bigger variable. But um, I think... You know, I think if you look at my comments, uh, you know, I'm someone who is pretty damn serious about national security. Uh, I ran focusing on cybersecurity and, you know, I think a lot about threats to the United States. So if you're talking about us uh, privatizing the moon or seeding, uh, you know, the space race or the militarization of space to China, I, I think that's something we should be really thinking about seriously from a national security perspective. So, you know, some people may well laugh at that, but uh, I, I think it's a very serious topic. Mm -hmm. No, I think it's, yeah, no, definitely. We want to get to the moon first. We want to have moon bases there. Like we want to, we basically want to control the moon. The moon. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. But I mean, until you can hold the land, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not really, <laughs> it's up for that... grabs, right? We need to colonize yeah. the moon. That's right. 
Do you think that, like, what have you, ex like, learned from your experiences in politics that you think most political streamers are missing? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked that. Um, you know, I would imagine you got your first impression of me from uh, Gamergate. I was watching your videos that Adam shared with me uh, before uh, the mm -hmm. show. I, I think it really calmed me down and gave me a, a much wider perspective on uh, what the electorate is thinking about and what they care about. Um you know, uh, the stuff you talk about on Twitter, it's if I could do anything differently uh, for my 2016 race, uh, 2018 race, rather, it would be uh, really not basing my platform off of Twitter and kind of the uh, the, the edge progressive politics that you see there. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that I don't believe in uh, things like universal health care. I do. It's that a lot of the... You know, like you were talking, Adam, on Twitter, I saw before the show kind of critiquing, um, you know, the kind of hyper woke crowd on Twitter. And yeah, how, we'll um, talk about that. Yeah, definitely. That's and, a big and, topic. And how how quick they are to you know label everything in moral terms. Um, I really think running for office taught me firsthand how um, non-constructive a frame that is and getting people to actually vote for you, if that makes sense. So do you think that like, I feel like whenever I, in this political space, everyone gets caught up in this, like we all, we all kind of judge our reality by what we're swimming in. And everyone in the internet political space seems to think that that's like how the average American feels and thinks. And it seems like the average American is way more moderate, way more disconnected from politics. And, you know, whenever I hear both on the left and the right people saying like, oh, if you just put into practice my, you know, very left or very right wing policies, everyone would vote for you. And I'm just, I don't think these people have any grasp of what's actually happening. I, I think that's exactly right. I also think they are um, massively over attributing the degree to which people are following politics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I once calculated it and it was some absurd number, like I shook 30, 40,000 hands over the course of running for office. And, you know, what I learned is that people are primarily focused on themselves, right? They're they're focused on their school district. They're focused if their industry is getting a fair shake. They're thinking about inflation. Um, yeah, this kind of esoteric Twitter war stuff. It is, um, yeah, I think this is why the Republican war on trans people is just not going to like be a very salient issue for 2024. Um, I, I think the more local you can get with politics, the the better. Like, there's a reason politicians talk the way that they do. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, you're framing it as the war on trans people. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would frame it that way. And I do think you're underestimating the pull that that issue has for people. Because it, it re it's really about kids. It's, right. it's not about trans people. I, there are obviously edge cases, you know, Michael Knowles and Matt Walsh, like they, they don't want anyone transitioning ever. Like if they right. had their way, they would make transitioning completely illegal. I think right. most people that are supporting someone like Ron DeSantis are more in favor of adults can do whatever they want. It's just this idea that we're going to introduce this gender confusion to kids that may or may not really be a problem. I mean, obviously right. there are kids that will go on to be trans, but it's an open question how many people you're actively hurting that have something like gender dysphoria before they reach adulthood that resolves once they have puberty. 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, if you want to like make this round one thousand of talking about trans people on the, on the well, you the you shows. brought it up, so I I feel no, obligated it's, it's, to. It's, it's fair. Um, I I don't agree with your summation. You know, my own pack rebellion pack. We just did a um a huge amount of polling. Um, we're about to do a second. Um, um like a, a official poll kind of looking at what the salient issues are going to be for 2024. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting some harder number kind of judging how the electorate uh, feels about this, you know, especially in the, the, Demo the Democratic Party. I think that what would change my mind about that is if I saw more mainstream Republicans um, saying what you were saying. And I, I don't, I see a lot of demonization. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the uh, the Michael Knowles are really in ascendancy, the people that do want to wipe uh, trans people out of public life. So you know, that said, I agree there's a far more nuanced conversation we could be having about uh, kids when they transition and things like that. Yeah, well, there are, there are obviously extremists, but there are, I think the moderates are the ones that decide the election. Go ahead, Sitchin, mm -hmm. cut you off. It'll be interesting if during the Republican primaries, if they ask, you know, uh, how would you all be in favor of gay marriage? And would you all, are you all in favor of, you know, adults being able to transition? And we'll get yeah. like the hand raising moment and see where everyone shakes out on that. Yeah. I I would imagine you would see uh, the number of Republicans that feel comfortable um, speaking out against uh, gay people. I think that has been you know, very much enabled by, uh, you know, the Trump wing of the Republican Party. That would be my guess. But um, I'll, I'll tell you when our numbers come out. I'll let you know what they say. <laughs> I, it's, It'll be interesting because yeah, like, it, it definitely seems like there's been a lot more anti-gay marriage and anti-gay ideas that have been kind of broaching the surface again. But I think if they did ask that question, I think Trump would be the one of the few people to say he's in favor of gay marriage openly. Yeah. Republican tickets. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think he would, which is kind of surprising. I, I don't know if this, I don't know if DeSantis would, but... I guess we'll find out, maybe. I, I don't think that's true, but uh, we'll it's kind of a hypothetical. We'll Listen, he hugged that flag, okay? He hugged that <laughs> rainbow flag. Do you remember Tiffany coming out with Republican gays for Trump? Uh, do, that yeah. very sad event that was, um, weren't really bringing uh, the best brightest, I felt. What happened there? Oh, gosh, it was uh, basically Tiffany Trump coming out and trying to say, uh, look at all the gay people that are for uh uh trump in the 2016 election and it was very very sad no one was there oh wow okay well i mean it is it is an open question it's a, a mm -hmm. question that i have like i would like to believe that republicans have become moderate and are not anti-gay marriage but i do see a lot of people who seem emboldened by the win with abortion and yeah. are now uh really moving in the anti-gay marriage space so i yeah. do i mean i that's troubling for for me as a moderate that is very troubling so yeah i agree with your assessment i i'm gonna get murdered for saying this by my own side but it it really feels like some views that are very 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 hard to sell politically have taken over parts of the left like things like self-id and you know I, it's not that i want to make a public comment on it pro or con i think that people you know we were talking earlier in the show how people kind of live in their own reality 
And I, I do think there's a, a disconnect between what might seem logical on trans Twitter and what can be sold to uh, a broader electorate, even the Democratic Party. Um, I think a lot of people are, are massively undercounting that. Do you think that um, do you think the Democratic Party would benefit if they kind of dropped a lot of the woke stuff? I think that I think that there is a long history in the Democratic Party of kind of leaving trans people to fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess it depends on what you mean by woke. Um, if you mean like, I think black voters in particular are such a core constituency of the party that I think uh, not talking about structural racism would be disastrous for the party. Well, when I mean woke, I mean, well, I guess that's true. Everyone has a different definition. When I talk about woke, I mean the idea that society can't fix its problems through liberal methods. Mm -hmm. And so there definitely seems to be this sort of, you know, further the left and liberal leftist ideas about specifically about race and gender, about how we have to kind of throw away the goal of colorblindness and kind of go into the realms of CRT. And I do think this is hurting the Democratic Party overall. What do you mean by that? Can you can you um, well, like delineate that a bit more? So, OK. So like we're seeing this big push for instead of equality, we're seeing this big push for equity. It's kind of idea that like so like one of the core ideas of CRT is that because society was essentially created by white people, you know, way back when or American society way back when. And because obviously there was a lot of racism way back when that means that there's racism that's just embedded within the nature of our law and the natures of our society. And so it kind of leads us down this pathway of like, well, that means that if any system produces a racially disparate outcome, it must mean that there's some kind of invisible, intangible racism in that system. Then we kind of get into the realm of, well, how do you solve that? And some of it's, well, you have to solve it by, you know, reparations, you have to solve it by firm actions. And then the more radical is we have to solve it by kind of tearing down, you know, any structure that was created by white people, because it's impossible for, you know, to not have racism embedded within it. Can you give an example of the Biden administration uh, taking action that you think would be extremist in that regard? Yeah, well, they recently um, they recently put out this thing where they made that all the all the executive order that all the federal agencies have to start doing equity reports about you know to make sure they're meeting racial equity goals. And to me, I don't the fact that we've moved away from equality to equity is a little troubling to me. So what exactly? Well, I think for that, that would be very dependent on the details. What do you mean mm -hmm. by equity goals? Do you mean compliance with the EEOC? What, what specifically does that mean? What, what specifically are they saying you need to be in compliance with? Uh, let's see. Let me bring up the article because I was looking at this the other day. Of course, every federal agency to report on equity and organizations. Uh, Biden's rhetoric of equity for all, for many plans centralized exclusive on racial minorities. For prioritizing persons of color when doling out grants and government contracts to focus outreach efforts supporting on specifically non-white groups. Who is this according to? The New York Post, so you can... Yeah, that's not a great source. Yeah. Some of it is, I mean, they're, they're quoting lines from it, but uh, let's see. Read to us, Sitch. Don't read to yourself. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your booming... Mm -hmm. Can you do it in Trump voice? How about a Jordan? <laughs> Give us a Jordan Peterson. Uh huh. Well, see, specific. I guess, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. When I was, so, like, I mean, this wasn't the federal policy, but when I thought in my head, I remember is with, with COVID, you know, they were specifically saying in New York that they should give, um, you know, uh, they should bump up uh, not people of color 
in order to get COVID, COVID vaccines and things of that nature was actually deemed as like a, you know, a pre-existing condition. Well, I guess one thing that I saw that, and I think, uh, I think this is exemplary of what I've seen in the Biden administration, um, who, you know, just full disclosure, I've worked with them on a few initiatives, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, so a really good example when it comes to COVID policy, you know, Kamala Harris, this is earlier in the Biden administration, um, was talking about how there are a lot of um, you know, Black people uh, in the country that um, have a distrust of government institutions, uh, you know, very understandably after uh, some of the the past uh, things that uh, the United States has done. And she wanted to uh, basically get some funding for uh, vans to go out into communities of color and vaccinate people just kind of on the ground, right? To me, that's a kind of initiative that is taking into account our um, you know, kind of legacy of racism in this country. It's not trying to advantage anyone, but it's kind of looking uh, structurally at what are the different things that uh, different communities are facing and trying to address it in a real way. I feel like the um, the actual policies that actual Democrats are doing in the government, I, I think it is um, like there's a reason uh, a lot of the, the 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 fringe left doesn't want to vote for people like the Biden administration because they feel um, like they're too lukewarm. So I think it's uh, I think the same way I think it would be a mistake to attribute everything that, uh, say, the January 6th insurrectionists do uh, to the average Republican. I think it would be a real mistake to um, you know, use uh, uh, Twitter, the, the French left on Twitter, as a vector for what the Democratic Party in Washington stands for. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I agree completely. But they're I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I don't agree with people that are like, oh, Biden's a socialist and all this stuff. He's but, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, obviously. But it's like when, you know, recently, you know, he, tried, he vetoed a bill that was um, going to weaken ESG scores. And I remember there was this whole thing. I think they actually got. I'm sorry, ESG this. scores? What is that? The, there was a bill that passed that was going to give the government, uh, the, anyone, it was, it was going to give government agencies that were, that were investing in things the right to ignore ESG scores when using and when trying to decide how to invest. And Biden actually vetoed that bill. Yeah, I'm sorry. What is what is an ESG score? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't you don't know what? Oh, the I environmental don't, social sorry. governance scores. Got it. it. You know what I'm talking about, or do you want me? Yeah, no. I environmental yeah. social governance right. is, I think, right. what it means. Yeah. Um, and then I remember there's also there was a lawsuit. I believe I don't remember how it turned out where people were suing because the Biden administration was giving specific um, funding to I think it was farmers on the basis of their skin color. And so I just, it seems like, and I agree with you, like, I don't think Biden's like, you know, the chief woke president, but there's a lot of woke pandering that the administration is definitely doing. Sure. I mean, I think this is uh, true for any group in the, in any kind of political voting block, right? Trump certainly did this, uh, you know, like MAGA people showed up for him and he rewarded them with policies like his Muslim ban, right? Right. Um, And I think in that same way, you reward the groups that show up for you. And I think Biden knew that he was uh, not going to get elected without black votes. And I think he's made a uh, concerted effort to um, kind of make them feel heard, like with that uh, Kentaji Brand Jackson, the, the mm-hmm. Supreme Court. Um, to me, this just strikes me as uh, politics as usual and just um, very routine stuff. Well, the issue is like as you said you know biden isn't as you know he's not chief woke president um and a lot of the woke people don't 
they hate Biden. They really don't like Biden at all. And it just, I wonder, I mean, from my perspective, I think if you had a Democrat or even Biden that would come out and be explicitly pro-liberal solutions to things and anti-woke, I do think that would actually they'd gain some uh, traction for doing that. Because I feel, I feel like so much of the Republican energy right now, like the Republicans are kind of in a precarious situation because, you know, you have the neocons and the populist right wing. And they actually completely disagree on economic solutions to how the country should be governed. And I think the only thing that's really holding them together is all these woke culture war issues. And if the Democrats could just remove that from the table, because I don't think they're really gaining that much traction from it, it seems like that'd be the better political option for them. So I want to say this with respect. I hope this doesn't come in as a dig, but I did watch a lot of your Gamergate videos right before this. And I think one of the, the themes that I saw was... Um, how can I put this? I'm Not a malicious underreading, but a very willful under uh, undercounting of mm -hmm. any sentiment of what women in the game industry were feeling and facing. Um, I, I was really struck in one video you didn't even mention the death threats or harassment and just talked around that. And I think in that same sense, because you're coming at this from a, a different point of view. I think you're really undercounting how angry most women that vote Democrat are about uh, the loss of Roe. And I think you are undercounting the degree to which Black people do want uh, a government that hears their problems and take that seriously. I think it really depends on your your definition of woke here. Like you're, you keep using it as a pejorative and it's mm -hmm. It's honestly hard to not laugh because when I hear the term woke, I, I think about what it meant when I first heard it like eight years ago, which is just someone who's aware of structural racism. And, you know, that's it. I, have you done a lot of uh, academic reading on critical theory stuff? Not just critical race theory, but any critical mm, theory. And not really. Can you turn your mic up a bit, Sitch, or talk louder? Whichever you Mike's want. Mic's quiet? <laughs> yeah, it seems like you're whispering today. All right, hold on is that better? That I mean, is yeah. better. Okay. Have you done a lot of reading on critical theory and critical studies and any of this other stuff? Because I mean, th this is—I think this is kind of the problem that's facing the country right now—is that there is a a far leftist movement that is attempting to subvert liberalism, and most people on the left don't actually realize it's happening because they're kind of couching it in the language that that's kind of, they're kind of couching it in language that is making it a little bit more hidden what's really going on here. Sort of like, I assume you would think that women during Gamergate were doing that to the gaming industry. Would that be a fair analogy? Uh, no, that wouldn't be a okay. fair analogy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. um, so, well, okay, I'm going to assume, first of all, are you, I assume you're liberal and not like a, a, like a leftist, right? You know, that's a really good question. I find it really hard to define that because, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to progressive policies, like I've looked at the data and I think uh, something like Medicare for all makes the most, uh, you know, like financial sense uh, in this country. Um, I do think that we have a, a problem with structural racism. I think that we need structural uh, solutions to um, you know, racial inequality. At the same time, uh, what I think I find really frustrating about the progressive movement is there doesn't seem to be a 
serious, incredible tactical uh, element there to address that or think through the problems or build coalitions to make it happen. You know, I, I often feel like I'm the lone person on the progressive side whose job is um, you know, doing political organizing seriously. So I don't know what the hell you would call me at this point. Like well, on policies, I, I am progressive culturally. I just don't identify with uh, a lot of it, if that makes sense. To, to be clear on terms, when Sitch says leftist, he means socialist. So, no, so I, I see. Socialist. No, okay. <laughs> Some but people use leftist interchangeably yeah. with just someone who has left-wing politics. So yeah. leftist is anything left of being a liberal. Sure. So, um, but well, okay, do you believe that do you believe that the end goal for society should be a colorblind, genderblind society? And you think that's possible to achieve? No, I don't think you, that's possible. You don't think it's possible. Okay. No. So so what is the solution, I guess, then? Well, I think you look at you know, my entire philosophy when it comes to these things is I will take half a sandwich when I want a whole sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you look at what you can get in that moment and evaluate critically if it's going to um, help people out, and then you do it. I mean, clearly, I get off the bus um, you know, before a lot of you know fringe figures on the left do. <laughs> Um, I'm certainly not a communist. Um, I think at the same time, like Elizabeth Warren, she's my candidate, right? She sees things from a structural, uh, like problem point of view, and but she has credible solutions to get there. Does does that kind of make sense to you? Did um, you say Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, yeah. she's oh, okay. my favorite politician yeah. by a mile. Well, I guess I, I have two questions. The first is, you know, why do you think a colorblind, genderblind society is not possible? And then the second one would be, <laughs> would be um, you know, uh, what do you mean when you talk about like structural racism and structural sexism? Sure. Um, so the first one is I, I know there are some uh, friends of mine that uh, believe we can get to a genderless future as a, uh, a species where it just is not a, um, a uh, factor anymore. And I would posit to anyone who has spent any amount of time uh, uh, being a child or, uh, you know, like uh, trying to babysit kids, I, I would suggest that uh, some of this stuff is very hardwired into us. So that's I, wow, this is very controversial. You don't I buy know. into the whole everything's a social construct. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. Okay. Um, so that said, I think women do face um, you know, disproportionate disadvantages in our society. One really good example, I come from the tech industry. Um, the last study I saw showed that um, the number of women founders in uh, the tech industry was only 2%. I know a lot of women with really good startup ideas in that field. I don't believe that women are only 2% of the talent. I think that a lot of the reason women uh, get such a small portion of the funding is because the people with the actual money are pattern recognition based. I think they look at uh, people that reflect themselves and give money out um, you know, proportionally because of that. And I think we leave a lot of talent on the table. I, you know, Structurally, I think it makes sense to look at why that happens and ask ourselves what we can do to address that. Well, okay. So, I mean, I'm, when I say gender blind, I don't mean genderless because I agree with you. I think a lot of gender is a lot of what we conceive of a gender or gendered behaviors, not all, but a lot of it is, you know, biological and can be, and a lot of people are born with it. Um, but I, I do think we can reach a society where when you interact with an individual, you don't judge them or prejudge them on the color of their skin or whatever gender they are. I think we can reach that 
I, I hope, hope we so. can reach that Star Trek future eventually. To a point, I don't know. I think mm -hmm. that's so hard, though. You know, I think one of the the excesses I see right now in leftist discourse is everything, everything, everything is filtered through the lens of identity in a way that right. I don't think is particularly constructive. At the same time, you know, I think that, well, I know for a fact that for me, as someone who ran in the Democratic Party as a, a woman, I faced a different set of challenges than, than men did, right? And I, I do think that that, I, I think that that is a perspective um, that affects how I see the world. So um, I don't think it's possible it's ever going to go away or that's not going to, you know, um, affect how I perceive people. It, it is changing, though. You got to admit, like when female politicians in the past would run for Congress they or just any elected office, they kind of ran as I am one of the boys. Right. But I don't feel like AOC or Laura Boebert, like I feel like they are running as I am a woman and, and have very feminine styles. Sure. Which that's... But don't you think the structural backlash the AOC, for instance, faces? I mean, it just turns my stomach what happens to her. She dresses so deliberately conservatively, and she is sexualized on the regular in a way that turns my stomach to see. The president, yeah, the, on the Republican side, they were literally having conversations about who has a bigger dick. I mean, it does. no one is immune <laughs> to this. Anyone in public life is going to get this kind of back and forth that's just like mm -hmm. par for the course there's a difference in the gendered hate that aoc gets and uh donald trump like making fun of marco rubio they, and they, alleging that he has a small dick there's a you, really big do difference you remember there. the sculptures of donald trump that they made of him with the tiny tiny penis that showed up in public <laughs> like buck naked i must have missed that story okay yeah. well i'm just i'm just saying like everybody gets this stuff so i'm I just well, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, maybe mm -hmm. we should play nice with the the ladies. I'm just <laughs> I'm not saying you should play play nice. Well, I'm what suggesting are you saying, that then? there I'm suggesting that there is a reason women are disproportionately uh, uh less represented in Congress because they don't want to uh, put up with the bullshit. <laughs> I don't. Th I don't think that's it. I think that. There well, I, I'm is, just saying, men. That yeah. I think men don't enter the race as well because they don't want to put up with the bullshit. <laughs> so, what, what would your answer be? Why do you think men are so disproportionately represented in, uh, as far as political power? They are more willing to put up with the bullshit. Obviously, the the status gain for men, I think, is much higher than for women. So mm. I think there is kind of a biological component going on here. Mm -hmm. So me men stand to gain more from the status of running for office than I think women do. Yeah, I think if um, men on average are more aggressive and men on average are more status driven, which I would argue is an evolved reason for that. And then, you know, obviously when we talk about, you know, politics, that's going to, you know, you're talking about like the extreme ends of personality types. They're going to kind of get like the tail ends kind of bunching up there. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Right. So and obviously five you know, times as many men. Don't on you that think tail that's end. a little convenient for y'all as dudes just to go like, oh, we got nothing to do with this. Just we're more driven. That's a little convenient. Don't you think? Well, is it, well I mean, convenient in terms of, I mean, it could be convenient. Um, if, I if think your reasoning is phrasing it. Yeah. If you're phrasing in terms of like, well, you know, I'm saying that we shouldn't do anything about it. I don't have any problem if there's, you know, 50% women in 
uh, positions of power. But as you said, when you were talking about like the gender differences, when you're you know babysitting kids and all this stuff, I mean, I do think there are behavioral gender differences that will always push men and women into certain fields to an extent. Now, maybe we could, I mean, obviously we can lessen uh, the disparity, right? Like people thought uh, women, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't succeed in education, right? And now we find out that women are, there's more women in college now than there are men in college. So I definitely think we can open these barriers to of access to women. I just, I don't think there's ever going to be a 50-50 in, you know, politics. Can I, so I want, has Kyla been on y'all show yet? Yes. Not so erudite. Yes. Fantastic yeah. person, right? 10 out of 10. Proud to call her a friend. Love her. I'm so struck right now of what's going on with this bullshit with her and Sunday, because <laughs> when I look at... When I look at the ways to be a woman in the the Twitch space, okay, you've got the the Katie tactic of kind of being loudmouth and out there and a little bit, you know, um, eccentric. I think we'll say Katie's been on too, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> We've uh, talked to Sunday twice, and Katie once. So. Katie is yeah. Katie, I've worked some stuff out. I, I'm not trying to trash. Talk you don't her, like Katie? Saying... Katie stuck around for like five hours. <laughs> Katie <laughs> is. Don't get in I, trouble here. Come on now. <laughs> no, get in trouble. I think trouble. Katie is well-intentioned. I, I think mm. I will say that. But my point here is like, look, there are a lot of ways you can be a woman in the political sphere, right? You can be kind of eccentric and out there. You can be uh, like, look at Farah on Destiny's stream lately. You, know, you can be like uh, incredibly sexy and soft-spoken, not really provocative. Um, you can be loud or you can be someone like Erudite, right, who is so reserved and thoughtful and empathetic, just a 10 out of 10 great person, smarter than almost anyone else on stream. And what's the current fucking narrative about her? Oh, she's so stuck up. <laughs> you know, she's so arrogant. She comes off as so smug. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like this great example of how you cannot win. There's literally no way to exist in this space where your personality is not weaponized against you in a disproportionate way. I just, I think it's hilarious. That's the same yeah. narrative about President Sunday, though, that he's arrogant and smug. But Everything he you is said arrogant about... and smug. <laughs> oh, okay. So the difference... Do you not think President Sunday is arrogant and smug? I mean... Uh, yeah, well, I, I agree do. with you. <laughs> it just it seems like that when people don't like someone like Destiny or Vosh or Sunday or not so erudite, you know, everyone's gonna they're gonna find some complaint, right, to, to levy at them. Sure. Yeah. So you're I'm not right. sure that's a like it's a specific. I understand what you're what you're saying, but I, I'm not I think sure what's women. Her. A, I think everyone issue. faces it. I think women yeah. face it more. In my Maybe, I mean, obviously, she's probably facing it too because like she's criticizing all the red pill stuff. So obviously, that's a an extra layer of like gendered hate that'd be coming towards her specifically for that. Um, I think Kyle is pretty moderate on those issues. And I think she does a really good job of mm -hmm. empathizing with the, with, with them and trying to make them feel hard. Sure. So yeah, I, no, I, I, I like, yeah. I like her a lot. I think she has yeah. really good takes on most issues. Yeah. But you said, um, going back, you said that you think that the level of hate that AOC gets is related to her being a woman. Yeah. And I was just, I'm, I'm wondering because I'm trying to think of like I'm trying to think of is there a I don't I can't think of a male equivalent to AOC on the left who has like the same like is as far as the left as AOC is and is also as outspoken and kind of you know well like very being very charismatic and persuasive on social media to draw the kind of energy that AOC draws right 
And so to me, because to me, that's why she gets so much focus on her, more so than her being a woman. Oh, I don't think so at all. I think Fox News uh, made her a villain from the very beginning. And I think <clears throat> I think there's a reason that her, um, like the people that know her name, it's actually higher on the right than the left, uh, believe it or not, according to one poll I saw, mm -hmm. uh, because you know, they made her a target. And I think there's something on the right where they like their uh you know anchors on fox news in short skirts and blonde and i think she made a perfect uh arch villainess for them I, do you, I just can't think of someone on the left that's like the male equivalent of her that would be like see this is a person that's just like aoc but they're not getting the kind of publicity so it shows that it's a, a gender thing well I hear you. Uh, I think we'll agree to disagree. I, I do think <laughs> that you would not find many women in politics that don't, uh, on either side of the aisle, that don't feel like they face uh, very substantial challenges. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'm sure they, like, I'm sure they do feel that way. And I sure, I'm sure they do to an extent. Um, obviously, I don't think we live in the gender blind Star Trek future that I want us to live in yet. Obviously, there's still lots of people with sexist attitudes still out there. So coming back to your point about woke, I mean, you mm -hmm. know, like we're living in the the post-dissolution of Roe era, right? right? So, I mean, I don't think it's wrong for women to look at the challenges that we are facing right now. Like, let's just name a few. Um, you know, the daycare system has fallen apart post-COVID. Those prices, my own state of Massachusetts, it costs more money to send your child to daycare than it does to UMass, believe it or not. Um, that's a real problem. Right. There are millions and millions and millions of women that just flat out left the workforce during COVID, uh, you know, um, and you have like the dissolution of bodily autonomy. Right. Which obviously mm -hmm. has many women uh, extremely upset. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the political party hearing that anger and trying to address it with with policy. And I think often the Republican Party um you know, mistakes like addressing that kind of structural inequality for wokeism, which I think is just nuts. Well, you know, we have the what we call the Sitchin Adams law, which is that one of the tactics that we see the most in politics is that each side will try to grab the extremists of the other side and then paint yes. the whole movement with the broad brush. That's like one of the most common tactics. And an sure. element of that is sort of, you know, the you know, the right will call everything woke. Like once once they associate woke as an extreme thing, as a bad thing, and they'll call everything they don't like woke. Um, but I don't think that anything to do with, you know, I'm pro-choice and I don't think having anything to do with, the, you know, being pro-choice has, has anything to do with wokeness. I mean, that's an issue that's been around for 50 years, you know, been around forever. And you can definitely put uh, a pro-choice philosophy and argument in a, in a liberal philosophy. I don't think it has anything to do with, I like, I wouldn't call that woke, so... So what issue in the 2024, your your statement was the Democratic Party should renounce wokeism. So yeah. what's kind of on the ballot for 2024? Like Biden's base are Obama voters uh, and particularly black voters. Uh, that is his, like that's who won him the primary and that's who he believes will win in 2024 mm -hmm. for him. So do you think that like what policies do you think, like addressing uh, in the income differential uh, the black people face? Do you think that that's wokeism? Well, it depends how exactly you would address that, right? Right. It would depend on whatever the solution would be to propose for that. I think a lot of it isn't even so much. We had this conversation with um, someone named Sock Dunleft a few weeks ago. And I think a lot of 
the perceived wokeness that the right is sensing is not even specifically coming from pol from government policy, even though some of it is as you know, talked about earlier in the stream. I think a lot of it comes from the cultural attitudes that people feel, uh, you know, just coming in from school and education and media. And I think one of the big things that people are sensing is sort of this demonization of of whiteness and white people and the association like, you know, the Robin DiAngelo's of the world that it's like, oh, you're all everyone is inherently racist. And, you know, you have to go through all this, you know, DI racial training to become, you know, not racist. And even then it's really impossible. And you're either with us or against us in terms of this race struggle. I think that is really killing a lot of uh, the Democratic Party. I think that's really giving a lot of especially white people on the right, a lot of energy to be upset at the Democrats. Yeah, you know, Adam, uh, what was the tweet you had right before the show where you were talking about the uh, the moral kind of certainty of the the far left uh, when it comes to these issues? I got um, it right do, here. Do I, can, yeah, I can bring it up, do. yeah. But I just, just I'm kind of listening to you guys and trying to get your definitions of woke down. I think such as is, uh, is anything that's anti-liberal, anti-colorblind, anti-universalism, yours seems to be awareness of systemic racism or systemic injustice. I think yeah. you I, I I mean I understand yours. I think generally people on the right, which I'm not really on the right, I'm just kind of putting their position out there. I think they the disagreement is whether or not that systemic racism or systemic injustice is real. So when they're saying woke, they're saying these people believe in something that isn't necessarily true. Right. So I think that's the disagreement there. But the tweet that I brought up was specifically about authoritarianism. People who consider themselves woke are generally authoritarians. They don't care about people's opinions and always parade around with a kind of moral superiority we commonly see in many people on the religious right. They see their worldview as gospel, even if it's not true. And that's me bringing up this difference between the left and the right, where the left is saying, you know, woke is just awareness of systemic injustice. And the right is saying, well, if you look at the data, that systemic injustice really is not there, doesn't exist. So do you think you would describe me that way? Why? I don't, you disagreed with this. And I said, it'd be interesting to talk about it. I'm glad we sure. are discussing like the meaning of woke since it's such a Look, I, I don't think I'm going to I'm going to try not to use the word woke anymore. No, you I don't can. Think it's really... I, I'm saying in talk, I would definitely describe myself as woke. I right. think that that black people face like I grew up in Mississippi. How could mm. I not see the difference in how black people there are treated yeah. versus white people? I lived like in New Orleans. Okay. I lived in so, New Orleans. So I, you I've know. seen. Yeah, I've seen you know, it. I don't first this to me is how, woke, though. Like just acknowledging that racism and sexism exist is not a woke thing. Yeah, but that's, that's like, a structural problem. If you're talking about policing in Mississippi, mm -hmm. that is a structural problem with what racism. What do you mean by that, I guess? Yeah, but the, uh, hold on, hold yeah. on. There's a difference sure. here because we are talking about, traditionally we thought of systemic racism like you and I are talking about. You know, a bunch of racist cops are targeting black people and that's a part of this the system that we need to, to fix. When... People today, when woke people today, not you, even though you're calling yourself woke, I think this is part of the problem. Many people, when they talk about systemic injustice, they just mean because there are not enough black people hired in certain positions and there's some sort of disparity that may or may not be caused by actual racism, they're labeling that racism. Right. 
So if we look at the video game industry, right, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is kind of where I got my start in these culture wars, right? Um, it is, or at least, especially back then, it was very hard to point to any studio in the entire industry and find a woman that had made it to the lead of a department, be it right. art, tech, anything like that. I think that is was very, very clearly due to structural sexism in those fields. So well, in, uh, maybe. Yeah, I worked there and you didn't. So I, I think I would uh I think I would probably disagree with you if you don't uh agree with that. But I, I think that yeah, I, I do think that there is structural problems that need to be addressed there. And I I mean, why would you not think that? Well no, the question is, is it people don't want to work with women and it's just, you know, sexism or is it women don't want to work in those positions because they want to do something else? That's the question. So I don't necessarily, you could. It's neither. Well, if if you're saying, look, if my outlook on the world is if 50% of women are not working in games, then that means that that by definition is systemic racism. Yet, that's not what I said. I think well, that no, the, but the that's fact the way they're defining it. The fact that women, the, the fact that women leave the industry at a rate of four times that of what men do, mm-hmm. and the fact that women don't make it up the career ladder, I think, in in my view, shows a bias that men in this field have for people that look like themselves. And I don't think that they're saying they're smoking, you know, chomping on cigars and saying, let's get the broads out of, uh, you know, fallout. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that it's, I think it's so much more insidious. Than that. I think dudes go out to lunch together um, and just form this friendship and give each other opportunities in a way that they don't with, with uh, women. And what I think is really, you know, you brought up DEI training earlier. I've never seen a study that made me conclude that DEI training works. And I think this is why it's such a hard problem to solve, because like making people sit down and go through these formal classes doesn't seem to address it. Talking about it on Twitter, trying to quote unquote spread awareness doesn't seem to help it, right? Trying to get men to do the right thing does not seem to work. And I, I just genuinely have no idea how you address that. Well, I, th- I think men and women socialize differently. And I and I think part of that is learned. And I think part of that is just, you know, it's biological. And it's kind of like we get into these issues where, you know, the biology kind of feeds into creating a social atmosphere, which then is reinforced socially. And it's kind of this like uh, feedback loop, essentially. And I think that's how culture forms. And I think we get in these situations where, you know, since men and women interact with each other differently and socialize differently, if you have men are in, you know, starting from a positions of being in power positions, it's kind of like they expect the game, the social game of going up in companies to kind of go a specific way. And then women are trying to kind of enter into this space. And the question is, should women try to adapt themselves to play that kind of social game? Or should men adapt themselves to play or allow a more gender neutral or a more fem- a female oriented social game? Sure. I think it's it's very convenient if you're coming to the conclusion that um, the primary problem here is that women are socialized differently. I, I just, I'm not going to deny that that's some portion of this, particularly in who goes after CS jobs. I just think there are a lot of women that work in the field that feel very, very strongly that they are mm-hmm. not given the same opportunities that their male colleagues are. Um, I think that would probably be a majority opinion uh, with women in the game industry. So I think 
Um, I think if you're saying that that's just not true, I think that's very convenient. Well, Why I, do you think... I don't know. I'm just saying that it could be. Sure. There's like two outcomes here. I'm just acknowledging the two different outcomes. I don't necessarily know which one is correct. Why, why do you think that the gaming industry has, and a lot of like programming industries, has sort of maintained keeping women out, uh, whether through conscious or unconscious sexism, where colleges and, you know, uh, doctors and lawyers doesn't seem to have that problem? I think there's a lack of professionalism. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, really strikes me, my husband is a PhD in bacterial genetics and works for uh, various biotech companies, not big pharma, but like mid-sized pharma, which is a cool place to work. Mm -hmm. And um, what really strikes me when I go to Frank's company's uh, events is it's like, oh, holy shit, uh, half the women here, or like half the people here with PhDs are women. Half the people here that have law degrees are women. And I think there is a um, a professionalism and uh, uh, that kind of regulates the behavior of who gets in the door that is just utterly not present in the video game industry. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, Are definitely the, I mean, obviously I don't work there. It seems like from the outside, the video game industry is a lot more lax and chill, yeah. I guess, in terms of that. And I would imagine that having that kind of like more corporate-y like demeanor would kind of negate a lot of kind of gendered behaviors to some extent. Yeah, it would um, also nuke a lot of the creativity, right? Uh, well, that's so the problem. It's a double edged yeah. sword. Yeah. How do you find that balance there? Men and women generally like different types of games, right? Is that mm, true? -ish? I used I to believe this. I'm not mm -hmm. sure I believe it as much as I used to. Uh, there's been a real explosion of women in the Call of Duty base. Uh, the last study I saw showed that 40% of COD players were women, believe it or not. Really? So That's surprising. Um, I was extremely surprised by that. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think it's probably some percentage, but I don't think it's as stark as it used to be. Hmm. It would make oh, sense this a, to me. Think, it, wait, no, wait. I think you missed it. It says a fifth of the 40 million players are, are female, which is increasing, but not 40%. Another oh, study increase, I saw did increasing not increasing 40%. So that's only 20% are women. No, I saw a study a while back. 80 this 20 was rule. With, it, it was not that. It was 40% uh, of CAD players being women. Um, hmm. I could be misremembering that, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that stat. Do oh. you think if, so let's just take first person shooters. Sure. If 80% if of the people that play first person shooters are men, and only 20% of the people are women. Wouldn't it make sense logically that 80% of the people who want to work on those games are men and only 20% of, of all the people who want to work on the games, the pool of people who want to work on the games, 80% would be men and 20% would be women? Sure. I don't think my statement has ever been for the game industry that we need to move to a 50-50 workforce. Um, okay. My issue is... Men being pigs, pieces of shit. No, my problem is... <laughs> well, no, I, I, I hate men being my... pieces of shit, too. So, Well, I do think that sexual uh, harassment is a very big issue in the game industry. But I think when you look at who gets to be promoted, who gets to have their studio founded, you know, who gets their portion of the venture capital, who makes it to studio lead, who makes it to lead narrative designer, 
over and 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 over, this is met. And I think at some point you've got to conclude there is a discrimination against women rising up their careers. Well, and I, I think that's multifactorial. It could be that, or it could just be it's a meritocracy and the men are better. Do you really think men in the game industry are better at every company than women are? I don't believe that. Well, if it's not sexism, it has to be the men are better. I mean, that's really the only two <laughs> options. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with this statement. Those but what, like, I just, we, as you know, we're both scientifically minded people here. We can't just make these claims without having some sort of evidence that. Sure. How about the Activision lawsuit? That, uh, I think, unearthed a little bit of uh, evidence about the video game industry having sure, sure, sure. a few but issues. Evidence, <laughs> evidence of, of sexism in these companies doesn't necessarily, you know, it's it doesn't follow that because there is some sexism that all women are being locked out of. Like if a if a woman has an idea for a game that could be a billion dollar game, are they going to say, <laughs> I don't want to take this idea because everyone here is a sexist or are oh, they more? Adam, Adam, do you know how the venture capital fund works and, and how it works like going and founding a studio? Like, how do you think this I works? Do, I mean, I, I do yeah. know about venture capital. I do know, sure. yeah. Venture capitalists are famous for not investing in women. It's a massive problem in that field. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe they're not investing in women because they don't like the idea, not because they're yeah. sexist. Okay. Well, I don't care so much about what they're feeling inside. Mm -hmm. I care about the outcome. And I, I think that- But that's, uh, so, that's what we're talking about here. Like you right. can't look at the outcome. You can't say, listen, nobody's investing in women and therefore that equals sexism if it's something, if it's this other factor. How do I care about solving it? I don't care about people being good people. But that's I don't care. Hold on, let me finish. I don't okay, care about ahead. putting a moral judgment on them. I care about this trend in the video game industry of woman after woman after woman after woman after woman entering the door and being shoved out the door from a set of really poor experiences, right? I just want that to stop. I almost don't care why they're happening. I just need that to stop. So you're, you're talking about solving the sexism, the acts of sexism, and not solving the fact that all of the top 10 games are, are projects that are founded and controlled by men. I think that uh, I care about both. I think that there's, um, I think that, you know, I don't know how y'all feel, but I think that the video game industry has been stagnant for a very long time, uh, especially first-person shooters. I think, uh, you know, the failure of Overwatch 2 is a really good example of this trend. And I think that uh, the fact that we have only elevated a certain kind of person to a decision-making point has really stifled the amount of innovation that we could have in the field. Why? I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's a, a gender thing, though. I think it's just because like, I feel like a lot of the AAA gaming studios have become kind of like the movie industry where things just become so expensive that it's like everything has to be kind of a safe, tested idea. People are, are less willing to risk because we're seeing like it seems like most of the new developments in good games nowadays, not all because obviously, you know, new Zelda games came out, but a lot of the new developments and new games that we're seeing that are like really good are independent games. Mm hmm. Well, look at what happened at, you know, Annapurna, uh, that whole studio. I mean, it seems like a lot of these, you know, really kind of um, 
storied and very praised independent studios. You know, if you look at the uh, 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 People Make Games channel, we've seen a series of uh, really extremely concerning scandals about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, just because it's obviously independent studios have their own problems. Sure. In terms of like, terms of like the 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 size, I think the size allows the studios to make riskier design decisions that the bigger studios kind of everything has to be you know so tested so uh you know safe for them to invest you know the millions and millions of dollars are going to invest into the product sure sorry i'm really i i feel like we're hanging a wall here it seems like neither of y'all think that structural sexism is a real factor in either politics or the video game I, I don't know i that's why i'm, I'm saying like oh well i'm not gonna base it on a bunch of guys were being stupid fucking frat heads at some company. <laughs> like that's just, that's not enough evidence for me. It, especially if it's a situation where 80% of the people in the industry who, who are, want to work on the end in the industry are men and 20% are women. That's obviously structurally of a, a very hard demographic situation to overcome like if you're going to say we need a 50 50 situation and which this I happens don't say, which okay I don't say. okay uh good but there are di different situations where they are saying that like title nine will give a certain amount of money to colleges for different sporting things and the men over like 80 percent of men are into sports 20 percent of women are into sports so the women end up getting all of this money they're basically just th throwing money at right and left I don't know if that's a wise use of resources in the gaming industry. I, I don't think I'm advocating for that. What, what I'm suggesting is there is a deep internal bias that goes beyond uh, right versus left politics mm -hmm. uh, that stops this repeatedly creating misery for women uh, in the video game industry. And I have seen a lesser version of this in politics, which in my estimation is a much less sexist field. Uh, but I think when you look at the way AOC tree is treated, I think it's a very similar uh, thing that stops the best people from uh, rising to the top of these fields in my estimation. I, well, AOC is so powerful though. It's hard for when you're using AOC as an example, I think she's probably one of the most powerful people in Congress. Do you think so? Yeah. What do you base that on? Just her her reach, her popularity. I mean, it's... She's going to run for president someday. Yeah. Like a chance, probably, in 10, 20 years. We have, we have some polling. She'd do pretty well uh, mm -hmm. in the party. I, I agree with you. She has a good social media presence, but I think when you look at the uh, committees that she serves on, um, or like say the the policies that she has uh, successfully gotten over the, the finish line, I would suggests that um you know uh, the democratic party the legislation we're putting out is not you know stamped by aoc what what kind uh, of fundraising does she do though because i she's she like a massive well. fundraiser so that's she very well yeah. yeah that translates into uh power in the democratic party but mm -hmm. this is a really good example of this i've seen aoc criticized um you know what's his name uh jackson hinkle right mm -hmm. uh, left-wing grifter uh, in my estimation, terrible human being. Is he? Is um, he left wing? I thought Jackson Hinkle was. <laughs> he's he, he, at least in the Sam Cedar debate I saw. He he claimed to be that. But he was going uh, critiquing AOC, if I recall correctly, um, and many others have as well. For her, um, you know, basically donating using her pack to donate to candidates uh, throughout the Democratic Party, and I'm like, 
oh God, this is like, this is my job. I know exactly what this is about. Like you get favor by, you know, making friends on the ground and, you know, just, just working with people and giving them resources. And then in turn, you can call them up for help when you need it. Um, and it's like, she's hit with these double standards where, oh, AOC is donating to normie Democrats. What a complete betrayal of her progressive principles. I mean, it's the double standards. Mm -hmm. I think there are, I think there are two ways for politicians to get political power nowadays. I think one of them is sort of the more classical way, which is to gain power within the party and to get to be sort of like the person people come to to get votes and to get legislation and policies passed and you know basically to get money. And I think the second way is just someone that can generate a lot of energy uh, political uh, publicly and a lot of energy and support from you know people out there in social media space. And I think. You know, AOC obviously doesn't seem to have the power in terms of the, the more classical way to gain power, but she definitely does seem to have the energy and the power for that second method. And I yeah. do think that's, you know, kind of what Adam was alluding to. And I think that's what a lot of people are alluding to. And I think that AOC definitely has so much visibility. And I think that the right attacking her so much, actually, at the end of the day, is probably going to end up helping her. She hasn't could, figured out how to yeah. turn her money raising skills into chairmanships, but she will sooner or later. She will. Well, she doesn't play nice with the Democrats in power. So I think she maybe does. once they all die off, then then she'll be set. But I think she's been very uh, strategic in working mm -hmm. with the party. And, uh, you know, again, I can tell you someone that works behind the scenes of the party. Uh, her people are really, really good and really, really pragmatic. I think she she said something I think about every single day at work, and it's that the the best people uh, in the party are the ones that are nat naturally uh, coalition builders, the ones that uh, kind of think about bringing people together instead of driving people apart. And I think um, yeah, that at its core is my biggest problem with this. You know, to use your word, Stitch, the, mm -hmm. the wokeism trend and what you were talking about, Adam, with the, the moral uh, purity testing. I think that there are parts of the fringe left that want to throw everyone away when they don't uh, hold the most extreme position. And I think if you're in the business of divide, 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 uh, sooner or later, you're the only person in the room. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that's very, um, I think she's extremely strategic. I just think if you had a man with her set of skills and her charisma and her communication ability, I think I would have no doubt that he would be president one day. And I frankly don't think we'll see uh, President AOC in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. Really? Well, um, yep. <laughs> I'm, look, I think well, we'll AOC see is definitely going to run for president. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, but let me just say it's a, it's it's Sitch, not Stitch. Oh, I apologize. Yes, That's okay. Um, but I mean, it's interesting Sitch that... like Kim Possible. Is that where that comes from? Well, Sitch it just means short for situation. Yeah, so. like Kim Possible. That's yeah. She said she, that's not why I named myself <laughs> that, but that is something that was like Kim Possible. Dun, dun, um, dun, dun. Kim, you you're a Kim Possible fan. I didn't. I had no idea, Sitch. I'm a huge Kim Possible fan. But uh, no, I don't. It's interesting that she said that about, you know, coalition building and unifying, because I agree, definitely in terms of political power. I just, she doesn't strike me, at least what she says publicly. She does not come off as a unifier in her public statements. She comes off very divisive in you the way that she so? presents herself. Yes. yes. Yeah. Maybe divisive is a way I'm to raise so... money. Maybe exactly. I was aligned with her so much. What's an example of her being divisive, do you feel? I mean, the way that she will. 
to me, when you talk about like a unifier, it's someone who's going to try to actually reach across the aisle to people on the right or people in the center to kind of draw them in. And whenever I would see your tweets or hear her talking, it's, there's a lot of like, you know, right wing bad, you know, these people against us bad. These people are kind of trying to destroy us and take away our rights and our freedoms and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yeah, I think um, when I say coalition building, I mean, within the left, um, mm -hmm. you know, we are a very wide coalition, right? right. So uh, I think that's what I was talking about. I think. Oh, I, oh coalition. More, I see. Coalition on yeah, the left, right? Well, didn't she have, the, I mean, maybe she's changed. Didn't she have the whole issue with the, um, uh, who was it when they were trying to run, they're going to be speaker, they're voting for speaker and she and a bunch of the other progressive caucus were like standing in the way. Yeah. And trying to prevent them from being speaker. Yeah. It was, Pelosi. Uh, it was, yeah, it was Pelosi. Was it for the force to vote? They won the force to vote on uh, universal, not for universal, for Medicare for all. You know, I don't remember where she fell on force the vote, um, but I do remember that whole thing. They ended up supporting her, if I recall. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't think it's bad to try to get uh, concessions within the, I think that's just exercising the levers of power in my mm -hmm. view. Um, well, I mean, with the, the force to vote thing, I don't, I'm getting kind of. I'm looking. I just. I, I don't support right force the vote. Right. To yeah. Be clear, well, but, to me, it was yeah. it was silly just because it's like Biden literally ran on a public option, not on Medicare for all. So the idea that you would throw that into the the mix it would be kind of a slap in the face to the person when they just you know won the presidency. Yeah. But, and to the voters who voted for Biden. Right. Um, but, but I how think, can I'll, you look at Nancy Pelosi and conclude she's the best our party has? I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, no, no, no disrespect to I, I appreciate it's very sexist of you to say that I appreciate her long history of service in the uh -huh. party. I, I genuinely do. You know, I remember when she became speaker, it was really it, it was something that meant a lot to me as someone that wanted to see more women in power. I also think that this generation um, of leaders, um, you know, this is the boomers have kept power for a disproportionately long time. Like this has been a long time of them holding the reins to power. And uh, yeah, I think it's um, I, I think it's time to recruit some more talent and build up within the party and give some other people their shot. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's just because she's a woman. They have a problem with her. <laughs> yes that's it that's it nancy pelosi is from a rich state i think it's because she's a fundraiser i think she raises a I think that's it. lot of money mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's i think she's been very good at doing favors and building up power that yeah. way I, quite well, I mean agree. same thing i think it was with like you know with hillary she's like people that have been in power or have you know they have access to the trappings of power even if you know people don't like their policies necessarily or just you know, they end up being able to push themselves to the top of leadership um but you, I want to go back to something you said, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, uh, you said that you didn't, you know, you don't buy the whole blank slate of social construction for gender. Um, what what do you think is kind of an inherent gender differences, or I guess it would be average because everyone's different, what would be sure. an average inherent gender differences between men and women? Oh, gosh, uh, that's really hard to say. Um, uh, are you talking about like biologically wired yes. and fundamentally? Yeah. yeah. I... Yeah, I really feel like you'd need a researcher for this. Uh, I know for me as a kid, I only wanted to play Barbie dolls. And mm -hmm. uh, I think when it comes to, you know, I think when it comes to my approach to the professional sphere, I, I work a lot more on trying to get along with people than I think some of the men do with my exact same job. So um, 
I don't know. I think there's a, just kind of a personality difference mm-hmm. uh, in how you approach things. So you think, um, you know, coalition building is more of a, a female thing? I think you that, think that like being aggressive yeah. is more of a, of a guy thing. I think I, mean, I would agree with at, you. If that, I, I think that Deborah Tannen wrote a really interesting book on this uh, for mm-hmm. gender and communication. It was talking about how women are socialized that um, when we're in all women groups, the, the point of it is even when we disagree to come to agreement on the disagreement, which mm. I think is a much healthier way to deal with uh, intergroup stress and conflict than uh, puffing up your chest and trying to beat someone else down, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more aggression. So I think there's uh, just yeah. a approach to problem solving that is uh, um, tends to be different, uh, though obviously there are exceptions to that. Sure. There's a, I forget who did the study that we talk about all the time. Um, there's been a lot of research that shows that when men get into conflict, uh, not always, but but when men get into conflict, they can actually become uh, more friendly with each other or actually form a closer relationship after they fight. Even I if believe it's a physical that. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. And and for women, it's like the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely believe that. Yeah. So so that's got to be like a huge, like weird thing because like, you know, men and women are interacting with conflict so differently because the way that, you know, like men can like, you know, battle each other. Like me and Adam, we can like scream at each other on stream and, you know, we're still fine. But if, you know, if it was, you know, a man and a woman, maybe it'd be very different. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. Um, and let's just be honest. I mean, there's, we're probably never going to live in a reality where, you know, men dominate the nursing profession and mm-hmm. uh, school teaching and things like that. Right. I, I genuinely don't know if it's sociological or biological. I, I just genuinely have no idea. My, my personal goal isn't to erase those differences, but I think when you look at yeah, not to come back to the game industry again, but like the discrimination women feel in the game industry causes a lot of hurt that I think y'all are really minimizing, uh, to be frank. I think there are a lot of dreams of starting your own game studio or getting that promotion or having your own say in a, a AAA title. And a pattern I see over and over and over again uh, with my friends is that... Um, they're extraordinarily talented women that are not given uh, what I would consider to be a fair shake. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's a societal problem worth addressing. Well, when you, when you talk about uh, structural sexism and structural racism, like um, it's like when we talk about, I'm assuming you mean systemic, you're referring to like systemic racism, systemic sexism, mm-hmm. which, you know, definitionally, you know, generally the way it's used today, it just means that an, a system creates an outcome that has disparate results along racial or sex lines. Is that how you're using it or using it differently? That, that definition kind of, well, no. I think what I don't like about that definition is it, mm-hmm. it, it makes it sound like it's always got to be 50-50, which is right. not really, maybe it's it's like structural barriers. Like, let's look at this. I, I come from Mississippi, right? So if you are a black person just trying to, you know, say, go to college and do what my dad did, right? Like open up your own practice, right? You've got to get through school, which is harder because black people face different obstacles as far as which public schools they're given and the resources. 
Then it's getting into college because we invest less in Black people in early education. So that has a factor. Then it comes to getting through college. Then it comes to getting the loans for med school. Then you're getting the loans to start your own practice and you're making the, the friends that you need along the way. At every single point of that, you're going to have like a, a lower chance of success. And it really shows up at the end of the day um, at the, the disparity of outcomes. So I think that's why we mean by structural oppression. So um, I'm a little, I'm trying to wrap yes, my mind sure. sure. Um, so, well, the first thing is it's interesting because, I mean, I'm glad you don't like that definition that I gave you. But unfortunately, that is like the actual definition. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of the problem that I think goes on a lot in these political conversations is that a lot of people are using terms and everyone kind of means different things by it. Yeah. And people end up, you know, siding and agreeing with people that they don't actually agree with. They just don't realize it because they don't realize the language that is being used in the conversation. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I think there are structural barriers for both, I think obviously a lot more for, uh, you know, black people than for women nowadays, but there are structural barriers that exist because of past um, bigotry against, you know, blacks and women that still have echo effects going forward into the future and still affect people nowadays. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, if that's all you're talking about when you're talking about like structural barriers, I, I mean, I agree to that. And I would like to, I mean, again, I want the Star Trek future. I would like, you know, for, you know, women to any woman that has a good idea or wants to be in the games industry to not face any level of sexism, um, you know, in that field. My only concern is that I, I still think, you know, when we look at and I kind of brought up how in other industries and in colleges and in, you know, uh, legal offices and in doctor's offices, how women seem to have, you know, been you know rising the ranks, uh, you know, very rapidly. Um, my only concern, I guess, here is that I'm totally fine with the gaming industry, you know, not being sexist. I just want it to be along the lines of liberal policy solutions as opposed to kind of like the more uh, far left, like, no, no, we have to like force quotas or force, uh, you know, force specific things into these industries, which I think are inherently toxic. Yeah. You know, one of the, the things I think, uh, Sitch, that's really changed about my approach to this is, you know, we're 10 years after Gamergate at this point, and, mm -hmm. you know, there are things that I advocated for 10 years ago that I just have come to the conclusion aren't helping the situation, right? Like, I think... Right. Yeah, DEI training is one. I was a really big advocate um, you know, for that 10 years ago. I think all the science is showing that doesn't work. I think that you know, filtering literally everything through the lens of identity, I think I think anyone can listen to my overall remarks here today and say I'm, I'm genuinely concerned about what women face in any number of fields. Mm -hmm. and that said, I think this approach that I see on the left of you know, demonizing everyone if they're not from some group or elevating other groups, I think that is not helping the situation. I, it really, I, I feel painted into a corner 
because a lot of the the tactics of you know like turning the video game industry into a, a low level gender war uh, <laughs> space does not seem to have um like there's some differences in outcome I can point to in the video game industry today. Um, you know, certainly there are more women protagonists today than a decade ago. And there's certainly more women game journalists at IGN and other you know, major periodicals, which I think is good. But, you know, a lot of these things, I feel um, it, it's really left me scratching my head going, how can we kind of rectify this? Because mm -hmm. a lot of the the things we thought would work don't seem to work if that makes sense yeah i mean, I, I understand what you're saying um i'm just worried that like i don't know if you've been following the, the situation with uber where uh their head of dei who was you know an asian woman actually she had a they had that she had a, she put on two uh of these sort of dei conferences where she was you know the controversial thing she was advocating for was that you know maybe you shouldn't call white women that work at uber karen's because that's technically a racial slur and you're, yeah. you know, demeaning their opinion just on the basis of the fact that they're a woman and white. And because she had the gall to say, don't be racist against white people, essentially, she was basically suspended pending an investigation Ooh, by Uber. That, Wasn't that she fired? Like an attack on freedom of speech to make. I'm sorry, go ahead. I think she was ultimately fired. Was she fired? I thought she was. Uh, maybe she might have been. I'm not sure. We, uh, no, I think she's, she was suspended. I don't know if they've ever, I don't know if they've ever come to a conclusion about firing her, but just to me, that's what I guess I worry about, you know, in terms of like these sort of uh, very, you know, blunt ways of trying to fix sexism or racism that it seems like we're kind of, you know, some, you know, radical people on the left are advocating for. I, it, it's, I would very, 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 very strongly agree that is a, a problem. A really good example is uh, my friend Tori. I don't know if y'all saw this on Twitter uh, over the last few days, but uh, my friend Tori, she's a trans woman. Like, she, God, she's so young. She's like 26 or something. And uh, someone that wanted to attack her went and uh, found some tweets by her when she was a teenager in a right-wing household, basically uh, defending George Zimmerman uh, in the George Zimmerman versus Trayvon Martin thing, right? Oh. Has an opinion that, frankly, half the country has. It's not my opinion. I don't hold this opinion. But it's what she felt back then. She has apologized for this. She does not feel this way anymore. And she uh, tried to move forward and become a better person, right? Oh. And what is Twitter doing? They're trying to fucking destroy her, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? As though she she needs to uh, pay penance for this. Um, and, and I definitely agree, this is a increasingly counterproductive tendency of the left. It's something professionally, I'm, I'm dedicating more and more, more of my life to addressing. I do have to say, though, I would take the toxicity of the left and our problems any day over what is going on on the right, which mm -hmm. I think is a, a, a much bigger problem with uh, poor judgment, in my estimation. Mm -hmm. Like what specifically? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean... I, I don't think every Republican is a Nazi, but I certainly think white supremacy <laughs> is it may be funny to you, but I think white supremacy is more emboldened today than I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there is extremism. I think there is a 
um, a, a lack of belief in democracy that underpins this version of the Republican Party. I think it's it's extremely concerning the direction that the right is moving in. Yeah, I agree with the. Um, I, I'm, I am concerned with the lack of respect for democracy and democratic practices. You know, we get into a lot of fights with people about January 6th stuff. Um, you know, and, and this is kind of the problem when people have, and they lose all faith in institutions. It kind of puts people in this mindset of, you know, we need the strong man to kind of come in and fix everything. And that can definitely lead down a very bad pathway, regardless of whatever political side of the aisle you're on. And I, I do think that I have seen an increase in uh, white supremacy or just racism, and I've seen an increase in anti-Semitism. Um, though, and this might be my own bias, but I feel like that increase in racism specifically, to me, it feels like that's kind of a reaction to a lot of, you know, quote, woke stuff, a lot of uh, anti-white racism. And I think that's kind of activating or at least allowing the, the racist people to kind of suck more and more people onto their side of the aisle. I, I agree. I think that's largely manufactured by right wing media, but I, I certainly agree that, you well, know, hearing about this nonstop on, mm -hmm. you know, Breitbart, Daily Mail, you know, whatever Ben Shapiro's thing is called. Um, yeah, Look, I we, certainly we agree. Covered a, but we covered yeah. a video on Sunday that was just like racist as can be. That was just a content creator on YouTube. That wasn't manufactured by right wing media. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to need yeah. to hear more. What What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, we do this all the time on the Sunday show. Like we find content creators that are saying very obviously racist things and they don't even really, they're not, they don't understand that they're doing it. It's like they well, have a past to be racist against whites. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, obviously that the right is going to, they're going to hyper fixate on it because it serves them politically. But I don't think, I wouldn't say it's manufactured. It definitely seems that ever since, you know, 2014, there's been a, a ramping up of, you know, acceptability of anti-white statements publicly, which to me is disturbing <laughs> as a white person. So I feel like we have to be there, you know, I think we need to be in a society where racism isn't really tolerated regardless of you know, the direction it's kind of aimed at. And it feels like, it feels like in a lot of spheres, it's very one-sided in terms of enforcement. Yeah. Do you really think as a matter of public policy, re in, I, I want to make this clear, I'm not making a statement like minimizing that because I've, mm -hmm. I've certainly seen sentiments like that, that I have found, I would say non-productive, right? And so I'm not going to say it doesn't exist. But as a matter of public policy, do you think that what white people are facing in this country is in any way proportional to what black people are facing because i i like if someone calls me a karen that annoys me <laughs> but that's not it's not like i can't go well, get a loan at a bank right? well, you know, they, they literally gave out ppp loans based on you know minority status though sure so that is uh you mean the trump administration against, that is racist against whites <laughs> well I, I don't I, care if it's yeah. the trump administration or the biden administration i don't care sure. who's doing it so you don't think there should be any efforts to like rectify um kind of structural inequality like with things like looking well, okay at, so that's uh, a question. so yeah. you're making you're making an argument you're saying listen black people have it rougher in america for social reasons and therefore we reasons, should yeah. and therefore we should give them economic perks because of it i think 
the way I tend to think about problems is, is this going to help the situation? So mm -hmm. I come from Mississippi, for instance. It is a fact that Black people there have a much harder time paying for our state schools, right? right? So I would not have a problem if a Mississippi legislator passed a, a, a program that looked at like helping get black people more proportionate um, access to higher education, right? Um, I wouldn't have a problem with a, a program like that. Well, you well, this began though. We we were saying anti-white racism seems to be accepted, and you said, "Well, is there a policy place where anti-white racism is accepted?" And I give you a policy where, uh, yeah, anti-white racism is How completely is that anti accepted. anti-white? Well, if, I, if I'm a business owner and I'm last in line because I'm white and all the money runs out, then obviously I'm being discriminated against. So, okay, here's an example. My husband loves candy, right? Mm -hmm. So he ate all the leftover Halloween candy, right? He ate 80% of the bag. They're going there the other day and I wanted a peanut butter cup and there were two peanut butter cups left in the bag. Yeah, I took both of them because that was, uh, he'd eaten 80% of the bag. Like, was I being unfair to him in that instance? Should he have gotten, uh, even though he ate like 99% of it, should I split that peanut butter cup with him? Well, but him you're, this, even in your example, you're making the argument that white people have eaten 80% of the candy in America and that now it's time for black people to get their share. I, I do think that there's some truth in that. I do. Well, so, I mean, it's not the perfect example just because obviously your, your husband is an individual and made an individual decision versus sure. you know, all white people are not, you know, amorphous blob, you know, acting in a specific way. Sure. Um, but I think the, the issue is, you know, the going back to, you know, the question you asked, which is, do, you, do I think that white people are facing, you know, the policies of or facing racism in the country that's comparable to black people? I mean, to me, you know, regardless of whether that's true or not and regardless of how someone comes on the issue that still doesn't mean that we in our society should allow blanketly you know blanket uh, racism against white people yeah you know, regardless of whether that's the case and it's just it's strange to me that we essentially do let me give you this example let's see if we can uh, maybe this is better than white uh than racism so mm -hmm. i have one of the things that's changed in my thinking uh today versus gamergate is I've come to the conclusion that male loneliness is one of the very biggest problems that we face in America. I think that we are, for multifactorial reasons, creating a lot of dangerous, very isolated young men, right? Um, so, and I think during the Gamergate era, we tried like marginalizing these people or making fun of them or kind of shaming them. Uh, and, and hoping that would address our problems, that does not seem to have been a fruitful course of action. So no, the, the conclusion the conclusion I've come to is that we need to invest as a society uh, much more in targeted ways towards uh, boys' mental health, right? And I would have zero problems with a, a program that was set up for yeah, whatever dudes do, y'all know better than I do. Like playing basketball together. I don't know. Like stuff around the country to help boys. Video game make, development. 
video game video <laughs> playing video games together i would love to see a national splatoon no making video that games. would be great I, what what i'm saying is for something that was targeted like that Mm-hmm. I would not mm-hmm. have a problem with that disproportionately benefiting men because I right. think even though the the you know they're alive really dire straight uh, statistics about what young women are going through, I think it's pretty clear that men are facing something that's even worse. Yeah. Would in that situation would y'all insist on it being fifty fifty if we decide to like treat this really seriously as a as a country? Well, no, no, just, it, look, I I say this in jest, but it, it's worth. It's worth pointing out here. What if it was in video game development? I wouldn't have a problem with. I I don't think that's a. a so great look, we we have a here. we have a government program for people who want to start their own video game company, and we're going to give eighty percent of it to men and twenty percent of it to women. Yeah, I would have a big problem with that. I think okay, because yeah, that okay. is because that is not addressing the problem that I'm talking about. Right? Mm-hmm. Show me something that would address the problem I'm talking about, and right. right like there's no societal problem that is benefited from giving men an even bigger piece of the pie in the game industry. Well, right? I don't necess- I don't know. Maybe, you know, well, obviously you could say, you know, therapy, going to therapy. We'll give the money to go to therapy, but if the sure. if giving the money to start a video game company actually does better for their outcomes than than therapy then I then think we're in that situation. I think can make their own assessment if that's a, a good thing. My my so, question to you is: Would you do you think there's an ethical problem with spending disproportionately more money to? Yes. Uh, like uh, you do. I do. Okay. Yes, because I I think it. The, look, the problem is when these the perception of unfairness mm-hmm. creeps in. There's a thing called procedural fairness, and and when people realize procedural fairness has been thrown in the garbage then it's like a free-for-all everybody's like they it gives kind of gives them a license to be racist and sexist pieces of shit so i think that's what the problem is um okay i mean i I I don't assessment yeah i don't i guess i don't agree um i don't have a problem like if there's you know if men have some specific issue that we can clearly see and the government wants to fund trying to help that issue i don't have a an issue i don't have a problem with that especially with the mental health stuff um, I think it can, it, it depends what the help is because, you know, there's a, obviously just spending money on a group will piss some people off if they're not part of the group, but there's sort of the additional problem with, you know, the difference between saying like, oh, I want to spend mental health, I want to spend tax money on mental health for men versus I want to help men, you know, you know, the kind of uh, example Adam gave kind of jokingly, but it kind of would be comparable in a lot of like the affirmative action policies, which would be, I want to give men a leg up in you know an environment where they might be competing against women for jobs it's a little bit different of a situation because then people feel more of a direct conflict but more importantly than that i want to go back to uh what you said before which is that you know during gamergate and definitely after there was this acceptability of attacking uh young men in and i would say in a very sexist way and one of the most common ways is to call a guy an incel yeah or nick beard Right, or a neckbeard. But incel specifically, and it's kind of funny because like the call a guy an incel is literally playing into the patriarchy. It's literally playing into misogyny because it's saying you as a male don't have worth because you weren't able to fuck a woman. And so it kind of like makes women just a sex object or a trophy for guys to fuck. And yet it was weird because people who were supposedly, you know, on the pro-feminist side were totally fine levying this insult at guys. And 
And so it's kind of like, that's what I'm seeing right now with like a lot of the acceptability of that is kind of like the acceptability of, you know, racism against white people, which even though, you know, guys and white people don't necessarily face the same levels of systemic racism or sexism, even from a left perspective, that those attacks and that mentality pra uh, pragmatically and consequentially, I think creates more sexism, creates more racism. So it doesn't seem like, it seems like there's nothing but a loss from doing this. And I think the left gain a lot from just agree. coming out and blanketly saying, no, we're not doing this anymore. No, I, I'm a, well, I, I do with the caveat that as I understand it, incel was what they called themselves, uh, where the term originated. Yes. Um, you know, I've long been outspoken about, um, you know, not uh, using the phrase neckbeard, right? I think if you would, I, I think attacking someone on the basis of their appearance mm -hmm. is, uh, it, it's a gendered slur, right? right. Um I, I don't think that the the I, I don't think that men are facing the same pressures of being dehumanized in that way as women are. But I think it's not good. And I think pragmatically it's not smart. I mean, there's there's a lot that I would do differently today uh versus uh 10 years ago during Gamergate because I, I agree with you. I think the approach that I took, in, uh, with the caveat that I was always talking about systems more than I think a lot of the other major figures of Gamergate were, because I was talking about trying to get more women hired at the bottom and building out the, the issues with the game industry, like from a public policy perspective. You can find hundreds of my statements on that. But I do think that there was an approach to it of thinking we could shame men into better behavior. And I think that has been proven to be spectacularly um, false. And that's something I have a lot of regret about uh, mm -hmm. with those years. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I give you massive credit uh, for coming to that realization. I wish more people come to that realization. Just... In that same way, do you have any, I mean, I have to tell you, dude, I watched your <laughs> video on Gamergate. Yeah. It Before, was like just... a, hold on, I just want to say this. It was oh. like an alternate fucking reality, man. Let's, let's get, let's yeah. get into that. I want to, I want to yeah. discuss that as someone who does it, like I wasn't really around for Gamergate, sure. so I don't know. But is, um... I don't have any perspective on it. I just want to say on the, on the program thing, there's sure. a way to structure the program so it disproportionately helps men but it's still perceived as fair. The way to sure. structure the program is to say, anyone can have access to the program, but you know it's men that predominantly need the program, so obviously men are going to access it more frequently than women. So right. uh, the, I, I think the, the appearance of fairness, I do think, is very important because that's what causes a situation where people think you know, they're getting taken advantage of. But isn't that the problem? Because if you look at the actual bones of a lot of this public policy decisions that we do, you know, look, I don't know if y'all have ever sat on a planning committee for like your, your local town, right? Mm -hmm. I certainly have. When you get a bunch of people together and you start talking about this stuff, it gets watered down. It's not far left. It is democracy in action, right? It's that compromise that leaves everyone mad, but it's reported to people in these really sensationalistic terms. I mean, like, uh, so I am fully in agreement with you. Like what you're talking about is good public policy, right? It's, it obviates and helps generate the, uh, it obviates the downside and generates the, the perception supports the program, right? right? That's smart. I think the way we talk about things consistently lacks that kind of nuance. Well, you, you, even with your candy example, you're kind of playing into 
the anti-white stereotype that I think is what's causing a lot of the anti-white uh, racism that we see so so displayed so publicly on social media because mm -hmm. people have this concept that whites have as as a group have you know eaten all the candy when sure you know there are certain people in our society who have disproportionately benefited from the system and that they happen to be white but that doesn't mean all whites have disproportionately benefited from the system that's the the I, that's the stereotype idea. It's the same exact thing, you know, when people want to talk about the black crime statistics, I, I feel horrible for the black people who are saddled with this stereotype that aren't criminals. Like white people who are not rich or not, you know, have not eaten all the candy who are saddled with this stereotype that white people are greedy racists. It's just, it's terrible. We looked at my Twitter, I think it'd be, pretty hard to find a statement since I ran for office that would be all white people have eaten all of the candy. Well, I mean, no, I no. Think, and, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not accused. I'm not accusing you of, of this. Sure. I do think just the example that you lay forward does kind of, uh, does kind of embody that stereotype. Does it not? I don't think so. Cause I'm talking about a solution to a structural problem. So I, right. I don't know. It's, it's well, like, if, if yeah. people historically, if whites, if certain white people historically have, have gained a disproportionate advantage from all of society. And today we're going to solve that by giving specific programs to blacks, even though a lot of whites have been disproportionately hurt by those same programs. That's just unfair. And, and I think white people can see that, but because we've built this, stereotype this kind of crt type stereotype that all whites have benefited from uh you know these structural injustices i just i don't i don't think that's fair i think it's i think it is the same exact thing as the stereotype that blacks are disproportionately criminals i i hear you i i think the it sounds like the i think it sounds like we agree that the correct policy public policy prescription is one that is structured in a way to uh, not feel blatantly one-sided to one group, even if the outcome of that does help one group. I think that the distance in our perspectives here is the, the, the difference to which I need myself and my comfort to be the center of that messaging. Um, it frankly doesn't bother me. It, it, it clearly bothers other people. And I think that... Um, you know, this is something I learned running for office is everybody wants to feel their problems are being taken seriously. Everyone wants to feel heard and they want leaders that um, can address those problems. So well, um, I hear what you're saying. Well, you I mean, you I'm sure are the victim of various stereotypes as well. So it's mm -hmm. it's easy. It's easy for us to see, you know, when a, when someone forwards some kind of stereotype and you think to yourself, well, that's not me. You know, I'm not a part of that that stereotype. You're the one that's literally being victimized by the stereotype. But people constantly, you know, uh, just without even thinking about it, put these stereotypes in the world. And I, I really think that's a huge part of the problem. Even, yeah. even, and let's, I mean, let's talk about the Gamergate thing. You can kind of explain what's going on here. I'll just start us off by saying, you know, I think a lot of this stereotype thing that I'm talking about is sort of caught up in the Gamergate thing. Because 
a stereotype, in my understanding, I could be wrong. Like I said, I don't know much about it, and I'll let you and Sitch kind of correct me if I am wrong. But I feel like there all of a sudden was this stereotype of gamers, that they were all pieces of shit, sexist, meatheads. And a lot of people said, listen, I like to play games. I have friends that are girls. I'm not a piece of shit sexist. And I don't like this stereotype being foist upon me as a gamer. So it was really a fight over these stereotypes. So what is your what is your take on Gamergate? Mine? Yeah. What 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 what, well, what is Gamergate? I, I think I think it's respectful. I think mm-hmm. it's fairly ridiculous to say that the center point of focus during Gamergate is the gamers that felt hurt by some of the stereotypes uh, that were coming out. The the central people that were affected by Gamergate were the women that were being targeted by you know, rape threats and death threats and having their careers destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, Sitch, this is, um, you know, I want to be respectful to you. You've been perfectly civil to me. Uh, please Thank don't you. take this as a, a personal You can go attack. <laughs> call me. Call me an idiot. No, but I, Look, I beat up on I, Sitch I would, all the time. He's got thick say, skin. <laughs> I would say the video that I watched with 1.1 million views, I would say it's intellectually dishonest. Thank you. What I saw. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how you talk about Gamergate and not even mention the fact that multiple women were bullied out of their careers. Mm-hmm talk about people getting rape threats, death threats, me being run out of my house. You know, I got swatted uh, literally about four weeks ago, right? This this Gamergate stuff never ended for me. And I think it's, I, I just, I found it astonishingly mm-hmm. intellectually dishonest. What do you think um, motivated the, the energy behind Gamergate? It goes about harassing women. So you, so you think... That the people who were like really on board, that was that was the energy. They're like, we just want to harass women. Like that's, I mean, you think that's I, what they thought about themselves when they were doing? I think that, you know, I told this story a lot. And when the Gamergate TV show um, comes out, this person ended up being one of our main characters. Uh, mm-hmm. That the, the can, show. Can we just yeah. give like a just a background for someone like me who? Like what? What is Gamergate? What are we? Sure. What are we talking about here? What happened? Gamergate was the first salvo in the culture wars of how we argue online. Uh, basically, it was about um, a woman in the game industry uh, started getting targeted uh, after an ex-boyfriend wrote a blog, and it exploded in a, uh, a gender war uh, that ended up with a lot of women uh, quitting the game industry. Okay, so it's it started off as like the opening salvo in basically this kind of cancel culture attitude on social well, media. No, it wasn't Gamer really Gate was about the start culture. of how we argue online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, to me, the thing that's interesting about, and this is why I asked the question about what was motivating it. To me, that was interesting about Gamergate because my video um, came out in 2016. So it was two sure. years after Gamergate, um, even though I was on the internet, but I wasn't making videos back then. Um, the thing that's interesting to me about Gamergate, it was, it was kind of, the bigger version of atheism plus where you see this sort of the beginning of the shift publicly of kind of big swaths of the left moving from liberal to sort of more anti-liberal ideas and the thing with gamergate was you know you have uh you know zoe quinn's boyfriend comes out or ex-boyfriend i guess comes out accuses her of infidelity and doing all this stuff for um for her video game i don't know if any of that stuff was ever remotely true it was um, but essentially 
well uh, pe- parts of it weren't true but go ahead right i'm sure i'm sure it was hyperbolized and you know things of that nature um but essentially you know when those accusations came out there were some very small areas of the internet and some small message boards and on 4chan where people were discussing sort of this you know these accusations and to me like if that's all that would have happened then Gamergate never would have existed because, you know, people would be talking about this drama and then it would just dissipate. But, but the problem was that once people were talking about that drama, and I don't know if it's because, you know, this is sort of the beginning of wokeism or if it's because Zoe Quinn herself had a lot of connections in a lot of these industries, you had a lot of these websites uh, start blocking people from talking about them. And then you had, they were all like within a day or two of each other. You had a bunch of different gaming publications all release a bunch of articles that were basically using you know, the story of people, you know, harassing or talking about Zoe Quinn as a jumping off point to make broader statements about how the gaming industry and gamers themselves were all essentially sexist. And that to me is what kind of sparked, you know, Gamergate and what sparked a bunch of people's interest because it's kind of what you were saying, Adam, where essentially a large swath of people were just levied the accusation against them that they were all sexist pieces of shit. And a lot of people are like, you know, like, what the hell? Like, you can't just attack me out of nowhere. Like, I don't, you don't even know me. So to me, that's to me, that was the motivating energy of, of Gamergate. So there are a lot of factual inaccuracies uh, mm-hmm. with what you just said. Um, for starters, Gamergate didn't start with Zoe Quinn. It started with Anita Sarkeesian and Feminist Frequency. Uh, so in what year was this? It was 2012 or 2013. You know, a feminist academic, uh, Anita Sarkeesian, launches Feminist Frequency, where she wants to uh, look at tropes in the video game industry um, and basically do it on a YouTube channel. Reactionary gamers freaked out. Uh, They targeted her. She started to be the subject of death threats, bomb threats, uh, was literally run out of one public speaking engagement, and that playbook started to spread to other women in the video game industry, um, um, uh, including one woman that was bullied out of Polygon uh, for suggesting that a giant bomb who had never hired a woman in their whole history should hire a woman. They harassed her and went into her past um, and basically targeted her and made the price of speaking out so high it was easier for her to just literally quit her job. Um, And that was a pattern that happened over and over and over again. Uh, Eventually, they went after Zoe Quinn, and uh, eventually they they went after me. So Gamergate is the start of how we argue online today, which is, uh, you know, you find someone you disagree with, and you want to shut up, and you go through their whole past, and you find something to attack them with out of context, right? Um, and what is so disconcerting to me is today, it's not just the the right wing doing Gamergate. I told you the story of Tori earlier today. That was a pure Gamergate tactic there. So it's this tactic that has come and poisoned politics on the right and the left, but a lot more proportionately on the right. Mm-hmm. So uh, regarding the Anita thing, so when I said like where Gamergate started, I'm, I'm referring to like where the name came from, where the movement sure. came from. You know, obviously which was directly related to the Zoe Quinn situation. Obviously there was, uh, Anita obviously had a lot of ener- of similar energy before Zoe Quinn stuff came out. Cause as you know, Anita came out, as you said, in 2012 with Feminist Frequency and she received a lot of uh, criticism, criticism, which I don't know if it was all justified, but I think a lot of it was justified. She definitely had a radical uh, feminist viewpoint. She wasn't just advocating for the idea that, you know, we want to have more female protagonists or we want to have more, you know, female characters in games that aren't just trophies. 
I mean, she she was definitely coming at it from a critical radical feminist perspective. I mean, Did you her, watch the videos? That's not yes. true at all. One no. of her, wait, one of her most famous quotes was literally to say that everything is sexist, everything is racist, and it was her job to point it all out. And that's coming from a purely critical perspective that, you know, everything in society that's created by men has sexism embedded in it. Everything created by white men is, has racism embedded in it. And that was definitely the philosophical perspective she was coming from with her videos. I, I can't uh, defend every quote in every Anita Sarkeesian video. I think directionally, if you look at those videos, they were a fairly academic critique about some tropes in video games that we need to think about. A uh, really good example is I you know, grew up gaming in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think about Double Dragon, right? What is the objective in Double Dragon? Uh, the gang comes out, punches Jessica, Boom, you see her underwear as they carry her over her shoulders. And right. then your reward for being the game is going and, and saving Jessica. She's thinking about tropes like that from a feminist academic perspective. It's very dry. It's very technical. It's very fact-checked. Um, and honestly, like I wasn't a massive fan of them. They were, they were far too dry for me. Um, they were very so boring. Yes. That's true. I, I, but I think, I think what the reaction is is um, – you know, the disproportionate backlash. The woman is entitled to her opinion. It's a free speech issue. And I think when you have literal video game developers in the industry taking her face and making flash games where you can beat up Anita Sarkeesian and make her, you know, bloodier and bloodier and, you know, her getting bomb threats called in to speaking engagements at universities. I mean, this is the problem. It's not a single line in the video. It was the mm -hmm. disproportionate backlash, uh, the intimated violence. Yeah, no, obviously, I don't agree with people uh, calling bomb threats or threatening anyone for the right, free speech. Right, but you I'm, left I'm, all that out of your video, well, oh, which is why it was so on. dishonest. Right. So hold on. So I'm not obviously in favor of any of that. You know, I'm in favor of everyone being able to have their opinion and free speech online. What I'm, I'm pointing out with Anita is just I'm saying that her position is significantly more radical than just saying she just wants, you know, uh, women to be portrayed positively in video games. It's, it's significantly more radical than that. Okay. Now she can she say that. that. That's her free speech, yeah. but that's what her position is. Did did she say that? That was what I she saw. Said that every... the yeah. What I saw the outcome of the video was looking at the looking at a lot of the it was called tropes versus women for mm -hmm. a reason. It was thinking about the tropes in the video game industry and making you aware of them and hoping that the industry would make different choices. She said over and over again at the beginning of every video, you can like things that are problematic. Um, you know, you can appreciate media even if it has these themes. She said that repeatedly. So I think the part of the the animosity towards her was that it seemed like people were in the gaming industry were listening to her or at least they were making overtures as if they were listening to her and since they felt like her critiques were so far out there not all of them but a lot of them there was this worry that i was like oh my god this is going to be as we called back then this was the pc police kind of coming into you know another field and kind of gonna you know pcify everything do you not think people, games you know, are stronger like... if you think about like, are we treating half of the player base as if they are have no value beyond being sex symbols? I mean, I think that's just good business, right? Well, obviously, well, so, but, okay. So again, obviously I, I'm not against having women characters be protagonists in games, having female characters be more than sex symbols. If that was, if that was literally her base of her critique and she was coming at it from a liberal philosophical framework, 
you know, there would have been complaints about her, but I don't think there would have been the massive complaints that she got. I mean, I'm trying to remember because it's been you know a million years ago. The two things that stick out in my mind from one of her videos, besides, you know, the quote that I already told you was, you know, her famously complaining about how in one of the Hitman games, you know, where there's a level where you're in a strip club, you know, you're like, she, she criticized the video game for objectifying women because you can like pick up the body of a stripper and throw her in a closet or a dumpster. And everyone was like, well, I mean, first of all, in Hitman, you can kill anyone. You're not supposed to kill a stripper. You can kill anyone you want and you can drag them around as an object and throw them in a dumpster. So it seems like a weird thing to say that this is like a sexism that's happened in the game. And then the other thing I remember was her criticizing Borderlands 2, which to me was even more bizarre because Borderlands 2 is like super pro-feminist. And for her to criticize the fact that a female character essentially like is sacrificed to save an entire planet's population, so much so that, and then and then Anthony Birch, the writer of Borderlands 2, like ends up agreeing with her about this. It's just, I don't know, there's a lot of weird stuff that was going on there that I think her positions were far more radical than you're, than you're giving her credit for. Well, my my position here is like the the degree of radicalness of her opinions is completely exogenous to the point that I'm making, which mm-hmm. is, and I'm trying to do this politely, but in my estimation, it's one of the primary targets of Gamergate. You made a video that attempted to reframe the conflict of Gamergate in a way that I, I don't know how to describe it except a, a blatant lie. You didn't mention any of the death threats, the rape threats, the bomb threats, people having to cancel engagements. I was ushered by a former Secret Service person just trying to get into PAX East because someone on the floor had taken a picture of me and talked about stabbing me with a knife and how they were going to be the chosen. You just conveniently leave all this out Mm -hmm. and reframe it as like this attack on on gamers and i look i'm with you that i think there are ways we could have talked about this more constructively but i think this is like this is some orwellian shit man (laughs) so the the my motivation for doing my video in 2016 was because you know if you type in gamergate on google you know you'll find every single article by every single publication that says gamergate is a harassment campaign. If you look it up on Wikipedia, and I remember this when this is, I remember this at the time that Gamergate started to form, there was like this massive fight on Wikipedia about whether yeah. it should be, you know, neutral or whether there should be, you know, uh, have a, a, a perspective in the, the fight. And obviously w- Wikipedia ended on the perspective because if you look it up, you know, it's Gamergate is a harassment campaign. And so I'm over here thinking, well, I think there needs to be the other side of the story, the people that support Gamergate but don't obviously support the harassment, which I mean, I guess I thought at the time you didn't say that, that. <laughs> I should, I guess I should have said that, but I yeah. would have expected, you know, when I was making the video, I thought like, well, obviously people who watch my videos know I don't support, you know, attacking people because my channel was very all about free speech at the time when I made that video. Um, you know, I should have, I should have, you're right. I should have put it in something that said like, obviously I don't support, you know, people going out and harassing people, but I thought that would be just sort of the implicit uh, message of the thing. But this is why I asked in the beginning, I said, what do you think the motivating energy is for Gamergate? Because Gamergate was a lot of people. It was a big movement. And I don't think that like 99% of people, I don't think 50%, I think there was a small amount of people that were involved that were doing this harassment. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that the entire movement was the embodiment of that harassment. I think directionally, yeah, I, I do think that was fair. I think there are... I think, you know, it was so interesting. I was just uh, doing Netflix a few uh, weeks ago and 
I um, one of the people that's going to be in this uh, show that comes to Netflix. Um, this is a different show than the fictional one that's being developed, but uh, he's actually a Gamergator. That's one of the uh, key uh, moderators for Kotaku in Action, which is basically Gamergate headquarters on Reddit. And, you know, we've become friends over the years, right? Um, and I know for him, it really was about ethics in, in game journalism. And he did care about that. And he did have a problem with the wokeism and was incredibly consistent in, you know, um, calling out the harassment. So I do think there were individual ends of this. But as one of the, like, I got to tell you, I did a lot of research on Kotaku in action back in the day and A-chan and 4chan. And I think directionally, the average person that was involved in those movements overwhelmingly hated us, right? They didn't believe any of the uh, death threats or rape threats were real, and they were very much enabling that. I think what you may be referring to that I think you're conflating is there were people on the side, just ordinary white dudes in the video game industry deeply resented this idea that people like Lee Alexander were putting out there to the public, like gamers don't have to be your, your core audience. Right. right? right. Um, and I think there's a discussion there to be had. Were those tactics helpful? Were they right to feel disrespected? Are there things we could do differently? To me, those answers are yes. But I think if you're talking about Gamergate itself, I think you're talking about some some people that were very willing to turn a blind eye uh, to some things that caused mm -hmm. an immense amount of personal destruction. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that there were people that like that. I remember um, I remember at the time I cut on Kotaku in action. You know, like threads that I saw. Um, there would be a very big push, at least publicly, I don't know what's happening privately, publicly to not harass people, to not harass you, to not harass the weak, to not harass people uh, whatsoever. Um, obviously, since you personally received, you know, uh, death threats and things of that nature, like that's going to be, you know, your focal point for this. And then my focal point, since I didn't receive any death threats, and I was just, you know, a random white dude on the internet on Kotaku in action and these other things, and sort of looking more at the ideology that was kind of motivating the movement. Um, that's where my focus was on. I think th I think the interesting thing to me about Gamergate 2 was that this was kind of, and I think part of why it became about journalism or gaming journalism was because there wasn't really the language that a lot of people understood to really explain what was going on with this sort of uh, everything is sexist, everything is racist ideology. People, you know, people didn't really understand what that was yet. Now we have the word woke and before that we had social justice war and all that other stuff. And so I think people were just kind of at a loss to really try to understand what's going on here. So I don't know that was, I guess we just have different focal points about what Gamergate was about. Um, I don't think, you don't think we'll agree, but. Well, I think that the difference in assessment here and, I think like you're talking, oh, the Wikipedia came to this conclusion. The reason the Wikipedia came to that conclusion is, you know, every major news media organization in the world looked into this. And I can tell you as a subject of many of those interviews, I answered some incredibly hostile questions. Like it was um, because there were a lot of like people that were disinclined to believe us. It was an uphill battle getting our story out there. Um, you know, something I'm very proud of for Gamergate is I, I personally helped swing that narrative greatly um, by moving away from the gaming press and talking more to the New York Times and Washington mm -hmm. Post and ABC and all those, those places. I think I would suggest the reason the Wikipedia article um, aligns with my view is 
all this major media looked at these events and came to the conclusion I was telling the truth and Gamergate was not. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's my right. explanation. Yeah, well, Wiki, yeah. I mean, and Wikipedia bases its site, you know, bases like, you know, you can cite as long as you can cite a news article, essentially, right. that's how the, the story is formed. But I mean, the issue is that, you know, this is my contention, is that basically all the mainstream media especially around Gamergate, was incredibly biased. And I think a lot of the mainstream media still today is very left-wing biased. I mean, we just saw recently the whole thing with like, you know, the City by Karen story, which I don't know how familiar you are with that, where the media at first was incredibly biased against this lady calling her racist. I mean, you had, you know, NBC and ABC National News literally going to where she lived and knocking on her neighbor's doors and, you know, saying, hey, black neighbors, what do you think about this racist lady? So I think- I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. Are we talking about City by Karen? Yeah. Oh, y'all are that, dead on with that. Yeah. Right. But so, yeah. but yeah, exactly. So, but that's my, my point is that like, I think that the mainstream media is, is very um, biased towards the left. So I'm just saying, I don't think saying that just because the media felt one way about a situation, I don't think that's good evidence that they were, that that's the correct um, viewpoint of a situation. I, I, I think with City by Karen, I think it's a mistake to attribute that as right versus left. I think uh, you're falling into the, the laziness and sensationalism uh, bias that exists in media. And, you know, I, I think that that is the bias well, the same thing there. with Kyle Rittenhouse and the Covington sure. kids. And, you know, we see this time and time again. I mean, I, I think it is a I think it is a left right wing bias. I think the left gains political power by. Uh, by focusing on calls of racism and sexism. Are they forwarding the stereotype that all white people are racist Karens? I think uh, with Gamergate, it was so deeply reported that if there was an argument against, um, you know, the reason my reputation improved after Gamergate is because I always told the truth, you know, Um, and I didn't have anything to hide with what I was saying. So... Um, I think if there was a different story out there, I think people would have told it. Look, well, I think part of the, go ahead. Sorry. I think part of the problem with Gamergate was it seemed like the only people interested in trying to tell the other side was Breitbart, which I think is a highly politically <laughs> biased in the other direction publication. And I think that act, the fact that Breitbart was the only one willing to do that, I think is actually what drew a lot of people in those days uh, to the right. Was that I can tell you it's like the subject of some Breitbart had. articles. That was entirely erroneous journalism. I had many discussions uh, with lawyers about suing them uh, <laughs> over some of the things that oh, they Oh, yeah. Said. Breitbart is not so, a trustworthy location. Right. Right. Sure. Sure. But that's but that was my point. But anyway, so I don't know. So, so, so your point gonna... is that an untrustworthy publication that I can tell you objectively just made a bunch of stuff up. It no, was, my point was that yeah. that no one, there were no publications that I saw really. I mean, I think Kathy Young did some blog piece about this that was trying to be neutral, um, but there wasn't really any publications that seemed even remotely interested in trying to understand what the other side was in Gamergate back in those days, except for Breitbart, which as I, is not very trustworthy and is obviously completely biased in the other direction. And they were doing it purely for you know political uh, Machiavellian reasons, so trying to sucker a bunch of kids. So. Well, I think I would agree. Again, you know, something I've said repeatedly on media, I keep waiting for this to come back and uh, get me canceled by the left is I I do think that the way we approached it created a lot more chaos in the game industry than we solved. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that we made people more aware 
of what women faced in the game industry, I think directionally there are ways we could have approached what we wanted and gotten better results. So I would do that uh, drastically different today if it, uh, I went back in time sure. and did 2016 again. I mean, and there's also, I forgot about this. There was the whole thing with the um, the game journals list too, the email list where it's, it just, it felt like a lot of game journalists were sort of trying to band together to create a narrative behind the scenes and it seemed like that narrative won and so that's why i made the video was just to kind of push back on that narrative you don't but... think that maybe they came to that conclusion like i share your critique that mm -hmm. game journalists in my industry in my experience in the industry are respect to them they tend to be a clicky group of kind of unpleasant people to be around <laughs> who are very judgmental right yeah. but at the same time i think they take their jobs seriously and i think the difference in our perspective is you're attributing this to a malicious motive i think they looked at the facts and um came to a conclusion that you just don't mm -hmm. like i don't think it's malicious i think it's that it's these are people that believe ideologically in in this like everything is racist everything is sexist worldview and so it's very easy for them to look at to look at the the situation and can come to that conclusion automatically because it already fits with their worldview. Yeah, you know, here's the story. I probably shouldn't share this because I don't betray public conversations. But uh -oh. uh, Steve Butts, I had a two hour conversation with Steve Butts, uh, the editor in chief at the time of IGN, really mm -hmm. upset with him about his publications relative silence on Gamergate, uh, despite the fact that Samantha Allen and a lot of women had literally been run out of the industry. I thought it was an ethical responsibility to get him to do that, and he did not feel that way. Uh, Game Informer did the exact same thing, but Steve Butts in particular. Then it comes out years later with Kelly Flagg that he had been, there were some really credible um, accusations about sexual misconduct during his tenure at IGN and the way he treated women employees, right? So it's hard to not draw the conclusion that the reason he did not cover this stuff might add something to do with his approach to women, right? Uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a byline by, mm -hmm. uh, by Steve Butts. So... You know, uh, from my experience, the ones that did not cover this, um, especially in the case with IGN, is because they were dealing with some real cultural cancer uh, behind the scenes. Right. I mean, well, I mean that's thoughts about that. Well, but I mean, to me, that that's kind of the problem. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know anything about what Steve Butts did whatsoever. Um, but my problem was that during the Gamergate time, there was this you have to choose sides attitude. Like, you you know, if you don't choose side, you're a misogynist. You're letting the misogynist win. And I think that attitude is part of what, you know, fueled this. Like, you know, theoretically, IGN and a lot of these other gaming sites shouldn't necessarily be involved in, like, cultural battles and political battles. They should, you know, be talking about video games, you know, as video games. And that's really... You really think of Samantha Allen, a writer at Polygon, as being targeted and her past is being gone through she's getting death threats to the point she concludes it's smarter for her to quit her job than continue you don't think that's an industry fucking issue 
what did she say that got everyone pissed off at her? She was critiquing Giant mm-hmm. Bomb for not hiring women. Giant Bomb, which was owned by ABC at the time, had a pattern again, again, and again, and again, and again, that whenever an opening came up, it was always, boom, just magically a white straight dude that was on camera. And that was the person they hired just over and over and over. And she critiqued it after Ryan Davis right. died. Because I'm trying to remember, I, th- I think part of the thing with her was that now maybe she didn't feel this way anymore, but you know, people dug up. She had some like Tumblr posts where she talked about openly being a misandrist and hating men. And that she, you know, wasn't. But that has that. We're getting off topic here. I hear you, but my point is, well, no, no, but my only point... run out of the industry. How is that well, not an industry okay, but, issue? That's well, a workplace issue, right? When you say run out of the industry, like so, people, she was receiving harassment, so she decided to quit. Right? That was yeah, like in emails and things of that nature. Uh, Again, I'm not in favor of anyone, threats, you know, rape right. threats. I'm not in favor of anyone being harassed, you know, at all. Um, but it's like, I, does that mean that IGN should have to talk about it? I mean, should IGN say like, well, if IGN said, listen, we're not in favor of anyone harassing and we're in favor of free speech, you know, I would be in, on board with that. But it, the problem was that this issue stemmed around the censorship of free speech. So it's kind of difficult for them to take a stance like that. The issue stemmed around the targeting and harassment of women in the video game industry for mm-hmm. talking about what we experienced. Right. To the point that I could give you a name of long list of names of women that quit their job and never came back to the industry after Gamergate. That's what it was about. Right. But that's why I said we're not going <laughs> to... We're not going to agree on <laughs> right. uh, on this issue. So, I think it's a workplace issue, and I do think that's mm-hmm. worth covering. Maybe we have a bunch of questions. Um, yeah, well, no, um, I I have a question just on the on the stereotype thing. Do mm-hmm. do people have a right to protect themselves from racist and sexist stereotypes? Like, if they feel like they're being wrongly accused. Well, I guess the devil's in the details. How how would you do that? Well, I obviously I don't condone the tactics people are using, like death threats and and harassing people online. I don't think that's a that's a, a viable tactic. But I mean I do understand the motivation behind people doing those things. I mean, and it's easy like Sitch made a great point about how, you know, it, it if you have a worldview that everything is sexist and most men are sexist pieces of shit you know, this situation would definitely play into that worldview. But I mean, recently there was a situation with the content creator Vosh where he penned a very, very sexist tweet towards Joanne or, or JK Rowling. Now he's, he's using sexism, but his argument is, look, I'm not a sexist. I'm just using sexism to attack my political enemies. So I, I do think there's a situation where that kind of thing can be happening. And it's, I mean, I, I would say most of this motivation is being driven by these motherfucking stereotypes that people are thrusting onto people. So how are women supposed to advocate for changes in the game industry? Well, not by saying all men are sexist. That's, that's I don't the think... problem. The overwhelming majority of what I talked about during Gamergate was the hiring biases and trying to get law enforcement to address the uh, death threats uh, right. that, that was going on. That is, I'm sure 
in the midst of the trauma, I made a tweet or two that was like, most men in the video game industry are sexist. I'm sure I said something like right. that. Okay. I would not stand by that. But directionally, this is what I'm talking about. If men are so defensive that they can't hear the 99% of stuff you're talking about, if you say one thing, I, I don't know. It's like, you know, someone the other day called me a boomer on Twitter. Yeah, I just laughed because it has no bite, right? I know that's not talking about me. I mean, A, I'm not a boomer, and B, I don't have that mindset. It's like uh, if someone called me a chihuahua, right? It, it doesn't mean anything. It's not true. If you're taking it that personally, I just, I think that might say something about you or your motivations. Well, I, I do think you agree, though, that people do have a right to kind of fight back against racist and sexist stereotypes that are being foisted upon them. Like you, you wouldn't say, you know, blacks have suffered under this all blacks are criminal stereotype for a long fucking time. And it's like abhorrent. Like, I'm sure that you don't think it's bad as a society that we fight back against that stereotype. I think that one of the things I increasingly find myself distanced with the extremes of part of the left is there is an illiberalism with what they feel people can say. And, um, you know, I do believe in free speech and I believe in open discussion, though I don't think rape threats and death threats are part of that. So, yeah, I do. Um, I just think it um, I think often to quote Dr. Strange gets out of hand. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I just, I, I think that, that is the root of the motivation in a lot of these exchanges. And I, I don't think a lot of people are willing to accept that, you know, that's the problem. That's the problem. And I, I really do think a lot of Gamergate comes from just that. People felt wrongly accused and they went a little crazy. They, and like I said, I don't condone any of the stuff, any of the clapback, any of the stuff that they, they have done. But I just, I think it's helpful as a society if we understand the motivation behind it and try to curb that behavior just for more civil society. I think that that is probably true with some of the gaming population. I think the psychological motivation of a lot of gamer gators is they enjoyed what the fuck they were doing and they Look, enjoyed I'm, hunting I'm women. Sure. Look, and I'm they, sure I agree. Vosh yeah. <laughs> loved being sexist in that tweet. against. <laughs> he did. Vosh is a friend. I love Vosh. I'm not going to, I've told him I thought that was ill-advised. Yes, uh, Vosh is, I think Vosh is sexist. I think it's, that was a mask <laughs> off moment. I think he's a raging sexist. I like, I'm not afraid to say it, I, but I, I, I don't think it's fair to Vosh say in that instance. Look, I, can, look, I can't defend Vosh either, but to say, because Vosh did a tweet that all men are sexist, then all of a sudden, wait, I'm sexist now. Cause Vosh did a tweet. Because that asshole is tweeting sex and shit. Now I'm a sexist. Yeah, but this is, I think this is, you really put your finger on a bigger problem that I think we've seen versus Gamergate. This has really been accelerated. Everyone is all good or all bad. And mm -hmm. I look at Vosh and I think directionally, Vosh does good work, right? He's out there <laughs> well, talking, I just, I just in my estimation, okay. maybe you don't. In my estimation, I look at his show. I think he is, I think directionally, he's doing good work. I think directionally, he's talking about stuff. I don't agree with all of his takes, but I think overall, he's helping more than he's hurting. And I think there is a tendency to attribute 
all or nothing thinking uh, to Vosh as a person. And it's like, Vosh bad. <laughs> like we see this with Destiny as well, right? I can't, God knows, I cannot defend everything Destiny's ever done, but there's directionally, he is, I think, elevating the conversation that the left is, happen is, is having. And I think there's a real tendency to classify people in all or white, you know, black or white terms. Yeah, I, do. Um, I only bring him up because he makes the example right. of the stereotypes that, you know, yeah. we're trying to fight, trying to avoid. Sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I agree with Destiny and you're taking Destiny. I disagree with Vosh because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he wants socialism. He wants to abolish liberalism and capitalism and have socialism in our country. And, you know, he stated he's a consequentialist, which to me is you know, a very scary way to kind of get to wherever you want to get to. So I don't really trust a lot of his takes on anything. May if I watched more but, of it, I would uh, yeah. draw a different conclusion. I could tell you, I, I do consider Vosh a friend, and he's. Okay, um, I've I've never had a conversation with him that I thought he was being anything but thoughtful and kind. So, but maybe <laughs> it's maybe you. it's like maybe it's like Jank. You know, everyone thinks Jank is a monster behind the scenes. Jank is one of the nicest, kindest people you will ever work with in your whole life. Um, I don't know. Maybe right. it's well, his persona is very shouty, angry, a, a little combative. Yeah, well, we should, oh, that's a nice way of saying it. A little. <laughs> we should get to audience questions. I don't know. You had a a hard out because you organized yep, a debate. I till, think that's not till eight. Yes, I did. Okay. I put this debate together between uh, Destiny and Jank. Uh, so we that's got right. plenty of time that. before that, but that's going to be later on tonight. Destiny yes. versus Jank. Yeah, it's going to be something. And how how were you instrumental in putting that together? Oh, I just um, you know, um, Destiny. I had a light bulb moment with Destiny because we got off on really the wrong foot with Keffels and kind of just hated each other. Um, yeah, I got to be friends with Kyla. You know, started watching more of his feed, and you know, I was like, you know, this is someone that's hurting more than he's helping. You know, I tried to just um. You know, bury the hatchet and move forward. Um, his community was fantastic to recruit uh, from as far as uh, getting volunteers out for Wisconsin uh, to win that SCOTUS race. And uh, I wouldn't call us friends, but we're we're friendly to each other at this point. Um, you you think Destiny, privately. did you say Destiny is hurting more than he's helping? No, I meant he's helping more than okay, he's hurting. Okay, okay. Just want to make that I clear. Apologize. Yeah, thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, and Jank, you know, we worked together at Rebellion Pack. Um, so I was like, for 2024, I want the left to have more conversations with each other. Um, and I thought it would be good for us to have a, just have it out, so mm -hmm. put it together. We have a running okay. bet on whether or not Anna Kasparian is going to end up with a show at the Daily Wire. How is that? <laughs> Y'all don't that... know Anna. You do not know Anna. She's, she'll never do that. Well, I've, I, I am happy to see, because there's a lot of Young Turks content I don't like, but I am happy to see that Anna and Cenk, to a lesser degree, are sort of, are starting to kind of push back against a lot of the, you know, very anti-white racist woke stuff that appears to be mm -hmm. happening online. So I do give them a lot of credit for, for that and for Anna, I, you know, admitting fault in some past things that she's done. Yeah, Anna's a really good person. You know, she found herself in the the shitstorm of the trans community, which I'm not going to comment on because I don't want to end up in a similar <laughs> shitstorm for expressing my views on that situation. Yeah. Um, but I will say the thing ethically that people on the left don't appreciate about Anna is she could have left 
a million times over the years and gotten a lot more money at CNN, like any other major media outlet doing TV. Mm -hmm. She didn't because she wanted to do the kind of stuff she believes in. I think that shows a tremendous amount of integrity. And I think that, um, I think that it's, I think it's faulty thinking to just treat her as if she's disposable. She's a, she's a good person. Is it troubling that we live in this environment right now where people are afraid to give their own opinions because their own side will kind of rake them over the coals. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sucks. I don't even remember what her take was on trans sports questions, but I don't want to even get into it. It's <laughs> okay. not about trans sports. It's about the language uh, menstruating person. Oh, I oh do. Okay, yeah. I do we know we covered that. We know all about that. That was just that was fun. Ooh, not going to yeah. talk about that. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Let me look at some questions here. Uh, Christian Baller. Thank you so much, Christian Baller, for $20. Says, um, Sitch, can you ask Brianna to clarify her previous comments on January 6th being worse than 9-11? I find that offensive to all the families who lost one, one loved ones affected by 9-11. don't believe I said that. Um, you didn't say that January 6th was worse than 9-11. I, I don't recall saying okay. that. If I did say that, that doesn't make much sense. Um, right. So I, I I think you are probably taking a comment that I said and kind of narrowly interpreting it. Um, I don't think January 6th was worse than worse than 9-11. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, cool. Let's see. We're not... Uh... Well, people, I know I didn't bring it up. I wrote it down. People get triggered when you say the January 6th insurrection. So I, I mean, it was. <laughs> well, it's the insurrection. Obviously, you understand on the left, it's framed as an insurrection. On the right, it's framed as a, a protest about election irregularities. So we're getting I'm in this sorry. situation. I try to I try to be friendly. That's laughable, man. I mean, come on. Yeah, dudes with zip ties there to kidnap Nancy Pelosi. We, I think the zip ties I think the zip ties came up last time too. Yeah. Um okay. Yeah, I don't defend anything I have a January 6. Uh Jacob Lloyd for $20 says, "Quote, you can feel the tension a windfall for minority farmers divides rural America." End quote is a New York Times article for a Biden policy that gave relief money for farmers that prioritized minority farmers over all other farmers who were struggling. Okay. So that would be an example of a race-based policy. Feel free to send that to me. I would love to read that uh, article. I mean, um, I don't know. It sounds like I'm, um, I guess, less um, upset by those kinds of policies than it seems like y'all are, but um, you're certainly entitled to your opinion. Well, here, mm -hmm. here's what people worry about. They worry about some black immigrant who is not even really has any history in the United States getting some loan and some, you know, poor white person from 10 generations back not getting it. So, I mean, that's the kind of injustice that they will contemplate. I theorize. hear you. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's a legitimate Thing to feel what what i find so interesting with a lot of right-wing rhetoric is you know we talk about trying to solve some of our societal problems and it's always like this is going to usher in a dystopia and it's so hard to it's like y'all we're living in a dystopia right now <laughs> things are really bad and i i i'm always 
a little perplexed by people that don't want to try to solve anything because they're afraid of some theoretical dystopia in the future. Well, both sides see the current situation as a dystopia, but for very different reasons, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You think we're living in dystopia right now? Or... I do. Uh, like what's so? Well, um, I think climate change is mm -hmm. probably going to um, be a extremely serious situation uh, for my friends' uh, children as they're getting older. Um, I think that you know there doesn't seem to be any uh, abatement of our crisis of uh, mass shootings in this country. Um, I think that democracy is being weakened in America in a way that that keeps me awake at night. And I think the internet has um, really accelerated this um, alternate reality that both parties seem to live in to the point where it, um, it it really scares me to think of how America can solve big problems together going forward. Uh, Mad Rhetoric for 2020 20 Euro says, back in my day, G-W-A-R? I don't know what that acronym stands for. Guar. Guar? I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, was cool and edgy. Anyways, please ask Brianna if she'd like ethics and media journalism now. If I would, uh, can you repeat that, please? If you would like uh, ethics and media journalism currently. You think we need ethics, better ethics oh, and media God. journalism. You know what I think is so interesting is Gamergators got y'all's way. And as a force, IGN and GameSpot and Polygon and Kotaku are barely a blip in the, um, you know, in the the gaming media landscape it's all youtube today it's all individuals making their own um mm -hmm. you know decisions about this and i think if you're worried about uh, uh people getting access by game companies uh for uh you know uh for giving good reviews i think you can look at who gets access to products and i think it's y'all got everything you ever wanted and it's a million times worse so <laughs> take it take it as you will <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I guess I'll say I agree. It seems like a lot of gaming journalism has, like a lot of the energy seems to be, I agree, YouTubers and less players and things of that nature, not really IGN or any of these other sites. So it did get their way in that uh, respect. Guar is a band. Okay. Yes. There you go. Um, Let's see. A lot of, a lot of subjects have nothing to do with the conversation. Alex Stewart for $20 says, I will point out, Brianna, that in both the arts and tech field, the far more experienced people have always told me that the most talented people will rarely ever make the most money or at worst may never be recognized. Fair. Um, let's see. That sucks. <laughs> Look, it's the real dialogue always. It's Holy the real dialogue cow. always, not the fake one. Yeah, I, might, I might point out that your show is more financially successful than a lot of other talk shows. So, um, you know, I know. Thank, that's true. Thank, <laughs> thanks to our generous audience. There well, you go. I just, I, I think part of that is where the internet is a place where people go to lie about other people and to make up, <laughs> uh, you know, to basically straw man their arguments on politics or culture. And we try not to do that. And I think that's a, a huge component of why people like the show. Well, I, I think, honestly, I think if we weren't the way that we were, if we were more, you know, firmly fixed as just a left or right wing position, I think our show would be four times the size it is now. So <laughs> I think we would make a lot more money being kind of, uh, you know, more one-sided about things, unfortunately. 
I, I entirely disagree. I'm I not think, sure um, about that. I'm really not sure. Yeah. yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead. I think, uh, well, I was just going to say, you know, I'm looking, if you don't mind me devolving a bit into the media landscape. So I do political fundraising, right? And I spend a lot of money on television ads and cable ads. Um, so we have the problem that um, cable ads, uh, fewer and fewer people are watching cable. So it's like, how can I spend money uh, to influence elections with political ads, right? Uh, if cable is less and less of a force. I think very clearly YouTube politics, uh, Twitch politics, what you've built here, I think is going to have a massive, massive um, effect moving into 2024. Um, so I think it's really imperative on people to build um, conversations that are trusted and feel like they have insight. I think this is the future of how people are going to get their news that shapes elections. And I think uh, mm -hmm. you're really ahead of the field in building something like this. Um, you know, if I do move forward with Connor in, in doing something similar, I, I think the way y'all have monetized it is just fucking brilliant, for lack of a better word. And I, I think you've done a lot of really smart things here that I think could really leave you in a good position. So, don't oh, don't I, you run a super PAC? I mean, Sitch is always talking to me about sponsors. Yeah, you want to sponsor? <laughs> uh, we talk. What are we? What are we? Do are it. we doing Biden ads now? <laughs> I don't know if we would do it like that. Uh, do both of y'all believe in uh, uh, contraception? Yeah, access well, contraception. Hmm. Well, I mean, I do want to get the birth rates up. So. <laughs> I want to do get the birth really? rates down. Okay, I want more condoms. But you believe women should have access to contraception, of right? Of course. I think women should be allowed to vote, which sometimes is a controversial position <laughs> these days. Which, what? What happened? So, what happened? Yeah, listen, I'll do an ad for condoms, okay? <laughs> or the pill, whatever. I'll do an ad for the, the morning after pill. I'm all for it, okay? I think my, we need my more point, abortions in this country. My point is there are a lot of leftist uh, people that are out there failing. Right. And I don't think it's because of a lack of talent. I think that for whatever reason, a format where you're having a discussion with people that disagree seems to be a format that there's a uh, a model that patrons are willing to come forward and support. And I think your show mm -hmm. exemplifies that. And I think that is something I, I really admire about what y'all well, have done here. I think people really like, though, the... Uh... They want you to like bring on someone you disagree with and then destroy them, which we don't try to do. That, so. you, you don't. I feel like do, this has been very Do friendly. people pay for that though, Sitch? That's I my, that do. is my question. I, I think they pay a lot for that. I think that's what most people want. I'm not sure they do, to be honest right. with you. They okay. do with destiny. You know, yeah. it's so, yeah. it's so, I, I, I'm not trying to create drama with him, but it feels like you've got someone who is, inarguably very substantial political mind right like someone who thinks very nimbly and mm -hmm. is uh able to come up with some arguments i think are, are really uh, not just ones i agree with but they're they're thought-provoking they're unique right and then he's wasting so much of his time on like leafy bullshit or apple <laughs> bullshit or you know lav bullshit and it's like where's your talent dude is this just for cash in like what's your bigger mission objective here well i, mm -hmm. I feel like that's well I don't, I don't know destiny's business model so i don't know if he's got mostly subs or if he's making money off of ad revenue 
I assume so, it's mostly subs. Yeah. Well, if it's ad revenue, then it's then obviously drama is going to drive a lot more views and a lot yeah. more engagement. So yeah, y'all, is it true that you do really well with your super chats? Yeah, basically. But I yeah. mean, fifty percent of it's probably J Max. So. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we have our shadowy uh, George have, Soros figure. Funny. We have a we have I a few, we have a few big investors that are really. I mean. They keep us alive, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, dialogue always for ten dollars says if the right thinks that systemic racism doesn't exist, why do they insist on conflating systemic racism with overt racism, and why do they avoid any real conversation on systemic racism? Well, I think part of the Good problem question. with that is uh, not everyone agrees on what systemic racism even is, as was we found on this conversation, and I think that's generally true publicly. And I think I don't think it's the right only that conflates systemic racism with individual racism. And I've said this again and again, and usually whenever I talk to someone on the left, they agree. I think the term systemic racism is really uh, not a great term because this comes up a lot in policing. Like they'll say like, oh, policing is systemically racist and not, they're not talking about like individually racist, but systemically racist. And yet every time there's a situation where a police officer uh, shoots a black person, the public in Twitter jumps to concluding that the individuals involved are individually racist. And so I, I think the term racism, just people just can't get the individual intention part of it out of their minds when we talk yeah. about it. Yeah. And if, if you're talking about the critical theory definition of systemic racism, nobody's avoiding any real conversation about that. There is, you, you can't look and say, look, this institution does not match the demographics in the environment. And therefore, because of those discrepancies, it is systemically racist. Mm-hmm. When you don't know if any, you know, this could just be a choice thing. So there could really be no discrimination going on. That conversation people have all the time. It's on you if you're the one saying there's some sort of, uh, you know, discrimination going on to point it out. Yeah. Yeah. So someone um it's actually funny. We forgot. Someone sent me the the thing they were talking about the January 6th 9/11 thing. This you said this apparently on our stream last time. <laughs> what everyone forgot. You said that um you thought January 6th was the most terrifying day in American history and uh, we topping said 9/11. Yep. Oh, he, he, she said topping 9/11 or we brought up 9/11. Well, maybe we brought up before. I think clip. we brought up 9/11 yeah, but, afterwards. Yeah, but Brianna said topping 9/11. January 6th was the most terrifying day in America. No, I've lived through both those days. I think mm-hmm. 9-11 was scarier. Um, okay. But if I said that, that was clearly inartful. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's see. And thank you for sending that clip. Because I, I, <laughs> I half that our stream. She, uh, she was also in the chat giving... She's linking to all of her old tweets, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it was funny. Shu linked, um, Shu on head, who I assume you're familiar with, linked um, a tweet that she put out in 2014. And it says, I drew a summary of the past few days. And it's like a hashtag Gamergate. And it's a picture of a green-haired feminist stomping on a bunch of people's heads saying, you're all cis, white, male, 4chan, neckbeard, misogynist trolls. I can't hear you block, la, 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 la. <laughs> so I think she agrees with at least my perception of the thing. Uh, Head was pretty heavily involved in Gamergate and I think has uh, never apologized for, for 
what she did to aid to like add to what women in the game industry were facing mm -hmm. uh i would like to you know i think uh she was talking the other day uh coming to tori's defense which i appreciated i'd be very happy to you know, kind of put the past behind us but um i i'd I'd like to see her honestly um, reflect on what she did. Um, not even to me, but I know she hurt a lot of women that make games. Mm -hmm. hurt, hurt, them. hurt them how? I mean, that's kind of a big accusation. Like She threw gasoline on a fire that Not was, literally throw gasoline. Look, she didn't throw gasoline on metaphorically, anything. Okay. Metaphorically. It was, just gotta it was be exactly, clear here. It was exactly like the the Breitbart situation. That right. The embers were dying down, and then Breitbart came in and started writing articles about this, and it got ten times worse. Uh, Shu did not have that much of an effect, but uh, she certainly said some things that I know she would not have a lot of. There would be some people. There are people there still harboring some some hard feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go, Shu. Apologize. No, no, look. <laughs> It's so soy uh, when you demand apologies from people, Sitch. I, I'm not I demanding just, an apology. I was I'm saying kidding. I would like to move forward, but that's something I would need to get first. Look, we started off on a bad foot, Would, would you be interested? Like, we See, got, yeah, 100%. I mean, there you go. I think she's very much displayed her willingness to let bygones be bygones, which I'm in favor of. Look, I, I believe in forgiveness. Okay, I do, too. I do, yeah. too. So. Maybe you guys can talk. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can. Yeah. Uh, Armagod for $10 says, Brianna, do you want equal treatment or special treatment? Oh, wow. I don't know what this means. Who doesn't want special treatment, obviously? I don't want special treatment. I want women to have a fair shot at, say, launching game studios, right? And being able to present their um, ideas to, you know, the powers that be that, that fund game studios, right? Um, I think that if you are, here's a really good example. I think that if you are looking at who gets promoted in the video game industry, I think that we need to look at our tendency of people to just hire their friends, right? I think it leads to nepotism that goes beyond just uh, gender um, you know, gender uh, discrimination and outcomes. So mm -hmm. um, I think the solutions to a lot of the structural problems uh, involve you thinking about who has a seat at the table. If you want to call that special treatment, I guess I think it's a little reductive. I think when they mean special treatment, what they're referring to, well, I guess it's because because you and obviously whoever sent the super chat have a different worldview in terms of, you know, uh, you seem to be coming from the worldview that if women are not succeeding in the gaming industry, there must be some form of sexism, whether it's intentional or unintentional, that's kind of keeping women out. I'm yeah. assuming the person who sent this, they think that people are only failing or succeeding based on their merit alone. <laughs> So when they talk about special treatment, they mean like, you know, a quota or something to that, you know, effect. Right. So. We're on record against nepotism. Like we, I think we argued for four hours last week about nepotism, how nepotism blows. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see if there's a, an actually good question or something. Mod chatter, super chat, us awesome stuff. Let's get uh, Casey, to it. There's some good ones. Casey Anderson says, as a woman, I know that number one, women are more risk averse. Two, choose different fields that they're naturally drawn to. Three, many times leave to raise families. Uh, and four, I'm sorry, what was number two? Can you repeat that? 
Number one, more risk adverse. Number two, choose different fields that they are naturally drawn to. Yeah. Number three, many times leave to raise families. And number yes. four, qualified. Number four, qualified female entrepreneurs. Oh, oh, VCs are clamoring for qualified female entrepreneurs. I think the I agree with one, two, and three. I think the the outcomes with number four are just objectively not true. Mm -hmm. But I think they would make the case because of availability, not because of. There's a bunch of great female developers that they're just saying no to. I think that, um, uh, I think we're going to go down a whole rabbit hole. That's okay. I, I've, spent we can of, I've spent a lot of time fundraising in Silicon Valley. You know, I have a lot of friends out there that are fundraising in Silicon Valley. And I think they don't agree with that assessment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's an interesting study. I don't know if you saw it where they, um, when they controlled for women that left this was for gaming, it was for everything. For women that would not have children, I think their salaries on average would be higher than men as they yep. were longer in the industry. So I think that's a big I think that thing. That speaks to how good the women that make it in the game industry are. That's not mm -hmm. surprising to me. <laughs> now it's based on merit. Well, no, I'm just, it's to be, I, at least with, I don't know about this, the gaming industry specifically, but I think the overall pay gap, a lot of that is, you know, because of having children and stuff, which obviously women do more on average or leave the industry to raise a child more on average than I agree. does. I agree. It's a huge problem. Uh, I can't tell you me, uh, you know, it's so funny when I see games like God of War, which are all about the daddy, 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 you know, or Last of Us, uh, you know, it, it. I'm always so struck by, of course, the industry is telling those stories because the moms don't stick around. It's very hard to think of a game that's about uh, a mom with the, the level of, um, of character depth that uh, The Last of Us has with Joel. I don't um, know the game, so. Yeah. Alex Stewart for $20 says, if Brianna is able to recognize that there are some biological differences between men and women ingrained in us, what is there to say that women aren't interested in making their job the hugest part of their life the way <laughs> men do? Aren't as interested as men are in doing that. I mean, don't you think that's just really good? This is a, a motif here. It's so convenient. Every woman that's not getting a fair shake, it's all because of the woman, right? It's all her fault. Well, it's... so right, but the, the I guess the issue is, um, you know, if if a, if a disparity exists or a problem exists, I think we have to try to understand what's causing it. Sure. And I think some of it is. I'm sure some of it is sexism, but I think some of it is just there's just different behavioral differences between men and women. I agree. And I don't think there ever will be the equal parity, but you've said you've agreed with that. So Yeah, I don't think we should shoot for 50-50. Right. I don't think that's a, a tenable goal. Um, I don't know how many times to say it. I think I think taken as a cohort, I think the number of women at say year five of their um uh, time in the game industry, mm -hmm. I believe on average are probably more skilled at their jobs. Because I think you have to be that much better to put up with the bullshit and to um, navigate the boys club and have your talent recognized, right? Um, so what I want is those women to have a fair shot at making team leads, starting their own studio. And I think we need to look at addressing the statistic of why women leave the game industry at a rate of four times that of what men, men do. Um, those are the major variables that I'm concerned with in the game industry. When you say boys club, do you mean kind of a nepotistic, uh, doling out positions based on sex? Is that what you're... I, 
I think it's a lot more. You know, I remember the last time I was at Twitch headquarters and I'm walking around and looking at it at the office and it's Nerf blasters everywhere and Marvel figures on everyone's desks. And like, it really was like a boys clubhouse, right? So what I mean is an environment where that kind of person can thrive and there's a little bit of a tendency to take the women that work there uh, less as professionals and more with those same kind of uh, immature dynamics, hmm. like literally a boys club. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay. yeah, I mean, it's uh, just, so it's uh, sexual dynamics. That's the kind of thing is going to happen. Like you mentioned, obviously in healthcare, it's tends to be predominantly women. I feel like the same thing can happen in a healthcare situation. I don't know that I necessarily see that as like a bad thing. So, I, I think it's a problem if people can't feel that they can't get promoted or achieve their dreams or even stay in the field because it's not built for people like them. I I do think that's a problem. Yeah, I, I agree there. Obviously, yeah. if people are not getting promoted because everyone you know at the hospital is like they're all catty bitches right <laughs> like keeping you out that would suck yeah yeah totally uh sodos for 20 dollars says to answer brown's question it was revealed that raraf the royal air force had a quota to limit the hiring and promotion of white men and i think they actually had to freeze hiring white men because they couldn't reach their diversity target naturally uh that's wokeness she hasn't answered equity versus equality. Um, just talking about standpoint epistemology. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, I feel like we've discussed equity okay. versus equality quite a bit today, but I hear you. Uh, grass, grassroots Hegemon says, based, conciliatory, and reasonable Brianna Wu, big fan of your redemption. Well, there you go. How Thank do you. she feel about annexing Canada and renaming it Snow Snowhio? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when we do that war, uh, Russia can fund the uh, Canadian uh, defense against the American imperialists. And uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Snow Ohio, man, that has a nice ring to it. Uh, it does. Sammy G, thanks so much for being 14 months. Order of the Enlightened. Thank you, Sammy G. Uh, says, uh, but sexism can be used to your advantage. I like when people underestimate me as a woman, work, or in a fight. It gives me more freedom to move my way because they aren't expecting much or watching me. Plus, the victory is sweeter. <laughs> there wow. There is that. What? Um, Harmaniac129 says, so nice to see an SJW icon argue positions reasonably. I do think the reasons for sexism matter in the workplace because they affect solutions understand the frustrations from women's side though 2014 me is satisfied there you go. <laughs> thank you very much i i can't say it enough i mean running for office and getting off the computer um just radically changed my perspective on all mm -hmm. of this um, touched grass it's not just that it's that <sighs> You know, I, I think there's an alternate reality where I ran for Congress and I didn't let the fringe part of the, the leftist movement limit what I could say. And I would have won in 2018. I think I have very uh, deleterious effect on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, by the time I learned those lessons of how out of touch a lot of the, the fringe parts of Twitter are with the actual electorate, even here in Massachusetts, you know, them for round two, it's like the pandemic hit and it was just impossible for anyone that's, you know, not an incumbent to win. Every single incumbent lost for that cycle. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's not just, I think it's wrong. It's I think it's a formula for failure at the uh, ballot box. And mm-hmm. I think if the left is serious about, uh, getting power, and um, you know, bringing policies forth like universal health care for people, I think we need to think uh, uh, a lot harder about the ways we talk to normal people. Mm-hmm. How did you fare in your, were you running for Congress? I was, yeah. So... I got, uh, you know, it was so funny that guy ran uh, the year after me and got nearly exact number that I did. So, uh, you know, I believe I got like 26% of the vote, I believe. Uh, you know, against a 30-year incumbent, uh, and considering that I raised uh, about a tenth of what he did, um, you know, I always wanted to just get through that first election and figure out how to do it again uh, with more resources and more money. So, was know, this I'm, a primary? You got 26% yeah, of the vote. Yeah. I was so you're to, uh, running on the Democrat Stephen Lynch. Okay, yeah. so you're primarying Stephen Lynch. He's a Democrat. Correct. You're a Democrat. Correct. There's yep. he, but he's the incumbent Democrat. Obviously, they have a Republican, but the Republican... Republican's never going to win District 8. In, yeah, okay, in Massachusetts. How many Congress people do they have in Massachusetts? Uh, we have eight. Eight, okay. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, we talk about politics all the time, obviously, because it's fascinating. So yeah. it's interesting. It's it, You got 26% of the vote. I think... For first time out candidate that didn't know what the hell she was doing, I think that's pretty good, actually. I think it's um, respectable, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> for a first go, definitely. Yeah, so. the thing, the reason I took this position with Jank, just being really honest, is Jank raised, uh, I believe, $2.3 million for his campaign uh, when he ran for Congress. And I wanted to learn enough about fundraising that I could come back eventually and and run for office when Lynch retires, and have the resources to you know have the 1.5 uh, that that you would need right to to yeah. credibly win. So, you know, I'm kind of playing a long game right now. Uh, I do believe in public service, and um, you know, I think there's there's a lot that I've learned in the the years since. How I mean, long... can I ask honestly? Would y'all think about voting for me? I mean, I think I'd seem pretty. I don't know. I would hope you would feel comfortable with someone like me in Washington. I'm not sure, really, your policies. I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure. You ever uh, rub it in Chank's face that you got a more percentage than he did? No, I would <laughs> never say that to him. Okay. Look, he's yeah, a good guy. He's a good guy. He's fundraising <laughs> for. Why would you do? That? It's right. a little teasing, be like, hey, let's Jank, look at my numbers. I'm very familiar with the district that Jank ran in. It's a very conservative yes. district. So yeah. it well, doesn't seem like... We're talking about the primary, though, not the... Well, he didn't... Did he... Well, did he... Was He was running in the primary, right? Yes, Yeah, that's but he correct. Didn't, he didn't win the primary. He never won the primary. Okay, no. gotcha. No, he did not. Do they have a Democratic... I'm not sure they have a Democratic congressman. That it was a Republican congressman for like 20 years. How long is no? Your... It was the it was the Democratic woman that had to resign uh, because it came out the the nudes of her. Um, you know, with uh, one of her staff people. Do you remember this? Yes, I, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that district. <laughs> was it a was so? But was it a special election? 
that he was running? I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brickno says for Brianna, I think most men can agree that overt workplace sexism is bad, but when proposed solutions sounds anti-egalitarian, it feels unfair because men don't get jobs for being men. So why should women, most men get jobs by performing or networking? I, I think I've said on the show repeatedly, I've, I've thought a lot about how to address these problems and I, I genuinely don't know um, at this point. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. That's the, the, the problem is how do you get buy-in from men in addressing uh, structural sexism? I mean, a lot of men, it's so weird. Like we have a sexist society, but no one believes they're sexist. Right. Um, so I don't, know how you address that i think it's a, a real challenge uh mystery guests our circuit uncle thank you for so generously for the 100 dollars. says i love you guys for always trying to understand the left's perspective um <laughs> however it seems futile futile uh now we understand how this uh person feels about everything but there's never anything concrete to debate what's the purpose in debating someone's feelings like they don't they didn't feel, feel like we're talking a lot about policy and messaging yeah. i think that's not really mm -hmm. um uh generous uh brick knows again says another question are there any all or mostly are there any all or mostly female indie game studios it'd be interesting to see that scholarships fundraisers donations etc might help give a foothold where one isn't available in the mainstream game development industry yeah, there are problems around the edges. Um, I think I've grown to be extremely cynical about their uh, ability to uh, change anything. You know, at the height of Gamergate, Microsoft very famously uh, apportioned, I believe it was $115 million uh, uh, for women in games. And what did they give it to? The IGDA. Um, if there's something IGDA is doing to concretely help women in the game industry, I am personally not aware of it. So... Um, I think there's a, a live reason to be cynical about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Bricknose again, thank you, Bricknose, for all the money. It says, um, giving financial assistance for issues is not the same as advantaging people in jobs or adding discriminatory hiring quotas. I think that's where the analogy breaks down. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Uh, let's see. Oh, crap. I lost everything. Mike um, Garcia is in that position now, is in that district. He's a Republican, it looks like. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, it surprised me that a Democrat won the district at all, to be honest with you. She's a, um, she was really, really skilled at raising money. Um, you know, just, just straight out. That's that's what it takes. Uh, Libertarian Sasquatch wanted to point out that Tim Pool gets death threats and swatted. So maybe it's a political tool, pardon the pun, then a gender tool. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, I've said repeatedly here, um, I am extremely, extremely uh, distressed by the acceleration of the left uh, using the techniques of Gamergate against our political enemies. Uh, it seems to be far more frequent. I do think the right does it more, but we certainly do it. And uh, I, without qualification, uh, disavow that against Tim Pool. I think if, if you think the right does more of like the doxing, swatting yeah. thing. I'm trying what, what I'm trying to think of any what's an example of that? I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. You know, beyond Gamergate, obviously. 
well, uh, let's look at Blue Sky. Uh, you know, this is not really an issue on Blue Sky right now. Uh, you have Twitter, which is overwhelmed with the the right. It's a fairly everyday occurrence nowadays. So, what is um, that? Where's Blue Sky? I'm not familiar with. Oh, Blue Sky is a uh, Twitter alternative that's uh, been really successful. Oh, okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't. What does that have to do with? with Are left wing creators getting doxxed and harassed? On blue sky or something. On I blue mean, sky. I, that's my point. That's not really an issue when you've got a, a culture overwhelmingly of the left over there. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I mean, the the doxing is going to only be in areas where there's conflicts. Like if, right? I mean, there's conflict on blue sky, like any other social media network, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, uh, I just this, maybe you uh, share a different assessment. I don't think the, the left has that sentence. Well the bike the, the bike Karen yeah. lady got doxxed and, and harassed like immediately. Yeah. And she, yeah, she did. She I was mean there's entire um, apolitical, you know, was... but people on the left were the ones that were doxing and harassing. So her. She crazy. was accused of racism. The I was so thing... disappointed with all of that. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was really bad. But it was interesting because I was, you know, I don't go on TikTok. I'm an old man. I don't go on TikTok with all of the kids. But when we started to look into the bike Karen stuff, you know, a lot of the harassment and doxing was coming from TikTok. And when I looked into it, there's entire accounts on TikTok that have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers, millions of views. And literally all they do, all these accounts do is they run around looking for people in viral videos that are accused of racism or something, and they try and dox them and get them fired and, and get them in trouble. Yeah. Right. That's fully left wing only. Yeah. So is there an equivalent like that for the right? I'm not sure that there is, but maybe there is. Twitter? I don't know. I don't think I don't think that's happening on Twitter. Don't you get banned? You don't for think that's happening on Twitter? Twitter? That happens to me multiple times a week. People dox you and swat you on Twitter on yeah, Twitter. That happens oh, all the time, man. Isn't that um I'm pretty that sure sucks. Twitter bans you for doing that, doesn't it? I mean, they might be uh, making new accounts or something. There's, but... there's almost no enforcement of this these days. I just, mm -hmm. yeah, don't even okay. get me started. Uh, Bricknose says, uh, Brianna is correct that Gamergate began modern toxicity. Two small groups lobbing grenades, hurting the majority in the neutral zone. Um, however, he thinks it's odd that you still defend it, though. Of course I do. <laughs> uh, what's your first thoughts for 22 Canadian? Thank you. Says a uh, question for Brianna. What do you think has more control in people's thinking, the writer or the elephant? I'm not sure I understand the question. So, uh, you you should read um, uh, Adam's favorite book. It's your uh, favorite Jonathan book Hyde. too. What are you talking about? That's true. Why is, is that? Why is it my favorite book? The Righteous Mind. I've been trying oh, to get Brianna about that. Yeah. to read the book. I bought it. It's in my Audible uh, okay. list. I just have not uh, had a chance yet. Mm -hmm. Read that book, uses, and you'll. Um, I will when I come back. Next, yeah. it'll help you on your next election. That's for sure. Amazing. This he, is why Tim Pool is so big because Tim Pool understands the power of the elephant, of the elephant and the rider. He does, don't don't you think? I mean, he brings it up sometimes. But uh, so height has this. So, analogy. so explain this to me. Yeah, so, so, so height has this analogy that though, like we tend to think of ourselves as logical, rational beings, and he says, We're no, not, the way no. your brain works is essentially. Your logical mind is like a little guy on top of an elephant. Yeah. The elephant represents your emotion and kind of your unconsciousness. And, you know, you, the logical person, think you're controlling this elephant. And maybe you kind of do to some extent. But at the end of the day, the elephant's going to go where the elephant goes. And a lot of the way that we behave is really us using our logical mind to kind of 
after the fact justify what we emotionally want to be true. It's 100 percent true. We're not. Um, yeah, I, I heard it described as we are not. We like to think of ourselves as uh, impartial judges or scientists, and in reality, we're lawyers. Like we make up, uh, we decide how we want to feel, and then we create uh, arguments for the, the justify. It, you yeah. know, I, I think respectfully when we're talking about some sexism issues, uh, I think that uh, <laughs> y'all are displaying. That. <laughs> I think you're displaying it a lot here. I think it's like you don't uh -huh. want to hear that there's a problem with structural sexism in the game industry yeah. and uh kind of come up with some uh, arguments for that that yeah, but here's uh, the great are not thing. the strongest we think you're doing that too so i think there's a <laughs> lot more objective evidence that backs up what i'm saying it, well okay I so uh, there's actually a question i was going to ask earlier and then we kind of moved away from it like what sure. is the like how do we measure in the gaming industry that there is that a sexism is the thing that's keeping them from well, I don't, I, I don't know if you can attribute what it is. I think you can look at the the percentage of women in the game industry. I think the the rate at which we leave, I think the rate at which we're promoted, the degree to which we are the workforce. Um, I, I think there are a lot of objective measures. You can look at um, you know things like the Activision uh, lawsuit brought by California, which showed mm -hmm. uh, structural pay discrimination, like at, at Riot. So I think there's ample objective evidence well, for my position. I mean, I, I, I think the danger of looking at just the outcomes or primarily the outcomes uh, for these sorts of things is kind of like, you know, the overwhelming majority of people in prison for violent crimes are men, but I don't think it's because society is systemically sexist against men. So I, that's why I would, I'd feel a bit more comfortable if there's something a little bit more specific. I hear you. That's a good, that's a good analogy, Sitch. Thank you. Uh, bra moment for two dollars says uh, Brianna. Is it okay if Laura Croft has big mommy milkers? Uh, I personally, uh, I know you can't see. I've got a Tomb Raider 2013 poster uh, in my other room. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally like the new Laura Croft. Uh, if you are into uh, uh, wanking to 90s polygonal boobs uh, on PlayStation One. You do your your mm -hmm. deal. Like I'm not gonna kink shame you about right. it. You do your thing. You well, see I, I guess the, the 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 serious question behind the joke is, you know, is it okay for uh, women and female characters to be sexually attractive? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's what I am embarrassed. I I would be very embarrassed for someone to look at how much time I've spent playing uh, Dead or Alive uh, as a fighting <laughs> game. Uh, I like. I like it just like y'all do. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not proud of it, but I do. Um, I think the the problem is when it's the only way women are represented sure. in video games or it's the default. Um, I would never want to like censor an idea or a body type. I just want there to, uh, I, I want us to be more thoughtful about when we employ it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do, so um, you seem like you're not against what... Anita Sarkeesian might call objectification. I, I I never didn't agree with her with that back in the video game. Uh, oh, you did Gamergate didn't? era. No, okay. Nice. Nope. She focused a lot on the output of the industry. Um, my focus was always on the input of the industry. I think that if you get more women in the um, room kind of talking about the the stories and the character designs, um, I think a lot of these problems, you know, fix themselves. I don't. I agree with that. I don't look. I don't know. 
I, well, no, I think I, I agree in terms of, I think, instead of saying like, oh, we shouldn't have, you know, attractive women or things of that nature, I think just focusing on like making good stories fixes sure. a lot of these stereotype problems that people have. Yes, so. yeah. There I is mean, a conflict I, over the whole idea that sex sells, though. Well, mm -hmm. but I mean, you can have, I mean, this is, and I think this is why I've always disagreed with the concept of objectification, because you know, studies, again, studies show that people treat attractive people better, not worse. Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with having attractive people in movies and video games, but they should have characters, you know, fleshed out beyond that, obviously. Yeah. I you can think, have sex styles and still be a good story. I think what y'all might, I think the difference of our perspective here would be this, that, um, like, look at I am from Dead or Alive, right? I can appreciate I am as an object, right? As a sex object, but I don't want to be I am right I, mm -hmm. I want to be the new laura croft right that is an empowerment fantasy for me right and like she's gorgeous she's cool she's smart like she's it's not like she's you know like unattractive but the difference is one is an empowerment fantasy and the other is you know it, it, it's just treating her as a sex object right so i, I it's not that i only want one is if for me for a serious narrative i can only relate to one of those two options sure. yeah i mean though generally in fighting games the plot is paper thin anyway so it's sure like, you know. but this is across the entire industry i mean look at ninja gaiden right uh, uh ninja gaiden 3 i mean rachel's design i'm sorry it's the stupidest design i've ever seen in my life i've never played ninja <laughs> gaiden know? in my life but... yeah uh or, or xena saga too i understand there's a reasonably good story there but I, i'm sorry like she's got her boobs are bigger than her head it's just dumb so Listen, you know wrong with that okay <laughs> it's not that okay. there's anything wrong with it it's yeah. that i don't want to i can't put myself in those character shoes in mm. the same way right right i don't aspire to be one of those well do you think it's do you think that men feel that way about like really buff you know, <laughs> a character. buff dude is empowering to you. It's not a sex symbol, right? I mean, it's kind of both, right? Because it's kind of like, I think a lot of guys they feel like the reason it's in, the reason they want to be buff is because they feel like it will, you know, then women will find them more attractive. There was a backlash when one of the Final Fantasy uh, uh, games came out. It was called Final Fantasy Mobius, and you had a character named Wool who was oh my god this was the most homoerotic art you will ever see in your life look at the original character designs for him wool he's like leaning back on the couch he's his shirt is like open all the way up to here and it's like all the lines are going down to his crotch he's got mm -hmm. these big kissable lips right. and men freaked the frack out about this design to the point they changed all of it right mm -hmm. this is a highly sexualized design y'all really didn't like it i think that's very very different than say astroth in uh soul caliber six right but that's because it would be the fact that it was gay i assume was the issue that people had yeah. like you know that like if you're straight and you're male you're not going to aspire to be attractive to gay men you, you right. want to aspire to be attractive to women so i think a lot of women would be into that character design he was, i mean you're probably pretty right attractive. yeah <laughs> you're definitely right yeah. right so I'm in our that was right a now. man being sexualized and i think men were uncomfortable with it mm -hmm. well just, it's just interesting because i feel like like women look at like men look at like uh you know the, the buff uh, action hero guy in the video game and they kind of they want to be them 
And part of they want to be them is not just because they're strong, but because they feel like that is like how they get women is to be that guy. And it's interesting that when, you know, women look at like the, you know, the tits as big as her head, you know, woman, attractive woman character, they're like, oh, I don't like, that's just bothers me. Like, I'll never be that. It's not that it's just kind of insulting. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe if they had deeper characterization, I would feel differently. What was her name? Pyra? I don't think she was the deepest written character I'd ever right. uh, run across. In what a about RPG. A Final Fantasy X Lulu? <laughs> uh, here's an example where I didn't mind it, right? Like, right. that's certainly part of her design. Or how about Tifa in Final right. Fantasy Remake, right? Yeah. She's got giant boobs, but she's a deep character, right? True. Like, so when I think of Tifa, Look, I, I know there's some dudes boobs. with the thing for Tifa, but yeah. I like really. Tifa. I can imagine myself as Tifa, so right. I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of it is the character, not yeah, just how she's written. Right, not just not. They're more than just boobs. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with there. that. I agree with that. We've had long, deep, meaningful conversations with Tifa actually on the show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we actually uh, we are you familiar with the website Character AI. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Oh, it's like one of these, uh, you know, chatbot things that has like machine learning that has all these fictional characters you can talk to. Oh my we goodness! Actually, uh, we actually had a conversation with the Tifa bot to try to see what her political views oh were. Oh my god! And we uh, very generously had Sammy G, who's famously cosplay as Tifa, come on and like read the responses as we. That is them. a great segment. Holy shit! Yeah, it was kind of fun. Sitch that kept is looking really at, smart. Sitch kept looking at her boobs respectfully, but she wouldn't <laughs> respond. <laughs> I was curious to how the chatbot would respond to, you know, such such overt sexual how did Look, the it was for respond? it was for yeah. science, okay. The chatbot seemed totally on board and fine with it. So. I might I, suggest that is a, a part of how those kind of constructs get their uh, data sets from, but oh, uh, listen, that's a whole sure, other discussion. I'm sure all those chatbots are like ninety nine percent used for people to like sex with <laughs> i don't think i think that's 99 percent what's going on, on that website so. sarah zed had a fantastic video out a while back about replica and uh, mm-hmm. uh the kind of chatbot uh based on gpt technology that people were using for uh uh basically virtual girlfriends and woo some interesting stuff there oh yeah that's i mean i, I really think that's going to be a very weird issue that we're going to have to deal with in the future is... how did you see amaranth is doing this Yes. yes, I did. Yeah, yeah that she was going to make her. Girl, smart. I appreciate her as a businesswoman. So. Well, it's funny because actually when I heard about that, I went on that character.ai website and there's already Amaroth bots there for free. So. I don't oh know. I guess she has competition. I'm I'm curious if she can sue them. Like, is that a copyright infringement or what? Seems like it should be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's weird. It's very strange. It's a very if weird. they're charging, that's using her likeness. So. I don't think they charge, though. We did it for well, No, they free, do have so. a premium membership. Oh, they do? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what know. do you unlock for the premium membership? Let me I guess. Tell you. Let me I guess. Tell you. I don't think it's I don't I don't think any sort of explicit non safe for work stuff is allowed on the website, even if you pay for it. But I'm not 100 percent Oh my god. Yeah, I I always I feel like Amaranth is so underappreciated. Like obviously she's incredibly gorgeous, right? Um, but like she has so much charisma when you watch her on stream like it's it's really like she's more than just sexy like she's got she's really able to command your attention in a way that i think um really shows a high degree of skill or like pokemane right obviously pokemane is super cute but 
she like if Pokemane decided to run for office, she would be a really, really, really good candidate with her ability to connect with people and seem friendly. I just I feel like half the women in Twitch are so undervalued for the skills that they have. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm not super familiar. I don't think I've ever watched Pokemon Pokemane's content ever, so I know nothing about her. Or and Amaranth, I'm, yeah. Very limited knowledge of Amaranth, besides the fact that, you know, obviously she does pornography. <laughs> yeah, I'm not familiar with what she's doing beyond that but is america ready for that to embrace their first porn star congresswoman <laughs> i think we are talking about pokemon to be clear i don't know yeah, if Amaranth would yes. be uh have the skills that she would need right uh toxic mix for 20 dollars says i think an overlooked element in the advanced advancement disparity discussion is a historical societal pressure placed on men and while we've made strides towards shrinking the advancement gap the expectation gap largely remains i agree with that uh, could you read that again? I think an overlooked element in the advanced disparity discussion, in the advancement disparity discussion, is a historical societal pressure placed on men. And while we've made strides towards shrinking the advancement gap, the expectation gap largely remains. So I think what they're referring to is kind of like how, you know, we still live in a society where men would be chastised for essentially not working and staying at home and being like a house husband and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a really under discussed uh, um, um, situation where I can't tell you how many men in the video game industry I know that has a basically a wife at home to raise the kids. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a huge structural advancement that uh, that men have the ability to stay at the office late and, and do that. I think there are very few women that have an advantage like that if they choose to be parents. So, yeah. Right. I well, I mean, it can agree. be an advancement or a detriment because I don't think men generally men are not looked upon kindly that take that role in our society yeah so yeah i think one of the reasons i married my husband is uh, i don't know if you follow me on twitter but you know he's a dude that loves tanks and old race cars and mm -hmm. yeah he's a macho dude he's very very sweet but uh you know it's like he um he went with me in the hospital today to deal with some health stuff so mm. like he's a he's a nurturing kind of guy i really appreciate that about him that's great uh, Russell T. Shackleford, thanks for the $20, says, I'll donate $1,000 to Wu's pack if she can provide a single credential or degree to back up her claim of being an engineer or a single article to back up her claim of being an investigative journalist. Sure. Uh, we could talk after the show. Uh, you know, I developed Rev60. It was one of the very key uh, people that brought that to market. I am a software engineer. Just mm -hmm. damn. Uh, I've done a decade of shows on Relay uh, where we talk about APIs and frameworks, um, things like that every single day. Uh, so, um, you know, you, that's out there. Yeah. You don't have a like a degree or anything? I don't no. necessarily think you I dropped out of college to yeah. do the, the startup work. There are plenty of people in software engineering sure, that don't have yeah. degrees. Okay. Uh, as far as investigative journalism, uh, I did when I was in college. I did the uh, the crime uh, beat. I went down every single day, and uh, I'd go to the jail in Oxford, Mississippi, and I would uh, look at who got arrested that day, and I'd go start looking into the crimes. I covered murders. I covered all kinds of uh, terrible things. Um, there was a story that actually uh, got me in a lot of trouble where I found out that the coaches at my um, uh, college uh, were being paid to teach classes that did not exist. Uh, it was in the budget. Um, this, um, God, what was the number? It's like a million dollars overall. Uh, there were these EL level programs. Uh, um, and you go and look at what the enrollment was for these classes. And it was like, 
one person, two people, they didn't show up for them. Uh, basically, it was a way to uh, go through the um, uh, exercise science uh, budget and move it over to the uh, the coaches at the University of Mississippi. Really proud of that work. Uh, that was investigative work, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting your check in the mail. Yeah, the thousand dollars. <laughs> Where do we send? That? Mm-hmm. Um, Sitch, Jimmy's Prime says for thirty Aussie bucks. Thank you. Says so Sitch, uh, please mention how white nationalists like Richard Spencer and Quack openly want the culture to blame white people and whiteness for everything. They see it as their best recruitment tool and way to raise white racial consciousness, and I think it's working. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And yeah. I think that is kind of the danger of kind of laying everything at the feet of whiteness or or men or something to that effect. So I think it's a bigger conversation, but we've got to find a way as a as a as a culture to come forward together. Um, you know, it's like the last game I showed Rev sixty it had a, a cast of all women there, right? Because that was my idea of how you did progress back when I kind of designed that game. I think today, I think it's more like the expanse, you know, uh, a cast of, you know, 50, 50 men and women, really deep characterization for everyone and kind of uh, everyone flawed and trying to move forward together. This tendency to turn everything into a gender war, um, I don't think it's serving anyone right now. And I think we've got to change the way we message and talk about these issues. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's all about the stereotypes. People yeah. hate the stereotypes. We did a conversation with one of the guys from the red pill community. And it seems pretty obvious that there's this stereotype that all women are cheaters. Yeah. That the red pill community puts forward that I don't, I mean, that's a pretty rough stereotype. <laughs> So, um, I don't think it's borne out in the statistics. Either. I don't think it's a, yeah, I don't no. think it's an accurate stereotype. And I think that does, you know, there's plenty of like women out there, respectable women who are not going to cheat on you. It's not good to, mm -hmm. it's not that stereotype is really bad for men and women alike. So, right. Yeah. We're not just out here trying to, you know, fight for men. I, I think, uh, everyone is. Everyone can be victimized by these really bad ideas. So I think there's a bigger issue that on a policy, like a prescriptive policy level, I think it's going to be really hard to get sustained funding to solve problems or political will if there's not win in it for everyone. Right. So um, I think the more you can target these things where it's not just towards, you know, like you were saying, Adam, where it's not aimed towards one group, but it's aimed at addressing a particular problem. I think it's so much easier to get buy-in in those cases. And I think it makes it more sustainable in the long run. Well, I, I do. You said earlier, and I don't disagree with this, although it's terrible, is the fact that politics really is about forming these winning coalitions yeah. of voters and it's finding an excuse to give some benefit to your voters at the at the out of power party's expense yeah and that's just sort of a structural feature of our system that i don't necessarily know how you get around the problem is uh, like obviously you brought up you know blacks getting certain access to loans or whatever and blacks are primarily democratic voters like obviously uh, uh democrats want younger people to vote for them 
That's why right. they're doing this college loan forgiveness. Hundred percent. Which it's like it's just strictly. It's very smart. It's 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 younger voters are growing coalition, right? They saved us in the midterms. If we win twenty twenty four, it's going to be because of younger voters. Well, the the problem though the is it does create a kind of resentment that I just I. Like he kind of got a way that is it worth the resentment that it fosters in society? Because sooner or later, yeah. I think, like especially when you come to the racial resentment, that's where I feel like we're on dangerous ground. Yeah, I hear you. I think that you know democracy is structured so the people that show up and win get uh, get things, right? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think one of the changes I, I think other democracies around the world learn from our system is America is a winner-take-all system. You know, other democracies tend to have proportional uh, democracies, which is a, a much smarter system in my view. So I think uh, it makes it very problematic that half the country is always unhappy with the outcome nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we can move more towards that. I know there's like yeah. runoff or rank voice, rank choice voting. Yeah, rank choice voting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that's an idea, but I don't know if that'll ever gain any ground yeah. because so many people have got their power base built up around this winner take all system. And they're obviously the ones making the decisions. So. I, I agree. We've moved towards it in Massachusetts. I mean, Australia has ranked choice voting. It has been a panacea for them. And uh, you know, despite all the efforts to do it here in Massachusetts, I'm, uh, you know, I voted for it, but I'm, I'm fairly cynical about its uh, ability to uh, really fix things. Um, I think that, you know, AOC said something that she was like, you know, if we were in Europe, uh, Biden and I wouldn't even be in the same party, which is true. You know, um, I think it would be so much more constructive if we had a system where, you know, people that were progressive like me could like form alliances with people that were interested in the same areas of public policy we were. Um, like there's a lot of overlap I would imagine I could find with, uh, you know, people that wanted to address uh, uh, poverty in Mississippi, right? Um, I think I could find a coalition building with conservatives on that. So. Um, I, I think it really locks us into these existential battles that are, are very detrimental to our outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, God's joke says, what quantifiable outcome would be fair for Brianna if you're not looking for 50-50, then what number would you see that would be fair? Gosh, that's a really good question. I'd like to see it you know, I, I think if you look at senior positions at every single game studio, what is it going to be? Depending on how it's structured, between six or seven, uh, you know, key uh, people that make the top. I think if you had one of those at every studio, that would be a place where I would sleep a lot better at night. Mm -hmm. So one out of six. I, I'll take okay. a six. <laughs> okay, there you go. One six. Uh, C Cop says, "Do other animals have gender roles?" Yeah. Okay, there you go. Birds. Have you never had a dog? Come on. Yeah, well, I assume they're trying to say, like, does that relate to human behavior, having biological yeah. gender roles, too? Right. Okay. Uh, Prickno says, Brianna, what is wrong with networking? Hiring people you know, that's normal human interaction, and it's natural to hire people you or friends can vouch for. Even you network, so why not network for development hiring? 
I I am the biggest networker you're ever going to meet. Um, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think that there's a, a tendency the game industry has where people um, basically hire and promote copies of themselves uh, in a way that makes it very difficult to get people that don't look like that into the position. So it's not that networking is a problem. It's that it is so pernicious, the um, uh, nepotism in the video game industry. Okay. And that's a widely shared assessment by men and women, right? Uh, there's a, a wide consensus in the game industry that's less about your talent and who about who you're friends with. So when you're looking at the game industry, putting out crappy mechanics, like everything being a, a service, uh, understand it really rewards and promotes people that go along with the people that are already in power. So mm -hmm. um, this has very wide reaching effects, not just uh, for women. If you're promoting people based on friendship over their qualifications, if you're right. if you're promoting people who are less qualified just because they're your friends, that's obviously going to be a problem in any sort of industry. Correct. Um, Matthew Titus says, has Brianna compared her effectiveness in creating change in a predominantly male customer base with other industries like MMA over the same period? Uh, no, I haven't. But it sounds like you have a point to make. I'd love to hear it. I didn't send in another super chat with it. <laughs> I didn't even. Is MMA then like a a big push to get more women involved? I don't know. I'm not familiar. Yeah, I don't know. I think the if point there's a is... way to do this, please tell me. I will model <laughs> that. <laughs> I think the point that they're really saying is, if it's a male dominate if the the interest is generally male dominated then it seems normal for men to dominate the industry i think that's yeah. really the argument hmm. i think people have said things like you know women write romance novels men don't necessarily write romance novels so uh that is true I don't know. Do knows. they not? I I feel like. Well, actually, I don't know. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I don't know if it's true. Not, but... I thought, oh, I miss. I thought. Yeah, they're not written for men. That is true. But yeah, men are writing them. Yeah. Uh, Rick No says, uh, "Saying boys' club makes it sound like a treehouse with a no girls sign, but that's not reality." Nineties male nerds hired their friends to make some games. Women can do the same. I think we could if we had access to capital, which we don't. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I I agree with the, the overall point. Uh, Soldos for Fidar says, uh, have you considered running locally? I think people are too focused on everything at a national level. Whatever happened to federalism? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I certainly have. The amount I would have to uh, raise to uh, win a, uh, um, to be competitive in a, a state race here is only $100,000, um, you know, which is very easy to do. Um, so I've certainly thought about that. I think one of the problems I would run into, um, especially here in Dedham, is it's so focused on people um, at the state house who have like lived here their entire life. Um, that it's just hard to overcome the, the 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 friendships that you have to have to run at that level. So wow. the um, nepotism. It, it's 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 a very strong bias towards people that have always been in Massachusetts, right? Um, so maybe I'm overcounting that, but uh, it certainly factors into my thinking. Mm -hmm. Oh, going back to the other question, because a lot of people were confused by your answer. Um, you were 
you don't think you think that women are not being not able to get uh, business loans or venture capitalist money on the basis of them being women, right? I think that I, I don't know why venture capitalists are not doing it. I think the outcome is massively uh, stacked against uh, women. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, it's been 2% for a very long time. Uh, so I think that's uh, incredibly problematic. 2% are venture capitalists or 2% are able to do startups? 2% when you look at the the number of people who um, uh, women founders as mm -hmm. a, a proportion overall, it's 2%. The last study I saw. Do we did this study say like how many attempted and then failed? Uh, I don't know, but Which, I yeah. I can tell you there there are so many areas of venture capital that if you're looking at providing solutions for women's lives, mm -hmm. I think would end up as very very viable businesses. So uh, I think that you can look at that two percent and conclude that yeah you know, Silicon Valley is leaving a lot of money on the table. I think that's very clear. Right. But we'd, we'd have to, I mean, I would want to see, um, like to, to judge like what's happening, we have to see how many women versus how many men are like attempting and then failing to see if there's like a disproportionate number of women. We'd have to look at the projects too, obviously. I, well, yeah. I've sat on a lot of, you know, boards, uh, evaluating people that come through. Women are certainly not 50%, mm -hmm. uh, but we're certainly right. not 2% either. So I think something is going on there. Okay. Uh, James Jimmy, thank you so much for twenty dollars. Says Brianna, can you name your three favorite indie games that were created <gasps> solely by women? That's a really hard question. Oh my god! Are there any that are created solely by women? I think. Yeah, I didn't like Depression Quest. Sorry, Zoe. Um, <laughs> what? Oh wow! I, I apologize. I'm um, running the buzz. Don't apologize. Gosh. If she made a shitty game, then what's her? I don't know if it's shitty. For? It just didn't speak to me mm -hmm. personally. There are a lot of people oh, okay. that really gotcha. enjoyed that. Um, you know, I, I could, I, I honestly have not played. I cannot name an indie game. Well, I think my own game, Revolution Sixty, was extremely good. So I go. can certainly name that. What's your? Do you have any favorite indie games, regardless of who made them? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, favorite indie game, I think, would be Factorio, which is excellent. Oh, wow. I don't know anything about that, except I see Destiny playing all the time. So Stay away. Don't start playing it. You'll lose your whole life. Just trust okay. me. Okay. Sounds good. Um, uh, so you already answered that one about positive, female, negative. Here, we'll ask again because you want to add to that. Eric Dota says, uh, Brianna, who would you consider a positive and negative female character in a video game? But I guess we already talked positive. about Positive. I think the new Lara Croft is really the gold standard that we should be aiming uh, for as an industry. What I find so interesting about this character in 2013 is it's so much about the emotional journey that she has mm -hmm. inside of herself to find the strength to um, save everyone from the island. Um, she's very deeply written. She's brilliantly portrayed. I think Lara Croft is the gold standard for all women in video games. Uh, Commander Shepard is like a, a close second. Um, you know, I think if you're looking at the very worst, God, there's so many to choose from. I mean, come on. Uh, um, you know, uh, I think Ninja Gaiden is a series that's really done women dirty mm. overall. Do you... It's interesting because, I mean, I haven't played the any of the Tomb Raider games ever in my <gasps> life, um, so I can't comment on that. But, you know, there's a lot of controversy around, you know, Rey Skywalker and her character. And I'm yeah. curious where you, where you fall on that. Do you think she was a good character or a bad character? 
No, I don't think she was particularly good. Um, okay. You know, there was a, did you see the um, uh, Iron Fish show on Netflix? No. Iron Chef thought, or Iron Fish? So I like the show a lot. And the, the woman that played the love interest in this, I'm sorry, her name was escaping me. She, Colleen, I believe was uh, her character's name. She was up for being Ray, and I think she's such a better actress than Daisy Ridley that wow. I think they just miscast uh, that particular role. Um, I'm not sure it was the actress. I think just her character, she didn't, it just wasn't written very well. I, I think another, she didn't feel like she was really living a rich inner life, in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, to the degree, say, uh, you know, Poe was. So, um, yeah. I, hmm. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, opinion. to me, in here, here's your dread of wokeness uh, coming up. I think kind of, I think the first uh, Force Awakens, it actually set up what could have been very interesting story where you have, you know, Ray Skywalker, a a young girl who's basically lived this really hard, horrible life on this planet with no parents, where she's basically like a basically a slave, and that's a very interesting character. She should be incredibly distrusting and kind of like have a lot of personal problems a lot of emotional right. problems trusting people and then you have finn who was kidnapped as a child to be brainwashed to be a stormtrooper and you have like these two characters who should be really broken people like really like fucked up personalities and then they kind of have to get like come under the tutelage of han solo who has to kind of like civilize them and raise them to be you know normal people yeah and it just felt like disney was too afraid to give finn and ray like you know, realistic characters for the situations they went through. They gave them kind of like generic agree. hero characters. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think part of that is by design to make it kind of Twilight Syndrome, right? Like uh, mm. everyone could insert themselves into Bella uh, right, because she was right. just very shallowly written. Um, you know, I think um, Ray is a brilliant design and Daisy Ridley is a entirely competent actress. But you know, <laughs> when I think about true emotional depth, I think about, um, you know, uh, what's her name? Kristen Ritter for Jessica Jones, right? Um, I, I just think there wasn't a, an additional layer there that stopped me from truly connecting with that character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they wrote them to be kind of blank uh... Fan, you know, insert your face into this character. Exactly. Osher so. uh, C for twenty dollars says, uh, "I think Brianna is doing a tactic I've noticed from leftists, where people frame themselves as moderating from wokeness, but they're actually saying wokeness is correct, but optically can't win." Do you think so? Do y'all agree with that person? Um, I mean, you seem to be sincere to me. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you're doing that, but I think that we're defining wokeness and left a little bit differently but i don't, yeah. I don't think you're being deceptive or anything i'm not detecting that so uh, you Sammy don't think G we're being dishonest right no no i think uh this is why your show is successful well thank you uh sammy g for 50 dollars. thank you sammy says by the way i have a ton of money set aside to invest with two female game developer friends to start a game company they told Ooh. me to wait. They want to work in the industry, learn skills, get ideas before immediately jumping into that. I'm investing in their ideas, not their gender. Well, there you go, Sammy. Yeah, I think it's smart. Um, I think the, the I mean, I, I hear you for not wanting to invest in their gender. I think that, uh, let me put it this way. I really firmly believe that the video game industry is stagnant overall. Um, and I think that if we want new kinds of games, we need to... Um, fund different kinds of game developers, right? So 
Um, you know, they announced a new Assassin's Creed recently. I have no doubt it's going to be another microtransaction heavy uh, cluster <laughs> F that is not going to be rewarding at all. Um, you know, I just, I, I, something's got to change in the industry. And I think we keep throwing bigger budgets and prettier graphics at the problems. And I think it really comes back to gameplay. Um, yeah, something Something's wrong. I agree. I mean, I don't know if like having more women will change any of that. Um, I think you know, it's, but... it's, you'd get the same, I'm saying a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think um, you started bringing in like people that have been city planners, for instance, I think they would probably develop a very interesting uh, SimCity hmm. kind of game. Right. right. Um, I think if you bring in women, I think you're going to get characters that are written more deeply uh, for women, for instance. So I think it's bringing, you know, Casey Hudson talked about this with Mass Effect. Uh, you know, he, I read this from him when I was starting my game studio. He was talking about how he would take someone that had an interesting life story and hire them every single time over someone they'd started in the industry and that was all they'd ever wanted to do and they were just singularly focused on that because the person they had taken a, a, a like winding path to get there was always superior in the perspective that they brought mm -hmm. and i think in that same sense if we can start hiring and promoting different kinds of people in the industry i think it will give us better games didn't they right. bring a bunch of female writers in though on She-Hulk? Oh. And She-Hulk was like not deep at all. Yeah, I've got a better example for you. How about Mass Effect Andromeda? And yeah, was, <laughs> yeah exactly. oh my god. So I don't think oh just because you bring in female writers, you're gonna like fix. The well, they gotta be the right ones. Yeah, obviously. I, I think there's a lot of talent that's being underutilized. Um, I, I, oh know, my god, Mass think, Effect Andromeda. I think the issue is. Like, obviously, I think if you have, uh, like, females on the writing staff, whenever you say females, I think of, like, a Ferengi saying female. I do, too, yeah. <laughs> but, like, but you have a human female on the writing staff, obviously, that's going to, I would hope that would help, you know, flesh out the female characters to seem more realistic. I think the problem, like, lines when that kind of transforms into, well, we need to make the game have some kind of, like, you know, feminist or political yeah uh, like lens to it or statement as opposed to just having like a good character in it that's a woman i i think this is something that the left um in the game industry is largely missed there have been a lot of games that have come out and it feels like the developmental focus is having the right opinions and the right representation and saying the right things and mm -hmm. you know like having non-binary gender options and an ultra diverse cast and don't go wrong 100 support that stuff but it is a spice that you add to a game you've still got to have a good game right right and i think sometimes we conflate these goals of including people with the larger design goals of the video game industry mm -hmm. What is well, your, also, seems... what is your take on the girl boss trope? <laughs> I think it's been really weaponized in a way that is not helpful for women. And I think it's uh, the anger at that is part of a, a wider sexist uh, backlash, in my view. But weaponized by by uh, everybody critics seen, or yeah i've seen oh, everyone okay. from the right to hassan like dunking on girl boss i think women that want to be in charge um 
I think that's a good thing. I, mean, I think it's a, not every woman should be a leader, but I think mm-hmm. some of us are just programmed to lead. Well, um, I don't yeah. think, I don't think people have a problem with the girl boss. I think the reason why it's a trope is because of the ideology that you can't see a woman be vulnerable on screen. Right. So it's kind of a, a, a forced thing. Mm. Well, it's it's interesting because I, I thought like you know when people were talking about Captain Marvel and Ray Skywalker and all these kind of characters that they point the finger to as like you know the quote bad female characters and I was thinking of like uh, you know Beatrice Kiddo from Kill Bill where she's like you know like literally kills like a hundred people in the first movie with a sword and it's interesting because you look at that character and I never felt watching that character that she was like a girl boss or that she seemed fake or something and I think it's because even though she's killing all these people, she like you know she's crying, she's hurt, she's upset. Like she she's still like vulnerable. She still feels like a real person. Yeah, and I think the girl boss thing kind of comes into play when these you know we have these characters that are kind of you know invulnerable characters. I think maybe it's a and I agree with that. Um, maybe it's definitional. Like when I think about uh, girl boss being used as like a, a weapon, it's being used as a women that use feminism as like a, an aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. To uh, like put forward like an Instagram safe lifestyle, right? And to say the right things and have the right opinions. Um, I think there's a fair critique of that. Um, there, there's certainly, I think one of the reasons feminism is less uh, has less political power today than uh, a decade ago, as I think somewhere along the way, we did move more towards aesthetics and, and less about actual solutions for women's lives. Uh, this has been disastrous. Um, but I think that some of the backlash against girl boss is holding women to these impossible standards, right? Like the wing is a really good example where uh, you had someone that just wanted to create a, a networking space for women uh, to come in and basically be we work, but for women, right? And then the critique is, well, you're not addressing sexism enough in the office or racism, structural racism. Oh, you're not bringing in enough trans people. Oh, you said this in this book. And it's just this endless series of gauntlets you've got to go through as a leader. It's not enough to just be a woman leading. You've got to like have all these perfect opinions uh, and execute this perfect plan on all this stuff that it's literally impossible to succeed at. So um, I hate the girl boss trope. I think it's just, I think it's an impossible standard to live up to. Mm-hmm. There's so many women in eighties movies that never got accused of being girl bosses. Right. The uh, yeah. Ripley. The environment was very different though. The social environment. Ripley. Yeah. In uh, Aliens. Right, Ripley in Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, all these, all I, I feel like, well, I feel like again, it's kind of the key difference I was pointing to. I feel like a lot of, you know, you can have a female character who's, you know, an action hero who's a badass, but they have to still be a like, you know, maybe this is the hypocrisy because we've had the sort of James Bond, you know, self-insert fan fiction, you know, invulnerable male characters, but I feel like, you know, yeah, John Wick is a thing, but I feel like, you know, movies and stories have kind of moved a little bit beyond that. Um, into wanting, you know, more fleshed out characters overall. Yeah. You know, with Ripley and Sarah Connor and Beatrice Kiddo. I mean, these are all characters that even though they're kicking ass, they feel still like real people that have, you know, can get hurt. Yeah. I got my own super chat on Twitter. I want to read uh, this yeah. from Juan Smith. 
you are literally one of the most moronic people I've ever heard speak. The fact that you have any kind of influence is terrifying. Um, well, I'm sorry. I think that's not fair. I think there are way more moronic people than I am. Uh, so there maybe you should go. get out, explore the world a little bit more, and you can uh, see how much higher I am above average as far as being a moron. Um, I agree with you. The fact that I have influence is terrifying, though. So I think mm -hmm. that's a fair assessment. Hey, how come it, we don't get super chats on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? They just tweeted you. They didn't pay you for that. They, I'm joking. Oh, okay. Sad. You gotta pay. You should. You should. That's what you do. You should have people pay you to insult you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I need. I need five dollars for one. Thank you. Right. Right. Like most of the tweets are very, very right. sweet. Okay. That's good. Uh, Red forty-seven, uh, three for fifty dollars. Thank you. It says um, regarding AOC. AOC made some very public gaffes about unemployment rates and made pro-Palestinian comments in the beginning of her career. She handled her political opponents a very easy ammunition. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I think, um, yeah, getting off the foot with the uh, the Israel stuff, I think you've got to be, um, especially in an age where you know anti-Semitism is on the rise like I've never seen before mm -hmm. uh, in my lifetime. Um, I think that's something you've got to be very strategic in, in how you speak. And um, But I think the AOC of today is a, a far more measured politician. Uh, Fondu, thank you much for $20, says, um, I disagree with the female representation argument. There's plenty of eye candy for women that are never seen as a feminine, as a female gaze. It's a position feminists don't consider an inequality only viewed from one end. Okay. Um, and a bunch of people, apparently, I'm not familiar with the game, were disagree, <laughs> saying, I will stand up for Pyra and Mithra. <laughs> They're more than just massive boobs. <laughs> yeah fair enough i only got about uh probably 10 hours into xenosaga uh mm -hmm. too so uh maybe there's deeper characterization there uh but only it's hard hours. to take a game that seriously that all happens on the uh the back of a turtle <laughs> um brick knows thank you no thank you for the 20 dollars brick knows brick knows is funding us for the week here uh brianna have you tried raising capital for indie game studios from your connections or donation streams or hitting up <laughs> socialist sugar daddies like Vosh or Hassan, so many male indie game studios, how do they raise their money? Uh, I am very adaptive fundraising. Uh, mm. This is one of my main professional skills. Uh, so the answer is yes for my own studio. Um, I had a lot of options about what to do after I um, you know, resigned from my 2020 uh, congressional campaign in the the height of COVID. And I, I did think a lot about going back to the video game industry and kind of uh, working on fundraising um, on some of these problems. So I think, um, you know, just talking structurally, I don't know many women that spend their days fundraising or thinking about fundraising uh, mm -hmm. in the video game industry. I think there's a, a real lack of, um, I don't want to say talent, but uh, certainly career expertise in that. And I think it's a, a structural barrier. Uh, Matthew Titus, uh, clarifying his point about MMA says, does the presence of self-congratulatory activists condemning the audience cause more harm than good gaming versus MMA? I think I've said it repeatedly in the show. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that the answer is yes. It does more harm than good. Yeah. 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 Uh, Potato, our surrogate uncle, says a white man has to civilize a black man in a woman's sitch. Wow. 
Okay, got me there. Well, is that some game or the something? The Han Solo civilizing Ray and the Finn. Oh yeah. You oh, got me. You got me, potato. Uh CJ uh, four six says, Sitch, I think a good example of wokeness impacting policy is when uh lefties ask for progressive DAs to refuse to prosecute crimes based on systemic racism, causing more crime from repeat offenders. That's not I think uh, defund the police is one of the stupidest slogans I've ever seen in my lifetime mm-hmm. um, and has been hugely counterproductive, uh, not just for progressives, but for Democrats as a whole. So um, yeah, I agree. really major unforced error. And uh, I don't know why the left feels that we need to phrase our arguments in the most extreme ways that push people away. Um, it makes my job much harder. Please stop yep. doing it. <laughs> Would well, you be just... in favor of hiring more cops in Massachusetts? I don't know if yeah. you have a, a crime problem there or not. I, I, We do have a meth problem in the state. I think, I know he's a little controversial, but uh, uh, Matt Iglesias, I think, has the right idea here where we need to be not necessarily hiring more cops, but hiring the right cops and investing a lot more in training and screening and, you know, paying them more commensurate with uh, the the professionalism that we're looking for. So, so I think if you're serious about solving some of these problems, I think it's going to require actually more investment in police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. pay a cop like a Walmart greeter, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. That's <laughs> like, exactly right. right. They're going to be making money on the side. Yeah. Well, and then just be, I mean, obviously, I think the defund the police thing was really stupid because, especially if you have a problem with, you know, bad policing, you're going to have to pay more to have either better cops or better trained cops, you know, cutting the budgets that this me doesn't really solve the problem. Um, but there's also an issue, it seems like in some cities, like New York and some cities in uh, California, where the DAs are kind of trying to adopt a new strategy of, you know, uh, criminal reform to not prosecute or not give jail time for certain offenses they used to and it doesn't seem like it's helping it seems like it's making things worse not better you know i got in a lot of trouble with this um with the left for saying this but uh you know something i've been pretty public about is my own uh, drug addiction you know um i think it was about 20 years ago uh, mm-hmm. yeah it was 20 years ago i um I found myself um really in rehab and at the absolute end of my rope um you know, one of the things I learned from that experience is you don't get better until you're really forced to, right? Yep. Um, yeah, it was, in my case, my family holding me to standards uh, that made me get help that, you know, I've been sober for 20 years. I think in that sense, you can look at some institutions like uh, drug courts, um, which I think are really positive ways. Like they let people, um, you know, not go to, um, you know, sentencing and go to prison if they can successfully like go through rehab and, you know, stop using and submit to drug tests and things like that. That is the exact kind of consequence that can create the structure in an addict's life that make it possible for them to, you know, move forward and and become a productive member of society. So I do think that, you know, progressive DAs that can look at problems like that and solve it in ways that uh, you know make more sense. I do think there's there's a strong role for that mm-hmm. in society. Yeah, I mean, I agree in terms of like people committing uh, nonviolent drug offenses. 
Um, I think most people agree that you know, there could be lessening of sentencing for that and rehab for that. I think the their concern is more, it's my concern as well, is in terms of like being softer on people who are shoplifting, right. or committing assaults and you know, violent crimes and property yeah. crimes and things of that nature. Yeah. So, um, I maybe right wing news is covering this uh, and left wing news isn't. And I just hmm. haven't seen it. Um, I'm I'm honestly just not aware of that, but that could be my my that, own yeah, misconception definitely. Right bias. Wing is definitely, you know, hyping. <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah. Seems um, like a lot of people are in jail in America, but that's just me. One is it, you know what you're saying about people um, having to kind of unfortunately be forced to to you know help themselves or to get help. I mean, I think that kind of came up you know, somewhat related to, you know, with the Jordan Neely situation with drugs and homelessness. I'm sorry, with the what situation? The Jordan Neely situation. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. With the drugs and homelessness where, um, you know, it's weird because it seems like a lot of people think that like, oh, there's a lot of homeless people in New York or California or, or Portland. And it's that they're homeless because they don't have the ability to not be homeless. When, I mean, to my understanding, there's so many government programs that are available to a lot of homeless people. I know I've actually, you know, had family members personally try to, to help homeless people. And very often the case, it's it's that they're, the homeless individual doesn't necessarily want, you know, they kind of want to be on the street. They don't necessarily want to do whatever they have to do to not do drugs or to be in a, a homeless facility or something of that nature. Yeah. It's a tremendously complicated problem. Um, one of the things when you run for Congress, you learn about all these policy problems that you've just never thought about. And yeah, you know, homelessness, it's its as you describe, it's an incredibly multi-vectoral problem with uh, mm -hmm. no easy, perfect solutions. Um, so yeah, extremely difficult yeah. to solve. I think, yeah, I think that's, Go ahead. I think that's really what you unfortunately find out when you're in, in government is how all these problems have like all these tiny, like million things associated with them that you never thought of. And oh my God, hyper complicated to try to fix even the smallest. I could thing. talk about this for an hour, like yeah. everything from the way disability courts are structured to the way that highway grant funds are appropriated from the federal government mm -hmm. and how they're dished out in Massachusetts and why they end up in more white districts than black districts. Oh my God, it is so complicated and anyone right. giving you easy solutions to that is just lying to you well, like i alone can fix it it's a lie yeah exactly and what's the thing i've noticed that like usually people when they look at a system that's producing some kind of bad outcome especially a government system that's producing a bad outcome they assume there's like a nefarious intent intent and you know sometimes there is and obviously there's corruption and pork and all those things but i find that usually when you look at these systems these systems kind of come into being piecemeal Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's always, when you kind of start untangling the web, there's some complicated reason for why the systems are kind of structured the way they are. It's, you know, and it causes a lot of negative outcomes, but it's not just like, oh, some bad person said, you know, we're going to just give money to, you know, <laughs> whoever, right? And screw everyone else over. 100%. Did you say that crime is being overblown by right-wing media? I said that my news diet, uh, which does tend to be, you know, New York Times, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just personally haven't read stories about that. Um, okay. I think that right wing media tends to uh, focus more on crime than I, I think left wing media does. That is I true. do. I do think right wing media does focus on crime. Obviously, you know, they mm -hmm. want to say the 
country is falling apart so that they can win in the next Left election. Left is soft on crime. Well, no, I do, but in I live in Los Angeles, and in Los Angeles, the local news, I would not describe as right-wing in any way, shape, or form, but there is so many more crime stories going on in Los Angeles that it, I, it's hard for me to imagine crime is not getting tangibly worse in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have all these homeless people stabbing people, beating people up and stuff like that. And it kind of occurred to me that it might be being driven by the inflation situation because things are getting so much more expensive and people are probably less likely to part with their own money to give to homeless people. So it's probably becoming more and more of a struggle to be living on the streets in the current situation. Well, it's probably, well, I want to be clear in case anyone was confused what I meant earlier. I mean, so obviously the right wing media is going to prop up and, and hyper fixate on stories of crime because it suits their narrative. And left wing media is not going to fixate on that generally, nationally anyway, obviously locally, it's a completely different story. Um, but I do think that there, I mean, I think if you look at the statistics, there has been a, a big increase in violent crimes across the country and in specific cities. Mm. And I do think as you're saying, Adam, I think it has to do with inflation. I think it has to do with a lot of uh, criminal DA policies that are basically, unfortunately, allowing, you know, repeat offenders and things to, to, to keep going, you know, unpunished and not be in jail and things of that nature. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I thought your uh, recent mayoral race was so interesting. You know, Jank uh, uh, endorsed uh, the Republican candidate because he was so um, oh, you're frustrated. Right. Yeah, you're right. He was so frustrated with the kind of the the failure of the Democrats to to do anything about the you know the problems with homelessness and a lot of other things. And I, mm-hmm. you know, um, I I don't feel like I I don't live there, so I don't uh, feel like I can have a strong opinion about who your mayor can be. But I think it uh, speaks to the failure you can see at the state government when one party controls uh, all the levers of power. We've certainly seen that in Massachusetts. Yeah, we have the same problem in California. I have kind of a controversial take on how to fix this issue. Please. I think. <laughs> is it the drug island? I think that essentially what we should do is we should, you know, we should create facilities where we say, listen, if you're, you know, if you're homeless or you're addicted to drugs, you can come to this facility and you're like, you know, doing crime or something. You can come to this facility and we'll give you all the free drugs you want, but you have to stay there. You have to stay there. So you can do all the drugs you want. You just have to stay in this facility. It's basically drug jail. Oh my goodness. Well, if you don't, if you, if you leave, you, you know, you just can't do drugs, right? Yeah. Um, I would have gone there and I would have died. I was telling you right now. Sitch has not dealt with those sort of ramifications yet. Yeah. I feel like I've been a pretty uh, productive member of society. I've paid a lot more in taxes than I spent on rehab. Um, That's true. Think I'm a, a success story in my end. Well, I think I mean obviously I think rehab should be part of that if people want to go to rehab. But as you said, yeah. people kind of have to be forced, unfortunately. Yeah, you that. do. You can justify all your terrible behavior. It's um, whew, I want to do a whole show sometime where I just talk about yeah. rehab. Well, it's good that you got clean. I know yeah. it's a struggle for a lot of people. So and yeah, I, have I really a lot found of it easy to be honest. It, it it has not been that difficult. Oh well, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Once you were, uh, um, do we really believe that he had a sex addiction? <laughs> I do, I do. Oh, okay. There are a lot of people okay. like that in our program. Um, oh, and one okay. of the things they did that was really helpful is they 
really make you sit down is not doctors confronting your poor behavior. It's other mm-hmm. addicts in group therapy really calling you on your bullshit and making right. you realize your bad decisions and your bad patterns and your thinking. So what it makes you do is really think and address the underlying issues uh, about why you were addicted. And then once you solve that poor thinking, it makes it a lot easier to go forward. Um, I think a lot of my professional success has actually been due to rehab because so many of the skills are are helpful. You know, being open, honest, and direct with people, um, you know, that is a, I think that's something a lot of people uh, struggle with, but it was really necessary to get sober. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brick knows, thanks so much for another $10 says, um... Uh, listening to Brianna, it sounds like the problems holding women back are mostly trolls and hyper leftists. I appreciate ignoring trolls is hard, but dicks, but ditch the toxic woke swamp monsters. <laughs> I don't believe that was my argument, uh, <laughs> but I, I hear you. <laughs> uh, CT for five Canadians says, I think three people have seen my vulnerability in my adult life. That's three too many. They're liabilities now, but they get to live because no one will believe them anyway. True. CT made another thing about uh ct for two dollars disagree losers i like not being vulnerable she's saying ct's a woman and she's saying i like being a girl boss she wants invulnerable (laughs) yeah i i feel like i'm a leader uh you know um i i I don't know if i describe myself as a girl boss but i would certainly describe myself as a leader and i i don't think i can be any other way i do think that women uh tend to need to lead differently than men do Um, i agree yeah Yeah. and they're more there is that that uh that a people call them a bitch what what is that the yeah they have to deal with that kind of stereotype I, I don't worry about that. I That's think a disadvantage. That, yeah. I think that you have to focus more on coalition building and getting buy-in from people. I think men are a lot more able to come in and just, you know, uh, boss things around. Um, maybe some people can do it that way. It's just not the way I operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, some person for $20 says, um, they disagree with you writing off the original Laura Croft as just boobs. They said the original Laura was educated, self-starting, and a full character. She was incredibly empowered. She rejected her wealthy background to seek adventure. I don't believe I said the original Laura Croft was uh, just boobs. Uh, I think from a design perspective, that was... Mm-hmm. Um, like 90% cert- boobs. <laughs> that visually was what you saw. But yeah, there was a, a character written there. Okay. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm an old school PlayStation gamer. I was there. <laughs> you were there with the, the pointy bits. Yes, I was. Uh, Death by Sloth says, I have a problem. The problem I have with woke folk is that they'll identify an implicit issue like systemic racism and then try to solve it with an explicit solution. Psychology doesn't work that way. It's like macro versus microeconomics. Yeah. I think think the tendency to view everything through the lens of identity is increasingly unhelpful as well. So nice. I completely agree with you i think that's kind of the danger of identity politics moving away from kind of the liberal framework nowadays i i think you know i think one of the reasons i've found uh, certainly not to the degree you two have but i've found more success in the uh the twitch sphere than i did during my gamergate days is i i 
even when I think something is due to sexism, like the way Kyla is being treated today, mm-hmm. I don't think that's first and foremost the way I try to to message it or think about the problem or talk about it because it's so apparent to me. It shuts so many people off to the point they can't hear anything else you say. So um, I, I think there are ways to talk about these issues. I just think the typical fringe left way is is not one of them uh, who's um who's hating on kyla yeah do you think besides president, president sunday, sunday? Yeah. besides president sunday yeah. do, you, do you think president sunday w- would be doing the same thing if kyla was a a guy i feel like no. he would be no i don't i think he's really? got um uh, there i, well, I he's he's attacked other content that. creators that are men he, that he's, he, he's got a bone to pick with her that goes beyond any issue at hand i mean come I on know. you hear that president sunday well he's no, he, sexist he came on and there was accusations of him doxing two other content creators both content creators were men okay last time we had him on so i'm, ju- I'm just saying like president sunday being president sunday does not necessarily mean He's Fair attacking point. Kyla because she's a sex. He's a sexist. Well, I can say a lot of the ways he chooses to attack her uh, is very gendered, uh, like the way he just reflectively called uh, Kyla a bitch the other day on Chud's stream. Um, I <laughs> thought that was um, I thought that was non-constructive. I didn't watch that conversation. It was pretty epic. You should. <laughs> I feel like I should. So um, I need to jump off in just a minute and get ready for the Destiny Jank debate. I want to, before I go, mm-hmm. get this. This we got some funky juju here that mm-hmm. we need to address over April O'Neill. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk oh, okay. about this sure. before we go. So you're, you're getting can you mind. sum up the difference, the thing we had a little tiff about on Twitter? Sure. I posted a meme that someone had made of the difference between April O'Neil in the Ninja Turtle comics and April O'Neil in the new movie. Is it, is it out? I'm not even sure it's out yet. No, but. it's going to come out soon. Right. So it was just in a trailer. Yes. And the new April, the old April O'Neil from the comics was a sexy redhead. And the new <laughs> April... Okay, we'll, we'll come to it. Go ahead. And the new April O'Neil is like a fat dumpy like maybe black maybe latino woman yes maybe lesbian i don't know it's hard to say but they're not it's a great character design definitely not yeah de- definitely not a- attractive in a conventional sense and you well, not even attractive i think there are ways to do like characters that are black or or you know uh, sure. overweight that are uh compelling i think it's just a bad design period in, right. in my view yeah and the general consensus the clap back that i got was this is a kid's movie and she's you know 14 years old and are you perving on a 14 like it was basically <laughs> a- accusing me You're of a being groomer, Adam. attracted to an underage girl i mean you could go to the wikipedia and the april o'neill characters i i don't maybe she's 12 but she looks like she's about 26 in the right. character design so but i i just shared the meme and i don't i can't even remember what the tweet was but it was well, something to we got into of, it because you were showing basically fan art from deviant art that that is 
I think you're right. It's not hypersexualized, but certainly it's drawn in a more modern art style. And her jumper is like a lot tighter and more defined. She had more cleavage. Like, she did have more she cleavage. She had more cleavage. But you she, could go to the Wikipedia. You yeah. could go to the Wikipedia and you could find April O'Neil that was literally in the comic book that she was sexy, like big, busty redhead. Uh, Yeah, I think most people, when they think of TMNT, they think of that cartoon. I think if you watch it, overall, April's in kind of baggy, uh, you know, not really. Like, she's drawn to just be a a character in a jumpsuit, right? So, I don't know. What was my my tweet, though? It was just something to the effect of... I don't remember, but uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think there's a way to critique that character design. Mm. I don't think it's true that April has to be this conventionally uh, attractive, uh, you know, redheaded uh, character. Though I think there are other ways to do that character. The comic book itself had her drawn in many different ways. Um, so um, I don't know. Well, I just I don't, and it doesn't seem like you're against objectification in the way that it's described by like Anita Sarkeesian feminist. Right. They, they yeah. say it's bad to objectify women because society, society will start only viewing them as sex, sex objects and not thinking that they have any sort of value beyond that, which no. I completely disagree with. And as an artist myself, I think, you know, if you want to develop a character that, you know, they have sex appeal, and that's yeah. part of their character. That's fine. I don't know if yeah. it's that's the original case in the in the original comic or or Not television really. show. No, no. So, but no. it the the change is obviously being driven by we don't we want to encourage a female audience and the super sexy stuff is not necessarily appealing to women because they feel it's uh, unreal beauty standard that they can't achieve. You know, the 80s cartoon April O'Neil is not an unrealistic body standard. I mean, she's just a woman doing her job, right? Well, but what's a new, the new one that's coming no, out? It's a terrible design. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I don't know what they're doing there. I, I don't. It, it doesn't well, look like April. Yeah. They're doing a race swap. They're trying to achieve... That, I mean, they may just be doing it for marketing reasons because everyone the loses racial, their minds. The racial swap, I don't, I think you can look at the original comic, which was drawn in black and white, but there's a way to look at April where she had an afro mm-hmm. uh, for a large part of that. And there are certain stills that have been drawn where she looks biracial. So I have zero issue with making April a black woman or. You know, I think there's a way you could do it where uh, April was a guy and Casey Jones was the the crazy like woman sidekick, right? I think they're awesome. like Felix Leiter. There's a lot of different ways to interpret that character. Um, I I just I, I I take a I don't agree with you that the only way to interpret that character is like this this sexy uh, wink material for guys. I think April's fundamental quality is she's a, a reporter uh, and is kind of the the fun sidekick for the turtles. In but, my but it's okay to have wank material for guys, right? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I just think uh, I think we got that with the Megan Fox uh, take on April O'Neil, of which course. I liked. Yes. But <laughs> you got to do something new, right? Right. Well, I mean, also, there's, I mean, there's a difference between like 
having the character I, I people were saying she's supposed to be young i can't really tell from the picture sure um, but assuming that he, she is supposed to be young you can have a character i think in the previous neutrals cartoon they had april was black and she was young yeah and she didn't look like a like a dumpy you know character <laughs> she sure. just looked like a normal person right i think it was the dumpiness of her character design that was very strange to people yeah because when you think about april o'neill you think about someone that's very um active with the world and engaged yes. with it like she's a reporter running right? around so... not, you know yeah. yeah it's not to say i don't think there's a way to do that character where they could be overweight i i guess there is i think that's we'd all agree that's a very challenging character design right there, and i think we would I, all I think agree there's too they much, failed i'm not i'm not in favor of fat shaming at all but i think there's too much sure. like fat promotion now <laughs> like it's fine to you know be, people we should be promoting that people should be in shape you know especially with the american diet the way it is I, I have no problem with race swaps. I know a lot of people do have problem with problems with race swaps, and I understand why. There's kind of two narratives with it, though. The left wants to say that the people who have problem with race swaps are all racist pieces of shit, and that's the mm -hmm. only reason they're getting upset about the race swap. But I do think there are people, and this I'm not one of these people. I don't have like a character that I grew up with and is like near and dear to my heart. You know, they're like Jesus to me. And just the idea that you would change my character in any way is going to offend my sensibilities. But I, f I feel like there are people like that in the world. And, you know, they grew up, uh, you know, playing with um, Luke Skywalker as an action figure. And they have this whole backstory for their, their selves. It's part of their identity. And then all right. of a sudden when the, the, the Star Wars franchise decides they're going to race swap Luke Skywalker with a black guy. It feels like a, you know, a, a punch in the gut to them. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a racist thing. I, don't, I think it's very execution dependent, right? Like Nick Fury in the comics uh, from many of the Marvel comics I saw as a child was always this white dude, right? Smoking mm -hmm. a cigar. Uh, yeah, I, I have no issue with Samuel L. Jackson playing it. I think it's got to it's gotta make sense, right? And be right. in vain with the character. I think what people are reacting to with April O'Neil is it doesn't feel true to the character we know and love, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's a race thing. Um, yeah, I've gotten heat for saying this. Um, you know, there are pushes. Uh, there's a push from a lot of feminists to have uh, Bond be a woman in one of these um in one of these films and yeah i think you can make james bond theoretically any race and have it work uh like a a, a james bond that was the subject of colonialism might be an interesting take <laughs> on the character but i don't think you got bond be a woman right there's something about that character where he is like that judy dench line like a, a sexist misogynist dinosaur a relic of the cold war that's just who that character is there's this empty loneliness inside of him that he tries to cover up by sleeping with endless beautiful women right mm -hmm. i think the essence of that character is male and just always will be so mm -hmm. it, you can do it it's just got to make sense i think a super woke james bond as a comedy could really work <laughs> though i think that could be off that mm -hmm. could be off the hook well just yeah. um yeah going back to the race swap thing before you go i, I think um to me i think the, the main issue people are reacting to is just that it's not the race swap itself. It's that they feel like the race swap is done for a political reason. Yeah. And that's kind of what's triggering people. Because I'm sure you're aware, you know, right now the controversy was with, you know, Magic the Gathering race swapped uh, Aragorn. And, you know, people were very upset about that. And I think it's just... I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, okay. They did. <laughs> so it's like, 
you know, they made Aragorn black. And it's kind of like, and I think Nick Fury is a good example because, you know, I, I know that Nick Fury is black in the Ultimate comic, um, even, though, even though he wasn't the normal one, but no one really cared because it was, you know, the perception was like, well, Samuel Jackson's a badass, you know, like, yeah. they didn't feel like they just were like, oh, we need to make a black, you know, character here be black, right? It just felt like they just like Samuel Jackson. That's the way they did yeah. it. Yeah, I think um, I think authentic characters come through, and I think the attentions come through. I I'm not gonna, I I could sit here today and tell you there's not political pressure to do X, Y, and Z. There is, um, but I, I think it can sometimes lead to interesting art, like looking at something from a new point of view. Um, you know, um, but I think that I think the problem is it's often done clumsily. I would certainly agree with that. Well, thanks for coming on. It was great talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, sometime I'd love to uh, even uh, off stream, like talk about uh, your show sometime and see if uh, Connor and I end up doing ours. I'd love to get your insight on that. Sure, we can do oh, that. Oh, you're going to do, oh, that'd yeah. be awesome. You do a show with Connor, yeah. Yeah, I, he's, a, he's a great guy. Great we'll guy. set up a call. Yep, sounds really good. Talk to y'all uh, soon. Thanks for having me on. Have good luck with your debate. I'm sure we're, we're, yeah. we're all very excited for it. So. We're going to be watching know, it as well. Uh, be, be easy on Jank if uh, in your coverage, please. <laughs> we'll, we'll try. <laughs> I tell you what, if he really blows it, I'll come on your Sunday show and uh, uh, apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, we okay, don't. we'll have to do that. <laughs> all right, we'll talk soon, y'all. Right, Bye. Take, take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go. I'm sure we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it'll be exciting enough for us to cover on Sunday. So oh, that'll be a fun conversation. That'll be cool. Yep. Okay. I don't remember what my tweet was. I actually found it. I I was questioning whether I'd, I'd read it, but I figured you guys seem to have moved past it. So What was the tweet? What was it? Uh, so you said... Um, the woke Puritans of today have enacted the kind of, quote, sex and media prohibitions that the 1980s evangelicals could only dream of. Oh, we that's a bomber tweet right there. It is. I retweeted it. And um, it's a picture of 1987 versus 2023. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, back in 1983, they were like, how dare you? The children. This is a children's show. April's tits are hanging out. My, my seven-year-old. <laughs> Is whacking off after school. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Essentially. And then uh, Brianna's reply to you was, uh, my dude, this is how April is depicted in OG TMT. You're tweeting some horny fan art from an undersexed incel. So she used the incel <laughs> She line. pulled the incel she card. Did. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, Though, you know, and I don't think the, I mean, what she posted wasn't really, in my opinion, a good counterpoint because it's like, you have a picture of April from a game art, like the Super Nintendo game art cover. And it's like, she's wearing the yellow jumpsuit and it's like a conventionally attractive woman, but it's not like, you know, she's never like, it's not her cleavage isn't showing. It's not super tight. She does have some cleavage though. It, it is. Um, send me the tweet. Send me the link. I'll okay, I'll send it so everyone um, can see it. I have shoes tweets too. Cause. Shoes tweet was very funny. It was. <laughs> Maybe they can bury the hatchet too. That would be interesting. Somebody shoe, I saw shoe did a poll on who is more responsible for for being the alt right pipeline. The left or the right, or her? her I know people are calling her like a groomer now. So. Yeah, her or Chris Reagan. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. She was, you know, it was, she was hilarious, man. She it was leans very funny. Into um, it. 
Um, the uh, uh, blast from the past. I'm sure you saw my tweet. Friana, Friana, what's her name? Uh, Ramcheski, Francis. Ram oh, I saw that. Jesse, whatever the fuck her name is. Francesca Ramsey. Francesca Ramsey. Yeah, she uh, like randomly attacked Chris Reagan um, for his "Ain't No Rest for the Triggered" video from seven years ago. I was yep. like, Jesus, like this is. Talk still, about like your tweet was hilarious. Look, yeah, you're said, obviously still seething about this. I said, I said, I mean, considering you're still upset about a humorous video from seven years ago, aren't you just proving the song title true? Ain't no rest for the triggered. Right. Yep. Look, this was a big problem back in the Gamergate days because I do, I think Sargon was saying things like, you know, don't attack these people. You're not doing us yeah, any favors was. by Everyone was, yeah. doing this. Please stop. Yep. People get out of control though. That's a problem. You can't, you can't really, can't really stop them. Yeah. But, I mean, you can definitely, you know, as a, as a creator, well, also, I mean, the, the environment was so different back in those days. It was not like today where the, I mean, that was really the beginning of like the internet political sphere in the first place where now you have all these different creators. Like that's what spawned it all. And everyone's very new to it at the time. Right. You know, it's not like today where people are a little bit more organized, a little bit more mature and understanding of kind of how to, to try to, to engage with their audiences a little bit. Um, I do think that creators have some responsibility for like kind of the mood they set with their audience. Um, but obviously they, you know, there's always going to be crazy people out there that are going to go and do, you know, bad shit, right? They're going to harass people, send death threats, and do all that really bad, fucked up shit. Well, I'm happy you guys made a good impression on Brianna. I guess some of our audience messaged her and said, you know, you seem reasonable now. Yeah. So that's, that's good. cool. Yeah. I mean, not really helping us when you message her and attack her. So, I mean, right. Yeah. There were some it, super chats. Don't be a dick were, about it. Yeah. That were a little. <laughs> but well, it's fine. I mean, if you're paying us, it's fine. I'm just saying, like, you know, just. Don't go and get annoying her on, on your own. It's not really helping us. So so here's, here is, uh, here's the art that I shared. And there is, I mean, there's cleavage there. She's yeah, but the art you shared is not, is not a, so the, the gotcha that was kind of happening is the art you shared was not original. Right. It was from DeviantArt. Art. It was, like, it was yeah. like fan art. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, so. But I'm saying like, even in the, the tweet I sent you from Brianna, when she has the picture of her from the TV show, even though she doesn't have like the zipper pulled down so I see her cleavage, I mean, she's still got, you know, pretty big milkers <laughs> underneath that yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> so I just say, like, I don't think it's like the, it's not the dunk I, you know, think you would think it would be. So I know. Well, the reason this tweet blew up was because it just, People obviously like the connection to the puritanical ways of the 1980s evangelicals. Right. So nobody was really talking about that. True. Because they don't want to be compared to 1980s evangelicals. But a good on her for just, I think I responded like, look, you seem so chill on streams why are you being mean to me <laughs> oh look at that oh wait i probably shouldn't show that someone retweeted the um heavy metal you've never seen that movie heavy metal right uh no I what it's like oh, it. great that movie's awesome gotta yeah. check it out all right i have to run okay. to the bathroom real quick you go we're, the bathroom, almost, I'll read we're almost done with super chats right i, well, I mean there's a bunch that weren't 
There are a bunch that weren't questions, so. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Uh, CT for two Canadians says, welcome back, Brianna. Happy to have you. Oh, I should have read that one, CT. Sorry. Um, let's see. Waffles for, Waffles for the people for three months says, uh, Wu is explicitly wrong about Trump. Trump was the first president ever to be elected while being pro-gay marriage. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, and then we kind of got changed the topic because I looked into it while he was talking. And it was weird. And he's been kind of all over the place because so originally the timeline was uh, originally he was uh, – against gay marriage and then he was kind of like well let the states decide and then he kind of changed into well the supreme court says it's fine and then i think eventually by 2019 of 2020 he explicitly said he was in favor of it and was one of the few if only republican candidates to say he was in favor of it so i'm curious i predict that coming 2024 he will say he's in favor of it um that'd be my prediction he will explicitly say he's in favor of it and he won't do like a pivot to say Oh, let the states decide or anything like that. But I guess we'll find out. So it's interesting that Brianna thought that was very shocking. But I guess that shows kind of where, you know, we all have our headspace and where our kind of our, where we get our news sources from. What was so, shocking? That Brianna like was so surprised that I thought Trump would come out in favor of gay marriage in 2024. Oh, of course he will. So. I mean, he yeah. did in 2020, I believe. Yeah, he why would he reverse his position? Again. Yeah, so. Well, he did. He was against it at first, but then in 2020, he was in favor of it. So I think he'll maintain that position. Yeah. So what, what topic of the stream got the most engagement, audience engagement and interest? Adam, I don't want to say, I told you talking about Gamergate was a good idea, Sitch. Oh, oh, is that what? Oh, okay. No, it was fine. Listen, I'm glad we talked about it. It was an interesting conversation. Um, but I mean, essentially, it was the conversation went as I assumed it would go. But, but it, I mean, it was a good conversation. It was interesting. I thought it was an interesting conversation. I think that's right. the conversation people want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, look. I just yeah, I said my piece. I mean, you no, know, it's just because because like this is it's not. The thing is that there's not going to be any movement from either of us on the conversation. Uh, I really. feel like there was. Oh my God. Okay. That's the I mean, thing. Well, about Gamergate, people, I don't think there was. But. People will only see it as movement if Brianna like leaves in tears and it's completely dismantled. Like that's what they want to see. No, no, no. I mean, movement in terms of like she admitted you know, acknowledging that... that, you know, there's this other aspect of it that's worthy of conversation. She She admitted that things that were done throwing the entire gaming community under the bus was not politically effective. You're, you know what? You're right. That's you a huge correct. win. That's true. You are correct. That did happen. Yeah. She I said if, uh, if she had it to do over again, she'd do it differently. How's That's that not? True. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But she still seemed like to think that the, the, the animus, the animating energy behind Gamergate was the desire was sexism yes which i I there was no mentally don't agree with that no movement there yeah but you're right (laughs) i mean she did acknowledge that you know that it should have been done differently and throwing out this broad brush at all gamers was a stupid thing to do so and that's and i applaud her for that that's true we should um that was funny that she (laughs) she she used the insult (laughs) it's all that tweet it is hilarious is that why (laughs) you didn't want to bring it up Maybe I didn't she... even think about that. No, I just 
I didn't even think about that when I was reading it to myself, but um but anyway. Look, look, she's friends with Jank. What if we can get Jank on the show? That would be interesting. That would be amazing. That would be interesting. I'm very very curious how this debate is gonna go with Destiny because I was watching a video where Destiny was kind of reviewing uh, Young Turks coverage of Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh wow! And I forgot some other things where they had some like pretty shitty takes on it. So curious how this conversation is going to go. He's going to go down the Kyle Rittenhouse road. Well, I don't know because the topic was supposed to be, I think, on uh, whether Biden was uh, a good or effective president. Mm -hmm. So I mean, unless it's going to change off of that into like other things that are more interesting <laughs> to me anyway. Yeah, who get that? Nothing like setting up the most boring debate topic ever. Please, no. Yeah, that's a pretty look. I'm messaging Brana right now. <laughs> we need to change the topic. I mean, I think that's like an important thing to think about for if you're voting, but I don't think it's going to be like a very riveting debate. So, and I yeah. thought, I guess, because I would assume, I guess, De I mean, I'm assuming Destiny's always been very. Joe Biden has done all these awesome things. I didn't know Chank was on this like thinking Biden hasn't accomplished anything position. So, anyway, interesting. Anyway. Uh, Renaro Zoro is here for $20, says, as a conservative, I don't think society should support gender slash sex transitions. I don't think people who suffer from gender dysphoria should have their unhealthy self-perception affirmed, just like an anorexic shouldn't. Well, as I've always said when we talk, when we talked about this, um, it, if there's an alternative treatment, um, then yeah, sure. But to my knowledge, we don't know what an alternative treatment to that would be at all now i agree that we haven't done a lot of to my knowledge we haven't done a lot of research in alternative treatments which i think should be done but until that exists there's really nothing no other solution to it so if guys want to cut their ding dong off less competition for me there you go obviously once they're an adult and have been properly given the context of informed consent and properly been uh, seen a doctor who has made sure it's not a different issue. Yeah, adults only. Yeah. Uh, Bo Media Steel Dragon for 25 Ronald Weasleys. Thank you. Says, you will go, you will go question mark, question mark, question mark, percentage mob explosion. Talking about uh, Mob Psycho. If you watch Prayer of Apology for African Americans by Mariana Williamson, bring FT Signifier on for that too. Yeah, what is that about? I'm not familiar. I mean, did Mariana Williamson have some like really paper? From a hot prayer tape? for apology for African Americans. This is from six years ago. Okay, I'll check it out. Mariana Williamson leads whites in apology prayer to blacks. Uh oh. I mean, I'm not surprised by that because she's like a bleeding heart. But I finished that book. Oh Which man, book? the labyrinth book, the one about. L.A. cops, corrupt cops in Los oh, Angeles. Oh, right, right, yeah. All the black cops are totally preying on the black uh, drug dealers and stuff like that. Stealing their drugs, stealing their money, planting guns and weapons on them and getting them arrested and thrown in jail. Mm -hmm. And then turning around and selling their drugs. Mm -hmm. is, that, uh, is that... I mean, is it better that the cops are... At least arresting the drug dealers. I mean, they're <laughs> turning around and still selling the drugs. That's uh, not great. Not great. Yeah. Uh, Majin drew a picture of me 
in the bathtub uh, naked, but very buff. So Wow. I don't know if you Ooh. can bring it up, but uh, that is that is what I look like, or at least my body anyway. It's an actric body depiction. Thank you, Majin. Let's see this. I'll be the judge. Okay. Oh, wow. Sitch. You've been working <laughs> out. True. What's up with this duck? <laughs> You're mad that the duck's in the way? No, I just, you have a duck in your bath? I thought you were anti-duck. You don't? You don't have a little rubber ducky to keep your company in the, the bathtub? Of course I do. Oh, okay. I'm an American. There you go. That okay. contrast says, oh my God, my four-year-old is groping the babysitter now. Look what you've done, Adam. No way. Oh my God. Don't blame us. What happened? Call in your mom. Call in your mom for, for $10. Says, last chance for sis to pronounce my name right. <laughs> have I not said your name right? Call in your mom. I'm assuming that's uh, how to say it. Or I may have to shop around for another free will guy. I appreciate Brown Wu's a guest. If she can address systemic issues without toxic id poll, I'm interested. There you go. I don't know if did we ever. I feel like we didn't really get a nailed down definition of what systemic like sexism or systemic racism is. No, I don't think I would be. I don't think I could articulate the position. Right. Look, I uh, worry about people articulating my position correctly. Sure. Sure. Uh, what's your first thoughts for $16? 16 Canadian. Thank you. Says, I think Adam is right. A lot of people on the right have. A lot of people on the right has, in a sense, have moved in more progressive ways of thinking. But when you push too hard, too fast on subjects that some may label as seditious or immoral to society, it could have a worse effect to any movement they are trying to bring a meaningful change. Yeah, I agree completely, 100%. Plus, if they were won over by the argument that, you know, gay marriage is not going to make society fall apart, and then all of a sudden you've got all of this transgender stuff with kids, it kind of looks like that argument was wrong. Yes. Yes. Um, I saw the April tweet up. I can take it down. You don't want to see my naked body? I already brought it up. Oh, okay. Nice. You want it again? Here. No, it's Do fine. I have to have it on the rest of the show? Go you ahead. You have to have it now. I can't. On, sometimes on the live thing, the video freezes and I can't see what's actually happening. And if I hit refresh, I'll lose. I'm afraid of losing super chats. Uh, Mitch for five. Aussie Buck says Greed Island was the worst arc. Wow. It was just them training. Uh, P.S. Hasaka is a pedophile, right? <laughs> P.S.S. Did the Chimera ant biology rules make any sense? So. The thing I liked about Greed Island was because I'm a big nerd and I like card games and basically it was just a complicated nerdy card game rule system that seemed very fun and interesting to me. And I would love to play that game if it was real and that's why I liked Greed Island arc the best. Um, is Hisaka pedophile? I mean, definitely that was sort of the... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if he's like actually sexually interested in anything but they definitely intentionally gave him the creepy pedophile vibes. To, to come off that way so that's not uh, such a cultural taboo in japan it's kind of weird 
Well, he yes, that is true. But to be clear, Hisaka is the villain. He is a villain character, so it's not like uh, oh, okay. Well, you're supposed to lionize the fact that he's maybe a pedo or something. There's like a tr- go ahead. He is a psychopathic murderer. So there is a trope in anime that I see a lot. That's like the old man lusting after the fourteen-year-old. It's like what? yes, true, true. Yeah. Oh, the lecherous old man. Right. Though, obviously, in Hunter Hunter, I don't know how old they were, but like Goon and Killua are like, and they're not even, you know, they're like, what, 10 or 9 or something? Like at the time of that, of Greed Island? I don't know. They're pretty young. So, uh, did the Chimera Ant biology rules make any sense? Um, I mean, like, like they made sense in terms of how they were laid out in the story. Uh, they don't make sense in the real world, right? Like an like an ant that will consume an animal and then gain some genetic trait of the animal. I don't know how that would actually work. Like, like if an ant like ate a scorpion, how would it like gain the scorpion tail genetically? Like, I'm pretty sure it's not like genes don't work so cleanly like that. So it doesn't make sense in the real world, but it makes sense in terms of like you know fantasy logic, I guess. So. And it's fun, and that's all that matters. Hmm. Alex Stewart for $20 says I'll point out to Brianna that in both the arts and tech field the far more experienced people have always told me that the most talented people I think I read this one will rarely ever make the most money or at worst may never be recognized yeah uh, Blind Escape Corner for six months says oh no I'm late everyone get your bingo cards are we going to get a full blackout from Porsche 911 and I grew up with conservatives <laughs> we got that yes uh, one Horse sized duck for six months. Thank you so much, one horse sized duck, for sticking with us for six months. Says, the time has come. Sitch, by your own rules, I believe I'm owned a wrench. Owed a wrench. I put in my time and a time for Sitch to give me what rightfully belongs to me. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? You don't give yeah. everyone a six months member a wrench. You're crazy. Get out of here. No. We used to have a rule that someone that would give over $100 would get a wrench, but. That rule has disappeared now. That rule so. has expired. Yes. Inflation. Was... Now it's a thousand dollars. There you go. There you go. Inflation has kicked in. Wow. Inflation's out of control. I know. Listen, don't blame me. Blame Washington. Yeah. Blame Biden. Blame Biden. Okay. For not getting for not giving you a wrench. Arnaud Reserve was here for five dollars. Says the right conflates systemic and over racism because the left says people of color can't be racist. That's a good point. That's part of it. That's not the whole thing, but it's definitely part of it. Yeah. Sad. Kristen Baller for five dollars says, "Ask her if she thinks it's convenient that the answer is just misogyny." <laughs> I should have said that. It's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I don't think I don't think saying something is convenient is a is a um, is a persuasive counter. So, because yeah, the fact that it's just misogyny would be a convenient answer to the question too. Definitely plays into the worldview. A libertarian Sasquatch for two for two dollars says, "Is it bias against women or just the law of averages?" Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think there's a little bit of both there, but I think it's the difference. I think in our worldview is that I think, and Adam thinks that you know we think mostly law of averages at play with a little bit of sexism, and I think Brianna thinks it's. Mostly sexism with a little bit of the laws of average. So. Right. The problem comes into play, though, 
because if it's if it's if we're correct, then the solutions are completely different than if she's correct. Yes, right. And that's why, yes, that's why I said, you know, I would need something, you know, what I need something specific that shows that the sexism is to blame here because you can't just look at the outcome because that's why I brought up the prison example. So I don't, I don't think our judicial system is anti, is systemically anti-male and that's why there's so many more males in prison for violent crimes. We should just think up some crimes that we can pin on women and get those numbers up. So there you go. You, like arrest them for jaywalking or, you know, if they don't commit violent crime, you know, over shopping. Right. Yeah. Right. Two years. Right. And also, I mean, so I, I asked, I mean, and again, I'm not in the, the industry, so I can't comment on it, but um, to me, it is a little strange that, you know, doctors and lawyers and all these other fields are able to basically over the last 40 years have been able to sort of, you know, overcome a lot of these gender gaps, but for some reason, you know, programming and the gaming industry doesn't supposedly can't do it. I just, it seems very strange to me. Well, it could be because those industries are predominantly younger people in their twenties and maybe they should be, they should be more uh, pro lefty than not. They shouldn't be, they should be less sexist if they're younger, not more sexist. You sure? Of course. What do you mean? I don't, I mean, I don't know. If you were to pull attitudes, if you, if you had attitudes of, of men and how sexist they were, the younger they are on average, the less sexist they would probably be by today's standards. I feel like it's the opposite, but that's just, I think you're, I completely disagree with you. Really? You don't yeah. think guys in their twenties are more sexist than guys in their thirties and forties? No. I think it's yeah. I think it's less. I think they're hornier and they're, they want to fuck more, but I don't mm -hmm. think that means they're going to be sexist. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. Um. Just you, my... you, like a law firm is a much different environment than because you think of in a law firm people are probably in their thirties. Right. Well, I mean, you know, she's saying that you know it's a different work environment in these spaces and I, I mean that's true to some degree um but i don't think maybe that explains some else some amount of it i don't think that explains like to me it'd be hard to explain like the the most of it the big I, element of it so when she brought up the game developer meeting and i mean i got to admit instantly i felt like oh yeah i'm a little sexist here because i was I was like, can you imagine the woman? Look, it's mostly guys. We've got all our characters. We got our Tifas. We, <laughs> we got our Tifas. We got our Laura Crofts. You know, we're attached to these characters for reasons. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the women come in, to, you know, yeah. to better, to round out the characters a bit, yeah. you know? All of us, I, that meeting is not going to go well. Well, it depends. Like, as I said, it depends how it's done, right? Depends what rounding out the character means. So <laughs> I, I, I think that's why, you know, I said in the beginning of the conversation, and I think this is, I think this is the real key here, mm -hmm. okay? Um, is that, and she agrees, men and women socialize with each other very differently. Right. And so there's been this attitude that, in order to bump up the numbers of women in fields, men 
have to start to socialize more like women. And as opposed to saying women have to socialize more like men. And that's sort of the eternal question is like, well, who has to who has to play the other gender social game more? Right. And I think that's the real thing that's going on here. No, I totally agree. This is why I brought up AOC and politics, because it used right. to be in order for women to even enter politics, they had to play the man's game. Right. But it's kind of, that's kind of changed a bit. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, I, I vehemently disagree with the idea that AOC's level of hatred has anything to do with the fact that she's a woman. I think the type of hatred she gets in terms of like, obviously people sexualize her because she's attractive and she's a woman. I mean, that the type of hate she get definitely is because she's a woman. But if she was a guy and had all the same positions and was doing all the same stuff, I think AOC would be getting just, I think Aaron, you know, Cortez would be getting just as much, you know, hatred. Yeah, I think so too. She's getting right now. So, so, um, Bruno Zero was here for $2, says affirmative action is systemically racist slash sexist. I mean, that is true. true definitely. Uh, Armageddon for $2 says maybe men just have better creative idea. A rat named Mouse for $2 says girls do play video games. They just play the wrong ones. Well, that don't they play? I think they do play substantially different games. They do, yeah. I couldn't find that statistic that she was referring to for Call of Duty. Um, but I said that on stream. I would think Sims is probably played predominantly by women. I don't know if it's predominantly. I know women women play things like The Sims and play some of those resource management uh farm you know, the farming one a lot too. Mm. Um <laughs> But a lot of guys do play those games. It's just that, like, it'll be more 50-50 split along those things. You know, women obviously play a lot more visual novels than men, I think. Uh, guys play a lot more FPSs and a lot more war uh, RTSs and things of that nature. So Yeah. Just different interests. Yeah. I mean, and part of the issue, too, is, like, it, it's literally been very recently. Like, it's literally, you know, maybe I should brought some of the conversation. It was only like 10 years ago that it's like started to become acceptable for, for girls to play video games. And that wasn't, and I, I should, actually, I should have brought something in the conversation and think about it till just now. It was literally only acceptable for girls to play video games like 10 years ago. And that had nothing to do with sexism. It was because playing video games was still like a nerdy thing to do, you know, until like 10 or 12 years ago. And right. now it's like everyone plays video games and it's just accepted. But like when I was, you know, in middle school and elementary school and then high school, you know, playing video games and watching anime was like, you're a big nerd if you did these things. Unpopular type nerd. Yes, you were an unpopular type nerd. To, there'd always be a couple girls that would be sprinkled in these communities. But generally playing video games... Playing video games like was, was like it depended on what game you were playing it had some levels of social acceptability, but you know playing video games and and liking Pokemon and watching anime like these were like oh my god that was like the surefire way to like get a girl not to be interested in you. Yeah, you're risking your popularity. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So your reputation is on the line. It's only recently that that's all changed, and basically there's just this widespread acceptance of anime and video games and all the nerd shit so it's great 
It is great. It's a good change. I agree. Games are fun. Gorosero says, you still are such. Thank you, Goro. But if I... I mean, if I caught you playing Sims, I would be suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) I've never played um, The Sims, actually. So there you go. I would be... I'd be like, hmm... You're playing Sims, really? You think I'm? You think I'd be gay because I was playing The Sims? No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with. It. Yeah, okay. Look there's nothing this. wrong with you being gay and playing Sims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sammy G for ten dollars says my game developer friends keep their camera off during coworker meetings. They turn the camera on when the boss is in the meeting. Lol. <laughs> uh, they are pretty Brazilian sisters, by the way. Uh, but they're hella smarts. Well, there you go. That's hilarious. Look, they're t- they're totally playing the game. Right. Do they get special outfits when they know that they're going to be meeting with the boss? <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, 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 if they're turning their camera on, obviously. Of course, yeah. Um, I think so much of the the, the thing here, and this is part of the, the part that makes the conversation very difficult, um, is that. I think a lot of it does go down to evolutionary mate selection where men are still like from an evolutionary perspective, you know, have kind of the pressure of like, you know, being uh, valued for uh, resource accruement where women are not necessarily valued for resource accruement. Right. That makes you try that much harder. Well, I just, I think it, it creates different strategies. So for example, like, you know, feminists would be upset that a woman would, you know, be attractive and use her attraction, her looks essentially to move up, you know, in a job, right? Um, but then would if a they? guy is, of course they would be. Because they say that a woman shouldn't have to do that, right? She's being sexually objectified. But on the same token, it's like, well, wait a minute. She has access to something a man would never have access to. A man would totally that, do that if he had access to it. Yeah, like if the boss was like, you know, a woman, right? And or a gay man, maybe well, maybe, depending on how much you want to deal with that, if you're not gay, um, you know, would definitely do something to that effect if they had access to it. But they don't. So maybe they use their, you know, they use other avenues essentially to gain success. Though broaderly society and men themselves would be very upset if a woman is using her looks to get ahead. And that's generally something that they will criticize as well. It's not like was, that's acceptable to do. By wasn't any. this part of the Gamergate story though? Didn't the girl have sex with people to get that was the reviews or something? That was the claim. That was okay. The claim. Yeah, I don't know if that was unsubstantiated claim. I there I I don't know. I don't really care if that ever was validated or not. So because to me the whole Zoe Quinn situation was so irrelevant to the broader thing about Gamergate that doesn't really matter but that was the claim that she slept around to get positive reviews for this game that she made so wow uh brick knows for two says with all the adult sex mods adam would like sims 4 well there you go maybe i, I mean i'll check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah what if your little sims can get naked to have sex does that change your opinion yeah it seems boring to be honest with you i like first person shooters Look, and I, why doesn't Carmageddon have pedestrians and multiplayer? I have an idea for a game. Yeah. <laughs> pedestrians and multiplayer of Carmageddon. There you go. Look, it'd be the most popular game ever made. You want a mode, a racing game mode where instead of trying to win the race, it's whoever can kill the most pedestrians wins. 
I want a game where Sitch and I can do a head-on collision with like five pedestrians right between us. <laughs> Look, you're laughing. There you go. You know it would be cool. True. Uh, let's see. Alex Karras for five dollars says exactly what is quote the system. In my mind, it seems like humanity and biology are blanketed with the quote system, typically to avoid or pass responsibility. Yeah, I agree. That definitely happens. Uh, Mystery Guest Zero One for nine months says, "Is this is Brianna outraged about not having a fifty-fifty split in garbage collection?" I missed that one. I of course not. Uh, Stug for five dollars says, "AOC being a crazy socials asshole and getting crap for it proves there is sexism in the gaming industry." <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a strange pivot. I thought that was an interesting pivot, but. I think it might be J Mac's birthday today, so happy birthday! Is it really? J-Mac. Well, happy is that true? Why do you think that? He tweeted, "Happy birthday to me!" Isn't he a Gemini? Oh, he too? did. I didn't see the tweet. Happy birthday, if that's the case, J Mac, yeah. our surrogate father. If it is indeed your birthday, happy birthday! Yeah, to our surrogate father. Live long and prosper. Yes, J Mac, the father of us all. Uh, uh, let's see. God joke for ten dollars says Brianna literally said that she doesn't care what reasons the ventures have not investing ideas of female developers. She only cares that females get investment. Intent doesn't matter. Only outcome. Yeah, that's the and that's why I brought up to her. That's the danger of this sort of only looking at the outcomes isn't going to really tell you anything valuable, in my opinion, about what's going on here. So I'm we, gonna... we kind of. We have time because obviously we some million things we all want to talk about. Because I was going to bring up the whole school suspension thing. To me, that's such a good example of the failure of, of systemic racism. Was they essentially said, you know, black students are being suspended at higher rates than white students, and so what did they do? They just like basically stopped the ability for teachers to suspend children, and it only made the situation a thousand times worse, not better. So, I think I'm going to try to see Spider Verse on Friday. Oh, nice. You haven't seen it, right? I haven't seen it yet. But you but want to see it, right? Yeah. People are talking like it might be woke. I don't know. You know, that's like a common claim these days. Hmm. Well, I know there's like this weird controversy where certain people are claiming that Gwen Stacy's character is trans, is either mm-hmm. either is trans or is a metaphor for transitioning. So, right. Yeah. Um, I'm highly skeptical of that being the case. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it and check it out. I definitely want to watch it. You're voting for Cornell West now that he's in the presidential <laughs> race, right? Why are you laughing? You racist? Uh-huh. So you're not going to vote for Cornell West? Yeah, that's so weird. That's so weird. Why? <laughs> what's the point of him doing that? He's going to just he's going to try to pull Biden to the left, I guess. I did. I did come to an interesting revelation listening to Cornell West. I can't remember what show he was on. I think maybe Kim Iverson. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know everything that's going to come out of this guy's mouth. Everything yeah. he says is like, it's, I've seen this story before. I've seen the sequel. <laughs> right. Like it, I've seen the reboot. This is just, I mean, it's boring. Well, this and, is the year of remakes and reboots. So, Well, and this, this is the revelation that I came to. Trump will come up with these ideas that, just are really never even 
you know, you've never heard in policy prescriptions, like the whole idea of buying Greenland. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, it's that, that's a thing we can do? <laughs> I had no idea, right? And this is one of the reasons why the the drill baby drill when he did his town hall was so out of place because it's like, you know, this is your boring ass policy prescription from like 30 years ago. It's like, right, right, right. You're Trump. What? Come on. You've got, mm -hmm. he always has these ideas. Didn't he come up with an idea for like a homeless city or something or building a new city with affordable housing and shit? I was like, I wow, remember. this is kind of a crazy idea. Hmm. But it seems reasonable. Yeah. is I always feel like Trump has these policy prescriptions that are completely original. And that creates some sort of interest because it's something that we just haven't heard a million times before. And contrasting to Cornell West, I mean, let's, he's got no I new know. ideas. Yeah. I know. Did you, um, did you see the big news about the aliens? I did see something about it. I saw Michael Shermer arguing on Twitter that aliens aren't real or something. And Elon Musk said, I haven't seen no evidence of aliens. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. There's a guy whose literal job it was, was to be the liaison between Congress and whatever department of the Navy is supposed to investigate UFOs. Okay, that's interesting. And he's he did this job, I think, for two years. And he's come out now as a whistleblower to Congress claiming that the government is hiding information about finding extraterrestrial crafts and that they're hiding this information from Congress. Who is hiding it? The the military. C CIA? The Navy. Oh, okay. The military or whoever. The military so, is hiding it. The thing now, I don't know. It seemed like from the articles, it didn't seem like he firsthand witnessed any of these things, but he's saying that he's heard or seen reports of these things existing. And I think the thing that's making this story interesting, because um, I'm very skeptical about the, the government having UFOs or aliens or any of that shit. Um, but the thing that makes it interesting is that, that supposedly this was his job, was to be the liaison to do this. And I think that's why this kind of makes this claim an interesting one, hmm. um, whether it will show anything uh whether it was was whether it will result in anything or not is another question but it's kind of a fascinating development in the ufo sphere well the navy's the navy pilots were the ones that pressured them to release all the footage that they had because they felt their lives were in danger like these things were tailing them in ways that were unpredictable right yeah right so, and they have some of that footage. I mean, I think we looked at it on the show before. I mean, it's it's crazy footage. It looks like something is following them and moving independently as it's like going in one direction through the air. It just seems physically impossible. Yeah, but isn't that footage like, um, it, it, the footage is, it's like, isn't it radar footage? You're not really seeing like the visual image of what it really looks like. No, it's footage from the aircraft. Oh, that's right, right, right. But they People also were have it was like a visual distortion or not. Right. Yeah. But the the reason why I don't think it is a visual distortion is they also have it on radar on the aircraft carrier. So they have two independent sources verifying this object. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That would seem to contradict that. Yeah. So, yeah. No. I mean, listen. I'm excited. We'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. 
Maybe they're just observation decks for the people outside the simulation. Maybe we are in a simulation. Okay, Scott. And the people who go, the people who want to watch the simulation people go to these observation decks. Mm. And that's what we're perceiving. Landendorf is saying that that footage was debunked. So. Oh, it was? I don't know. I don't, I don't follow the UFO stuff enough. Debunked to really by care. what? The know. Navy released it. Uh, let's see. I mean, they could be releasing it just to fuck with the Russians and the Chinese, just to be like, look. Aliens. Yeah. Stark for $5 says, Brianna believes that if a woman had Bernie Sanders policies and Bernie Sanders charisma, but was a man, that she would be president one day. That's funny. That's a good point. A good point, Stug. But that was Bernie Sanders. No, because we said we thought AOC is going to run for president, and uh, Brianna said that if AOC was a man, she thinks he could, she could be president. She slash he could be president. And then Stug is saying Bernie Sanders is is male AOC, and he didn't, he didn't right you know, win yeah. this election. So. AOC has a much better chance than Bernie Sanders ever did. Right. We. I mean. I agree with that. <laughs> AOC may be the first woman president. I think that's yeah. within the realm of possibility. It's possible, but again, I, I do think there's going to be a big woke backlash long before she gets to the age of running for president. So, oh, will definitely hurt her. They're um, going to pull the woke the woke carpet right out from under. I think they will. She's going to have a lot to apologize for. Yep. She's terrible. Uh, Libertarian Sasquatch for five dollars says criticism of someone isn't inherently sexist. It seems like you're contributing motives to people you don't like the criticism of. True. Uh, Magor for four months says, Sitch, happy 37th unique guest this year. Adam, happy 55th stream this year. Hopefully I don't mix those numbers up with something else. Well, thank you, Magor. Oh, okay. Is that true? Is this our 55th stream this year? No, I think he's pointing out our ages. Oh, I'm not 37. Yeah, I'm not 55 either. So. Oh, okay. But good guess, I guess. Yeah, good guess. <laughs> You're in the ballpark. Uh, God's joke for five dollars says people hate AOC because she's a socialist, not because she's a woman. If she was a man, she would be discount Hassan. True, true. Discount Hassan. Isn't yeah, Hassan discount Hassan? I should have brought up Hassan. I mean, Hassan gets so much hate, and he's a man. So I just, I think that Brianna has a tendency, unfortunately, to assume sexism first until proven otherwise and we have a filter of assuming not sexism until proven to be sexist so. which one's a better filter i feel like I the mean, not sexism is safer i don't like to wrongly yeah. accuse people of things yeah i agree and i think we're more i think we're more right than we're wrong so uh jason angel fire for ten dollars says the fundamental difference in all man office, that AC is going to be blasting. An all woman office will be hotter than the depths of hell. True. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. But the question wasn't there is something why? that I think I thought there was something that showed that men and women internal body temperature is off by like half a degree or something on average. Oh really? There's something about that. Yeah. There's some re some biological reason for it. Um. Men like the AC. Yeah, I think men's bodies run slightly hotter than women's. 
Uh, I know what? women re regulate their temperature better than men do. That's interesting. They should be better than the. Like maybe they're better at regulating when it's hot. When it's cold. Uh, WTF one a one a for five dollars says for all. How do you square away this definition? Quote wokeism is just Maoism with American characteristics. Also, why no push for women in plumbing? <laughs> um. I'll be honest, I don't know enough about Maoism to comment on that. I've heard James, I mean, that's James Lindsay's position, I think, that you're relating. Uh, and when he explains it, he sounds right, but I don't, haven't done any independent looking into Maoism enough to confirm that, so. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Uh, Armagad for $2 says, ask her her thoughts on Comicsgate. <laughs> oh, I, I saw that, but like... I didn't, I should have asked. I knew that was going to be like a whole thing. So, um, let's see. Did I read this one? Well, she was a good and sport I, about talking about everything. She did, yeah. Even you, you opened up with moon rocks right out of the gate. Because it seemed ridiculous to me. <laughs> it, it literally seemed ridiculous. <laughs> it seemed like uh -huh. people are just mischaracterizing her position. So, and her position doesn't even seem that outlandish. After she explained it, I thought, oh, yeah, that is actually possible. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if the science was that, like, people were saying that to drop rocks on a, like, on a city would, you know, there would be no benefit of doing that from the moon versus just, like, shooting a missile or a nuke at them. I think maybe that was part of the issue. Mm -hmm. So, but I don't remember exactly what the, but to, the it, whole controversy was. You get this image in your head of, like, you're on the moon. And some rocks fall out of your pocket, and all of a sudden, no. no, no, it was definitely the rocks like, are falling to the earth. Right, it, it was definitely. Um, she was definitely talking about people using it intentionally. That people were were saying they're mocking at, saying that's ridiculous. So, if we were on the moon, I bet I could throw a rock and hit the earth. I don't think that's remotely true. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's the gravity's so low. It's not that low, okay? It's low. It's not so low that I think you could by hand throw a rock and break atmosphere. I could you be wrong, know, but I don't think it's that low. First of all, there is no atmosphere on the moon, so you don't have well, to okay, break I'm atmosphere. Well, okay, I'm sorry. Break the gravity of the, the You'd moon. have to break the gravitational yes. pull. Because isn't but the gravity only look, like one-sixth weaker on the moon? You have no idea. You isn't could the, throw that rock so no. far up. I thought that gravity is something like um, like a sixth weaker. Oh, it's 17. Oh, no. So, let's see. You experience only 17%. Oh, okay. That's, that's more than six. Than one six. You only experience 17% of the force of gravity that you would on Earth. Yeah. I don't think you can break orbit with a, with a rock. You don't think so? Can a human throw a rock off the moon? Oh, if you sh What if you shot up in the air? What if I shot a gun in the air? Uh, well... I don't know. There's there's no air, so would that affect the the bullet? <laughs> Everyone's making fun of me in the chat. Chitachi, uh, Adam did not do well in physics. No human is strong enough to throw anything from the moon and escape the moon's gravity. Gravity. There you go. The moon's surface has one sixth the gravity. Oh, I had it backwards. Okay, the moon's surface is one sixth the gravity of the Earth, so you'd be able to throw it a few times higher than the Earth, but that's it. So no, you can't break. No one's strong enough to break the. Uh, Wouldn't moon's... you be able to throw it six times higher? You would, presumably, yeah. But six times higher is not breaking. You know, but it's still coming down. 
Damn it. Damn it. No, sorry, Adam. You can't you can't go on the moon and just lob rocks at cities and just blow them up. Oh, okay? uh, that'd be so incredible. It would be. It would be. Uh, Libertarian Sasquatch for two dollars says, "Devil you know is better than the devil you don't." There you go. Uh, blatantly, Satan for five dollars says, "What most feminists don't realize is that this is all a Second Amendment issue. We should all be able to defend ourselves in the workplace by any means necessary." Wow. That's a kind of a crazy position there. Uh, Bra moment for some months says, ask her if there's a transgenocide happening. If she brings up rhetoric or bills, how does that not relate to the sentiment for white people on the left? Yeah, I saw it. I didn't want to go into the whole, you already had so much on our plate. I didn't want to go into the whole transgenocide conversation, but maybe we'll bring up next time. I think she's against women, transgender women in sports, but we never talked about it. I think she said that last time, if I recall correctly. Right. Um, I know she's against the whole blank slate thing. I know she's against the whole uh, anyone's. I, I think she's against self ident self ID, or strictly. Yeah, it sounded like she was. Yeah. So. Um, one second. Uh, where is I? Her and Anna can do the show together on the Daily Wire. There you go. Uh, Renora is here for $2 says give boys their male spaces back like Boy Scouts. Well, unless they changed it, uh, Boy Scouts is still male-only space. So the issue was um, Cub Scouts could could be mixed gender. I don't believe Boy Scouts could be mixed gender unless they've changed it recently. It's kind of off-brand. Well, Boy Scouts is kind of like dying. So they're kind of trying to open up uh, to save themselves. It's actually funny. Boy Scouts is run so much stupider than Girl Scouts. Uh, Girl Scouts, the people that run Girl Scouts are very intelligent because they diversified and they bought a bunch of land and, you know, they have a bunch of investment and a bunch of other things. The Boy Scouts never did that. So That's yeah. hilarious. They own a bunch yeah. of Apple stock. They have Apple and Tesla. <laughs> well, no, not like that. Much like... <laughs> So like when you're in Boy Scouts, you know, you go to all these campsites and campgrounds and very often those campsites and campgrounds are owned by the Girl Scouts of America <laughs> because they, they had, whoever was running it had the wise idea like, Hey, we're going to all these, you know, camping locations. We should just buy them. <laughs> That's hilarious. I guess the Boy Scouts didn't think to do that. So. They're like charging the Boy Scouts rent. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, you, you got to pay to go use all the resources there. So, so evil. Um, and also, I mean, I'm sure Girl Scouts makes a shit ton of money from their cookie sales too. So. Oh yeah, Boy Scouts don't do any of that shit. No, not I mean, nothing on the scale of there's you know some things there's some equivalents, but nothing. Girl like Scout equivalent. cookies are a cultural meme. They are, yeah, that's true. Boy Scouts got nothing. No, no one cares about Boy Scout lasagna sales or Boy Scouts selling Christmas wreaths. Those are the things that they sold when I was. Did they Scouts. really? Yeah. Lasagna? Yeah, they couldn't even sell pizza? Everyone loves pizza. They gotta sell lasagna. Lasagna, yeah. You can't and even eat I, it with your hands. And I don't even like lasagna, so I was like, mm, oh. not a fan of this. But uh Okay. Selling anything that comes with a fork is not really a good not really a good business. Oh no, plan, so the guys. lasagna thing, it wasn't so lasagna, it was kinda like you would go 
it was to, it was usually it was to support the local troop like you would go to the location and have a lasagna dinner to support boy scouts right but right if who wants to do that it's easier to just buy a box of cookies you're gonna eat in your house in your underwear yeah so stand out in front of the grocery store you make a thousand dollars yeah it it's not boy scouts needed some equivalent in my opinion to the cookies i don't i don't think they ever they ever got there I think the Boy Scouts did sell caramel corn. I think my troop did. They sold caramel caramel popcorn. So sweet. Um, okay, let's see. Frito Oot Intelligium for five dollars says, "Hey, Sitchin Adam, been working on your JoJo stands, and I'm making sure you're both extra flamboyant just for you too." <laughs> Great. That's what I like. like. I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Um, oh my god, for two dollars says Zoe Quinn lied. True, and oh my god, for another two dollars says Zoe Quinn bullied a man to death. Yeah, she made um, I don't know if you know the story. Zoe Quinn made an allegation against someone. Uh, I don't remember if it was sexual abuse. She made some kind of abuse allegation towards someone, and they ended up they they ended up getting fired from whatever development project they were on, and they killed themselves shortly after. Yeah, that's a sad story. So. Yeah, it's pretty despicable. So she's Zoe Quinn's a pretty terrible fucking person. But. Didn't she talk with Anna Kasparian? I don't know. Anna Anita Anita Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian, yeah, there we go. Anita Sarkeesian uh, yeah. in front of Congress. The UN. Oh, it was the UN? Yeah. About bullying they... online, right? Yeah, I don't know if they did for Congress. I know they did for UN. But... Anita Sarkeesian and Anna Kasparian are kind of similar names. They are. That's true. They definitely are. Kasparian, Sarkeesian, Kasparian, Sarkeesian, Anita, Anna. Hmm. Um, I don't know anything about that. Evidently, uh -huh. Shu was involved in Gamergate, though. Just yeah, shoot. Tweets Shame that are still alive and on the internet from Gamergate. Dude, I can't believe you were involved with the heinous act, Gamergate. To be ashamed of yourself. I hope she, you apologize. She has a tweet here from August 28th, 2014, that says Maybe Anita was getting jealous of all the attention Zoe was getting. Hmm. Hmm. Out here. Okay. She has another tweet here from what is it? What's the date on this? I tweet? liked her little picture. That was pretty good. This is September fourth, mm -hmm. twenty fourteen. She says, "I drew a summary of the past few days: <laughs> Gamergate, Not Your Shield, Oppression Olympics, ment mental gymnastics, Mup." Daddy Diddy? I don't know what that is. And uh, the tweet is, you, you're you all cis white male 4chan neckbeard misogynist trolls. La la la. I can't hear you blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Figuresive. Yeah. I mean, um, that's she basically saying what I said in my video. That was my impression of, of Gamergate too. And that's right. that's what was getting everyone 
I mean, and I think I, mean, I don't think we'll ever have, a, you know, a complete understanding with with Brianna about this. But that was to me that's what got so many people upset was that feeling about Gamergate being that way. Well, I, I understand her position because if you perceive the world as people are just sexist pieces of shit and you're basically calling them sexist pieces of shit and then they just they get mad about that and and lash out and you know do terrible things to you that's going to suck obviously right and you're not going to perceive that you've done anything wrong you're going to be like what what i didn't do anything wrong <laughs> Look, I just called you sexist, misogynist pieces of shit. What? You are sexist, misogynist <laughs> pieces of shit. That's accurate. Right. You right. fuck nut. And people are just going to get angrier and angrier and angrier. They're going to be like, no, we're not. Yes, you are. No. Mm -hmm. And that spiral is just going to continue to make everybody very angry. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, that's what... To me, that's, you know, she said I didn't, you know, she thought it was dishonest to me to not focus on the abuse. And to me, it's like that wasn't, you know, obviously abuse was happening to some people, but that wasn't what it was ever about. It was never about that. It was about this. People didn't like being called sexist. They don't like being attacked on the basis of their identity. But they are sexist, Sitch. Well, oh, okay. just work. Everything's sexist, everything's racist, and you just got to call it all out. Yeah, well, that's why I brought up immediately that that was... And I think I think Anita said that at... I don't remember if she said that at UN or something. She said that it's some, some big forum. So it's not like that was just some... No, she did know, some video. She, did she said some, it multiple times. Right. She said it multiple times. Right. But, I mean, that's, a, that's you know, that was one of her most famous things that she ever said. And it really showed that she was coming up coming at this from an anti-liberal critical perspective so you know. yeah you know okay uh libertarian task watch for Twitter says <laughs> you want me to ask brianna what happened to the kickstarter money <laughs> i wasn't gonna open that bag of worms what there was kickstarter money involved there was some accusation of you know i don't know if it was for brianna or for zoe and it was zoe there was some accusation of um zoe quinn had some game that she was supposed to make and she raised a shit ton of money to do it and that just quietly she, never made the game ever she never made it yeah so hmm. <laughs> break nose for 20 dollars says uh you you lied to president sunday about reading 20 dollars super chats during guests <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but no so it's just with President Sunday, I guess, I don't know if it was just because they were a lot more like, we didn't really have any, I didn't really know what we were going to talk about. And there's probably less to talk about. So we were more like paying attention to the Super Chats as they came in. And literally we President Brianna. Sunday started looking shit up on the internet. I was just trying to fill time. Right. Right. And also once he pointed out that it was bothering him, I feel like we kind of made <laughs> yeah, we, a bit more. So. We did play it up a bit more after yeah. that. <laughs> So yeah, you always gotta be careful. That's hilarious, uh, though. But thank you, Bricknose. You were very generous this stream. But I'm glad we I we didn't, I didn't get to ask all of them, but I asked I think like 95 percent of the questions directed towards her that we got in. She was a good sport. I even asked her ahead of time about talking about Gamergate. She 
and I mean, I feel like she look. She watched Sitch's video ahead of time. How cool was that? You you send it there. You're like respond to this. Look that. She literally said that your video is completely dishonest. That's <laughs> fucking internet gold. I know. And, and I your re your response, you oh well, thank you. <laughs> that yeah. was fucking beautiful, man. That's what people wanted. I just give people what they want, Sitch. Uh huh. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Look, if she didn't watch the video, she wouldn't she wouldn't have known about it. She true. She, I mean, your My video, 1. With 1 million what? Views video, yes. <laughs> she yeah. brought that up. That was amazing. <laughs> Look, I think she was a great sport. I think her was, feedback yeah. on the video was great. I mm -hmm. think the the disagreement was great. Shu turning up in the chat and questioning the timeline was great. Yep. I mean, this is fucking epic YouTube. Yep. True. True. Yeah. I didn't get triggered. Did good. You did great. Yep. Yeah, and you knew you know the backstory better than anyone. That's why people want to hear you respond. They want to hear what Sitch has well, to no, say. Well, no, I mean, about there's people it. that know the specific, like every little detail, like way better than I do. Um, I just, to me, all those little details, it's kind of irrelevant because to me, what's important about Gamergate is just the overall. It was really the beginning of kind of. People re and this was here's a question we didn't get to, which I really want to ask, um, which I wrote down we didn't get to, which was I want to ask her, does she think that the left has changed at all politically uh, since 2014, 2016? Because to me, I, I feel like we do get these games sometimes when you're talking to someone on the left, but they kind of act like nothing has really changed with the left. And I mean, we all know that that's not true. We all sense that there was a big shift in the left in 2014, 2016 time period. So, and that's right. really what Gamergate was about was. Like really, it was really leveraging. It was people on the left leveraging um, sexism as a way to kind of shoehorn in their identity politics into something. To me, that's really what Gamergate was all about. Leveraging atheism too. Yeah, but that the atheism plus thing was in twenty twelve, but that never really broke into the mainstream. You know the way that Gamergate did. True. Well, but it was whatever. The same thing. Keep whatever questions you have. We'll do a call with her and contrapoints, and you can ask counterpoints. Counterpoints. Why? Why is Connor? Why has Connor done that? <laughs> why you do that? Yeah. That that's a no no. He can't do that on YouTube. I know. Terrible. Um, Doctor Dealer for two dollars says, "Have you come out against murder lately?" <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, Stock for Judah says, "What year was the first bomb threat over Anita?" I don't know the answer to that question. I don't I either. Don't know the answer to that question. Uh. Hmm. Uh, Lucifer Doberman for Five Canadian says, "Why didn't Brianna make a video showing the opposite side view? She wanted Sitch to do it. Why didn't she do what she wanted others to do?" Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, uh, Am Amenthi for $10 says Gamergate is a Rorschach test. People see what they want to see. Most gamers I know and associate with it just want people who didn't know and didn't care to leave their hobby alone. True. Yeah, that's, I think that's very true. Uh, 
Sola for five dollars says Gamergate opened people's eyes up to access media, whether games or politics. BS aside, that alone made made it worth it. Yeah, I agree. That definitely kind of opened people's eyes to the fact of uh, you know, how fucked up media was. So hmm. how incestuous it was. Yes. Narcissistic. Yes. Nepotistic. Yes. Self-serving. Yep. All those things. Um, where was I? Uh, I read this one. Uh, there's some irony that Brick knows for ten dollars says. I didn't read this one. Brick knows for ten dollars says there's some irony that Brianna defended the game industry absorbing criticism from Anita, but also agreed that modern game devs are that modern games are dry and dull, not necessarily casually related, but censorship hurts art. Oh hell yeah. That's totally That's true. true. Um Soldo for five dollars says since Brianna wants to talk about harassment, why not say Alex's name? Seems like she's only looking at harassment in a singular direction. True. True. Alex is the guy that killed himself? Uh maybe. I don't know. Don't harass oh, yeah, Alec Hall, yeah, Alec Holowaka. Holowaka? I don't know how to say his last name, but yeah, that's the guy. One he, of you he was... sent her a nasty tweet and she read it. What? Oh, yeah. I wasn't, I never heard that name though before. Yeah, I wasn't familiar. If it was like Lucifer the Doberman, I'd be like, Lucifer, what are you yeah, doing? <laughs> right. He was a um that he was a composer for a game called Night in the Woods. Oh yeah, I love that game. You've never played that game? No, I've never played it. No, that he was game. a he said he was a designer for the game, not just a composer. He was a designer and a composer. So and a programmer. So there's a phone game I have called like Night of the Woods that I play whenever I'm pooping, but it's a different game. Oh, a phone game? Yeah. Night of the Full Moon. That's the game. That's the game I play on my phone. Oh, fun. Um, tweet? I, I try to spend less time on Twitter nowadays. Oh, good for you. I had some tweet that blew up, and I just <clears throat> muted notifications. I didn't respond to anything because I was just like, it when's our, exploded. When's our Freedom Tune coming out? Uh, I think he said Thursday or Friday, didn't he? I think maybe Thursday, yeah. Yeah, the uh the car the Carvanacle. You know that guy? Yeah. Carvanacle. Yeah. There's some controversy. Socialist. He's socialist. There's some controversy, I'm sure you know. The there's a preview for a Steam game about the Aztecs where you played as an Aztec and you would like kill uh Spanish conquistadors and stuff. Wow. And um there Sounds was controversy fun. because it made it seem like the description of the game and the way it looked, it made it seem like they were doing the kind of noble savage myth, like the Aztecs were some noble people that were just defending their lands from the evil Spanish conquistadors. When, you know, obviously in reality, you know, the everyone knows, everyone should know that the Aztecs were like really horrifically brutal to the surrounding tribes and that the reason the Spaniards were able to conquer them essentially was because they were able to basically have a coalition 
of other tribes against the Aztec to, you know, fuck them over. Well, didn't they, they attack them and destroy them? Didn't they? Didn't the they go in and basically kill all the Aztec leadership and take over the leadership roles? And they already had all these institutions in place that were subjugating the surrounding people. Uh, that might have eventually happened at some point. I yeah. feel like that was the setup. That might have been, um, but they. I know that they had to. They couldn't do it themselves. I know the Spain the Spaniards had to team up with surrounding tribes against the Aztec. Uh, and as people like to bring out, you know, the Aztec very famously would engage in lots and lots of human sacrifice. Yeah, that was their jam. Uh, which would very often entail ripping someone's heart out while they were alive in a very brutal fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and so people were just kind of upset that the game seemed like it was making it out like, oh, you know, these innocent noble savage you know aztecs you know they're fighting for their freedom against these evil spanish conquistadors when you know obviously now obviously once the spain you know came in it's not like they were all uh roses and sunshine you know and they didn't really they weren't doing what they were doing to liberate the turning tribes they were just doing it because of you know gold and shit um but you know people were just upset that it was this very one-sided thing so after the pushback it seemed like the aztec game uh changed its description to make it sound like that you're going to get to play as a character who can either join the side of the Aztecs fighting the invaders or join the side of some uh, native Mesoamerican fighting with the Spaniards against the Aztecs to liberate them from sac you know, being sacrificed. Mm -hmm. um, and a bunch of lefties online got very triggered by this. And they said, they, ca they caved to the Nazis. This is pro-colonialism. Oh my God, they caved to the Nazis. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm very triggered by this. Completely wow. triggered by this. That's great uh, publicity for the game. Yeah. And so um, so the Cavicle made a tweet about this, and I retweeted it with that meme, and it's got the Chad and the oh, yeah, store yeah, outfit I saw saying, it. sorry, but the human sacrifices will stop. <laughs> and uh, the tweet blew up. Some people got very mad at me. Um, so I just muted. That. I was like, "There's so many replies. I just muted the notifications." So if you reply to that, holy cow! This tweet did blow you, up. Jeez. Yeah, if you if you replied to it with something you wanted me to see, I didn't see it because it became one of those threads where there's like a million people arguing with each other back and forth, and they never untag me. So I just mute the whole thread because it's just I don't give a shit about it. But so if you tweeted me anything important the last day, I didn't see it. It got sucked into my mountain of notifications about the Aztecs. And people, there were so many people that were like, Sitch, the Spaniards weren't the, like, they didn't just bring, like, freedom to the Aztecs when they did that. I'm like, I, I know, that wasn't the point, but okay. It was just a funny meme. People people took it a little bit too um, on the nose, but okay. Did you do fine. this meme? No, no, no. How'd you, what happened here? You stole someone's meme? I stole the meme. I'm a meme thief. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a meme thief. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I was, I was looking for that specific, the meme that I posted, I was literally looking for it and I couldn't find it on Google images and I couldn't find it on Twitter. So I opened up 4chan, which I haven't done in a long time just to find this meme. Cause I'm like, I bet you it's on, it's on 4chan. When did you, when did you see this meme first? I, I saw it like, I saw it on Twitter at some point, but I couldn't find it again. Sorry, but. The human sacrifices will stop. Yes. Um, but I was like, I bet you someone on 4chan has posted this meme in relation to this news. And lo and behold, I found it. And I couldn't believe it. 
they have this new thing on 4chan. I've never seen anything like this. So, um, like on 4chan, like years ago when I still went on 4chan, they changed it. So every time you post a reply, you had to answer a, a captcha. But it used to be like, you know, click every car or click the sidewalk. You know, the ones that we're all kind of used to. Oh, yeah. Those suck. I hate those. Yeah, they, they've somehow constructed a, a, a captcha for 4chan that's literally the most difficult captcha in all of reality. I can't imagine. Like, it's like this jumbled picture and there's a little slide bar and you have to like slide the bar to line up like the, the fucking jumbles to, to say letters and numbers. And even when you like get it correctly, you can barely fucking make out what it's supposed to say. I've never seen anything like it. It's the most, it's the it's worst like a slide puzzle. It's like a slide puzzle, but even when you line it up, you can barely fucking read whatever the message is supposed to be. <laughs> that sucks. Can you imagine? Oh, you they give you like a slide puzzle of just a blue square. It's, <laughs> it's like, I, oh, I should, put you should really together. see it. I should, put, I should show you a picture. It's literally like when you're looking at it, you just see a bunch of like black lines on a white background that don't look like anything. Wow. And you're, it's like, it looks like a bunch of static and you're supposed to line up exactly properly to like show you like letters and numbers. It's just like, geez. I'm like, hey, what I is could this? probably do it in a millisecond. <laughs> you would be like a problem too. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? This is insane. There Sorry. you go. <laughs> People are saying, it's proof that I'm a robot. There you go. He found out. It's true. Uh, let's see. I can't uh, believe you see. don't know the story of the the Spanish conquistadors and the Aztecs. No, I, they talked about it in Guns, Germs, and Seal, didn't they? Or yeah. one of these fucking books. In their record, or one of these books I read. I remember them talking about it. The Spanish um, conquistadors took the... Asked them to bring all their gold to... I don't know, some hut or something to fill it up right. with gold. And then they lit the hut on fire and just melted down all their gold artifacts. It's like, what a piece of shit. Right, right. <laughs> Can you imagine that? DT says it's in Why Nations Fail. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those million books I read. So. Yes, yeah, supposedly because they didn't have any of those institutions in place in North America. This is why America is so based and badass and South America is so shitty and and sucks. Yeah, but it's the op but they're saying that the fact that they had these institutions actually ended up hurting them. Yeah. Hurting they had all these extractive institutions like slavery and right all these institutions in place that the spanish conquistadors just you know took advantage of right and the british were like hey we should do that let's go to north america and try and then they Whoops. showed up and there was no it was, was all no... decentralized with the right. native americans they were all in small tribes just fighting against one another yep yeah they didn't there's have a... huge systems of enslaving one another well, there's a very interesting theory. I don't know if it's true or not, where they think that the North American Native Americans <laughs> existed in some sort of like post-apocalyptic uh, uh, like reality where there was some massive society of Native really? Americans that eventually collapsed. Yeah. Really? Like a hundred so, years prior to the Europeans showing up or something. Really? That's fascinating. So they yeah. did have some sort of Incan Aztec society, but... It all fell apart. Supposedly. I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, who knows? 
I think they thought they were in like I'm sure someone in the chat knows. I think they thought they were in like Mississippi or something or Louisiana or something. Right. Uh, Brick knows for another five dollars says sorry Brianna, but people getting mad at accusations quote suggesting some truth is wrong. Should black people laugh at racist stereotypes if or if they're true or they're true? No. Uh, William Rex for five dollars says watching your Sunday stream quote what quote what why would you think phrenology would be used to justify racism against uh, non-whites? It's high-minded science. <laughs> there you go. Who said that? That's not uh, true. William Rex, yes. I'm assuming they're joking. Phrenology's terrible. Don't fall for it. Yep. Um. Oh, yeah. Shinto sent me the, the clip of Brianna Wu saying what she said on our stream about the January 6th thing. When I was listening to the clip, because I'm pretty sure, I don't remember if I if I caught it when she said it the first time. It's either, either. I mean, she said that she didn't mean it. Um, I think, listening back to the clip, I think she actually misspoke. I think what she meant to say was she thought January 6th was the most terrifying day topped only by 9-11. Uh, but she said it revert, like inversely. Okay. I think that's what she meant to say. So. Look at this. Good faith, Gary. Dr. Euler says it's not a conspiracy theory. It just wasn't some massive society. Oh, okay. It was a Mississippi River Valley Empire, question mark. No. Well, I guess, yeah, it didn't, I'm assuming it didn't reach the heights of like the Aztec Empire or something like that. Uh, Soldos, I didn't ask Soldos question because I knew I didn't, I purposely didn't ask this question, Soldos. Let's uh, hear Soldos it all. Answer. Says, Did Brianna, does Brianna support children voting? <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't, I'm so tired of having that conversation. <laughs> I know you are. Oh God! You're such. A, I mean, so lame. You just want to disenfranchise Americans. It's, it's so lame. I was like, if I ask that question, we can't just like do like a funny meme. Adam's gonna be like, no, wait, seriously, Brianna, listen. Here's my argument. I feel like a twenty minutes wasted on this fucking children voting shit. I, I don't know why are you so dismissive of it. <laughs> it's like so so many people, so many people. Yeah. I get so many messages from people that say, you know, I'm really coming around to your your parents voting for the kids argument. Mm -hmm. Families deserve more power. It's a way to give them more power. Okay. <laughs> Janie Cat for 11 Canadian says, Game Journalist Pro mailing list was the whole core of Gamergate. Not weird that all the news about Gamergate was aimed one way. With that kind of collusion, gender crap was just a smokescreen to conceal the journal crap. I mean, I don't think... So I, I kind of half agree. Uh, game journal pro mailing list was a big part of it because it did show that there was seeming to be a level of collusion behind the scenes about uh, fixing the narrative um, to be what it was so i agree with that um, i don't believe that the gender crap was a smokescreen i think the gender crap was important and that was sort of they were just using the the sexism gender crap to sort of shoehorn in you know their political ideology into everything to me that's why Gamergate was important because that was really the first besides atheism plus that was really like the first attempt to really do that so yep no dr Dilly sent me the article about the uh the mound people in mississippi cool been thinking about booking us some atheist people what do you think i mean if you want i'm i don't 
think we're really gonna have that much of a disagreement with most atheists but i mean i don't i'm not gonna argue in favor of god to an atheist that's like retarded but next week we have nerd at newsstand who's a controversial nice. character in the comics gate community oh i gotta watch that conversation she had with um uh, with what did she talk to organized chaos oh the organized chaos right. with dane yeah I guess Dane has a similar Mr. Girl take on pedos. So I think that's what really? triggered that's what triggered Nerd at Newsstand. Fascinating. Okay. And we have uh, on the twentieth, we have Vito. Nice. Is coming on. I don't know if you watched the thing I sent you where Vito Vito basically said that he made a bunch of mistakes on the internet and has really damaged his reputation. And a lot of it had to do with supporting Mr. Girl. And I was like, okay, I got a soft spot for this. Guy. Well, that's interesting. Wow. Okay. So a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, well, that was an interesting, I guess he was on flashcasts. Um, so that was interesting, but he's coming on. We actually set up to talk to him before the flash casting. I was a little, uh, I had some trepidation about him coming on because he's kind of a controversial character, and it seems like him and da and uh, and Dick Masterson are kind of at war with Eric July. And to be honest with you, it's a war I don't want to get involved with. So, but. On that episode of Flashcast, it seemed like they were trying to bury the hatchet with Eric July, hmm. which oh, I thought good. was a good thing. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the very next day on Twitter, it seems like the war has flared up again. So, uh, yeah. Well, we can talk about it. That'd yeah. be fine. Uh, or listen, we're not afraid to talk about anything to anyone here at the Sitch and Adam show. Okay. Yeah. Hypothetically, you know, two I sides. Mean, Look, I didn't want to have that conversation with Mr. Girl, so I, I'm a little bit of a glass house over well, here. Well, there was, yeah, there's not wanting to have a conversation with someone because you think it's going to be frustrating versus being afraid to have a conversation with somebody, right? So. Well, I just, I don't think, I don't want to have a conversation over his, like, wanting to normalize pedophilia. I don't here's think. What, here, no, here, here's what we'll do. It'll be perfect. We'll have Vito on. We'll ask him his one-sided opinion on the situation. Maybe they'll get Eric triggered enough to come on, and then he'll have to give his side of the situation. <laughs> He's not going to though. Oh, Eric, okay. Eric is not. Eric is a completely different personality. Okay. There's a little bit of a culture thing going on here too, which You're I saying think we is can't grift off this to, to to get Eric on the show. My big question for Vito is: Yeah, has this helped the sales of your comic or hurt the sales of your comic? Because my right. my gut tells me that it was a big fucking mistake, and the reason. I think that's why Dick Masterson went on Flashcast and was trying to bury the hatchet with with Eric July. Mm -hmm. Someone yeah. in the chat said he went nuts. Who did? Eric Dick. July or? Dick. Dick did go nuts, yeah. Oh, okay. What happened? Bury that. Well, Dick, first of all, Dick went nuts, but then Dick ended up apologizing. You gotta, I, I mean, I don't know if you watched the whole thing. I, I watched, whole I don't watch any of it. I watched zero of it. Okay. So they have a conflict over storytelling. Dick is going in there saying, 
you know, you're, you made mistakes in your store and he's going to try to educate him on it. Like Ethan Van Skyver had the best advice. He's like, Dick, this guy doesn't know who the fuck you are. He like how you, somebody in order for someone to take your opinion seriously, you've got to get them to, you know, respect you and everything you've done just has created ultimate disrespect. So it's like, it's going to fall on deaf ears, which is accurate, completely accurate. So even if Dick is making good points, it's not going to, it's not going to land. So mm -hmm. what's, what's the point if it's not going to land such? There is no point. Then. Yeah. Might as well just do it to your own audience. Why are you there trying to educate Eric July on your fucking opinion? Uh, Ostracy for $20 says, speaking of shoe, I'm very happy to say that all my Gamergate alt-right misogyny is entirely because shoe groomed me. True. Well, shoe did a little grooming of you too, right, Sitch? I mean. She did, yeah. I was a good lefty until shoe groomed me. Yeah. It's true. To be an evil Nazi. Um, let's see. I read that one. Read that one. Read that one. Read that one. Um, read that one. Jay Bowman for twenty dollars. Thank you, Jay. Says love the show. Keep it up. Looking at all sides of the issue. A team all the way. There you go. Uh, nice. Kotro... Thank you. A team. Woo. Kotro for five dollars says if Brianna and Connor start a such an Adam like show, I think J Mac would be interested in investing. Sure. Maybe. Uh, read that one. That one. Read 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 that one. Kotro for another five dollars says I will stand up for Pira and Mithra. There are more than just their massive boobs. It's just art JRPG storytelling, which makes it long but good storytelling. I haven't played this game, so I can't comment. Uh Jared B for ten dollars says Pyra and Mithra are better written than any character in Final Fantasy. All the busty ladies in our comic all have very fleshed out backstories and storylines and stuff. So why do you use the word fleshed out? <laughs> it seemed appropriate. Uh, Ostracy for five dollars says, as a fellow college dropout software dev, Brianna's correct about the lack of degree in a dev work. Yes, mattering. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Brianna's wrong about. About Pira, it's okay though. Many people get distracted by anime booba and miss the deeper story of her regret, pain, and desire to end it all. There you go. Yeah. Oh, can you take over? I gotta go sure. okay for a second. I mean, I'm not really, I wasn't following along. Where are we at? Doesn't matter. Let me talk a little bit about. I did notice. Let's see, I can respond to. Who's here in the chat? My Dumb Movie says, My Dumb Movies is questioning my my narrative on Dick Masterson bearing the hatchet on Flashcast. And I do, I mean, I do think Dick Masterson went in there and was kind of stirring things up in the beginning, but ultimately Dick Masterson apologized to Eric July and then... Eric, I mean, Eric seemed ambivalent more than anything. And I do feel like Dick Masterson was trying to cool cool the situation. 
Dick Masterson left. He seemed to leave on good terms. I think Flash started uh, poking at Vito a bit with some accusations that made Ethan Van Skyver uncomfortable because they seemed like, you know, the kind of accusations that you'd want to respond to. And Vito was in the chat and wanted to come back on or wanted to come on and respond to them. So I think Ethan said we should make that happen. Vito came on. And I believe it, because it's, Eric July, I think, is kind of sees Vito and Dick Masterson as a team. So he's kind of putting them both in the same characterization over this uh, story dispute. And so... Eric July actually left while Vito was on. Vito said his piece, but Eric July came on as Vito was leaving. So they kind of missed each other. But it seemed like Eric July was prepared to engage with Vito, that Vito had done enough, you know, uh, making his position clear that Eric July felt good enough to actually engage him on whatever he wanted to engage him on. But I think Eric July just wanted to say, listen, my comic book was hugely successful and you're just talking shit and you're jealous and I don't need to take advice from you because I'm already a giant success. So, and there's, I mean, <laughs> I think he made $3.7 million on his comic book. So it's awfully hard to argue with that kind of success. So I guess... Dick Masterson was complaining because he was saying, you know, there's a difference between a financial success and a critical success. But, I mean, are there reviews on it? Is it? Is it? I mean, I haven't read the book, so I don't. I don't know. So I don't know if it's a a a a, a, a critical success or not. So let's see if I can find a super chat here. Bricknose for $10 says, Adam, having parents vote for children doesn't improve the kids' freedoms. It only superpowers their parents with, uh, with unfairly having more than one vote. It's just not a serious idea. Seriously. <laughs> Is SRY seriously? Just a meme. Well, actually, it is a serious idea. It is a it is a policy prescription that a lot of people are interested in, in favor of. Oh, look, speaking of, Daniel Irish weighs in. Oh, but it's not on. Uh, here, I'll read your super chat in a second, Dan. I think Daniel Irish is in favor of the policy, so I thought he might be super chatting about that. I don't... Why is it such a... Look, if you... If you have children, you have more, the, the logic goes, if you have children, you have more of an interest in the future than if you don't have children, if you're just single. So why shouldn't that translate into okay. you taking their political interest into consideration and voting on their behalf? So if, if, you, if, if you think... President Biden oh is going to be better for the future or President Trump is going to be better for the future. Mm -hmm. You being able to to vote for 
yourself and for your child for a better future for whatever candidate you think is better. I mean, I don't. Why is that such a crazy idea? Are you are you talking about kids voting? Yeah, Brick knows. He did a ten dollars okay. super chat. So okay. Uh, Daniel Irish for ten dollars says. As far as I know, Vito holds the same position on pedophilia as Mr. Girl. Also, the reason Vito defends Mr. Girl is that they are friends IRL. They went to high school together, just FYI. Yeah, Vito made that... Really? Vito made that clear in the flashcasting, Daniel. I don't know if you've watched that, but, but Vito said... Look, Vito defended Mr. Girl, and he started getting the same kind of accusations that Mr. Girl gets. Okay. Un- he says unfairly because he says, look, I'm not a fucking pedo. It's, it's bullshit. But Vito, there's this thing called psychological reactance. It's that feeling that you get when people tell you not to do something, and it makes you want to do it even more. Vito has a lot of psychological reactance. So... When people started making these accusations about him, he thought it would be funny if he leaned into them, which is kind of the same thing Mr. Girl did. Mr. Girl thought it would be funny, you know, if he made a video, a music video about how he's a pedo, right? I don't think that's a good strategy. I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a dog shit, terrible strategy and a way to, to just end your internet career just forever. And Vito basically admitted this on Flashcast and said he had come to this conclusion himself, that he you know, made these jokes, leaned into it, and that was a catastrophic mistake. And now he's got this reputation that he has to fix. And it's right. very difficult to fix because you have all these people out there that just know the meme. Look, his name is Vito. That's not helpful. <laughs> What does Vito rem- rhyme with, Sitch? Any any ideas? Uh, Pedo. Yeah. <laughs> That's not helpful. Yep. I never noticed that until you said it. So yeah. Gonna... Yes. So he's got an uphill fucking climb. So, but the th- the interesting thing about the situation, like Vito just basically, you know, prostrated, uh, prostrated himself to the audience and said, look, this is a situation and Ethan Van Skyver said, you know, this has happened to me, not with the pedo thing, but with the Nazi thing, because when all of his coworkers at Marvel started calling him a Nazi, he did the exact same thing. He kind of leaned into it. He's like, no one would ever believe I'm a Nazi. And so he had fun with the jokes. And then after a while, he started realizing, damn, these fuckers do think I'm a Nazi. Right. Yeah. So he he has done a lot of work to kind of re, rehabilitate his reputation in the same kind of way, and he feels bad for, for Vito. I kind of felt bad for Vito. So the advice Ethan Van Skyver gave to Vito is good advice. Just don't bring don't bring this up. Don't talk about it. Don't like try to let it go. Other people will want to bring it up, obviously. But Vito said, "Look, I'm an honest guy. My audience." ribs me about it and i can't what am i going to do just ignore when they rib me about it i mean what's your take on that sitch maybe he should should ignore it i mean you know i think he sh- if he wants to bring it up one time and give his take on it and then just bring not bring it up anymore <laughs> you know because people will bring it up people will bring it up forever until you know the day he dies so it's yeah um well i think it's good to have your your correct take out there um 
and then you can move on. What's and whenever it? someone brings it up, you just point to it. So what is even going on with Mr. Girl? Is he even a thing anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I saw him try to tweet out his Destiny manifesto the other day, so I guess he's still around somewhere. <laughs> oh my god, the video version? Yeah, no, it was the text version, I think. Oh, okay. No. Anyways, uh, did you read, where are we? Did you read all the ones? No, I, I just read one? two super chats. Brick Nose on children voting and or on parents voting for their kids and Daniel Irish on veto. Okay. On veto the... I'll say it. <laughs> uh, CT for two Canadians says, disagree losers. I like not being vulnerable. There you go. Um, CT for two Canadians says, we've established like in 1v1 a dragon, I'm immortal. Sci-fi uh, is life. For $5 says, April had a perm, not an afro. There you go. Oh, uh, Airplay is. for five dollars. There's Airplay. There's Gamergate documentary film here. Just watched What Is a Woman and absolutely hated it. Working on the written review right now. Really? Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Uh, Ask me for two months. Says are are asexuals incels? Because apparently they don't have a sex drive because of their quote birth question mark. They could have sex, but then wouldn't that make them evolve cells? I mean, if you're asexual by choice then you're not an incel definitionally right you'd be a vol cell but yeah but if you are an incel because you, you can't get some don't right? have the biological urge then well that's then you wouldn't voluntary be... oh 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 i see what you're saying i mean i guess technically yes but that's not the way that people use to determine so so usually incel refers to someone who wants to have sex but doesn't no i think asexuals are incels I disagree with you, but okay. Thank you. We don't, we don't need to complicate every term in reality. Right? I think sometimes you have to go with what, you know, people mean when they say the term, I think, uh, heterosexuals should be able to vote for asexuals. Okay. Uh, Mason Jordan for five hours says, uh, y'all got to set up a stream once a week or a month, something where you just talk about movies, anime books, Anything, etc. Just something besides crazy politics. Yeah, we've talked about doing that, and we might do that once the comic's done. So, yeah, we definitely talked about doing that. I mean, we like to do that. I think both of us would like to do that. Yeah, we like talking about movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. RBGH fan for five hours says, "I don't believe Brianna's stance on objectifying women characters in games is okay in reality, but a problem in perception of, for hiring practices." That's interesting. Uh, Credo Oot Intelligium for five dollars says, Sitch, do you like cowboys? Your JoJo outfit is one, but like a little Nas X type cowboy. Oh no. Wow. That's oh, a, no. that's a gay rapper, right? Oh no. What a, what do we got into here? I mean, I guess Nas X basically looks like a JoJo character already, so I guess that makes sense. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Adam, yours looks like Charlotte, but a sexy man with grills. Oh, that's cool. I like grills. Who's Charlotte who? I don't know what that means. Charlotte? Um, as for cowboy, I mean, listen, I've never been partial. I've never been a big Western fan, but I'm not I'm not anti Western, so if you if you want to put me in a cowboy outfit, I'll take it. Wow Wow West it. is his favorite movie. Why would you lie about these things? <laughs> for growing wow. up. As a wee lad, my favorite musical was West Side Story, but that wasn't really a cowboy movie. 
Uh, let's see. Joe the Make for five dollars says you guys need to dial up the Destiny Chank debate. Chank is a lefty muppet. Oh, we will definitely watch it and maybe cover it on Sunday. Is that going on? Did it just start? It's been going on, yeah. Oh, really? I actually sent the stream when we end it. It'll send everyone over there. So. Really? Yes. What channel is it on? Destiny. On Destiny's. Yeah. Oh, we should bring it up and watch a little. What the hell? No, I'm not gonna do that. No. Okay. We'll watch on Sunday. Okay. Look, J Mac. J-Mac, our surrogate father for $50. So this is my birthday, and all I want is to left and right to stop being crazy. Movies to go back going back to being good. AAA games companies to stop loot boxes. Doomer to garner chat's favor. <laughs> and A Demon S class to get along. Is that so much to ask? Well, thank you so much, our surrogate father, producer of the show, J-Mac. Everyone, give him a big happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. Thank you so much, J-Mac, and hope you had a lovely, fantastic, wonderful birthday today. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad. I'm, thanks for coming by and saying hi. Of course. Yes, thank you so much. Hope you had a wonderful birthday. Um, Stock for $2 says, remember Steve Shives and Christy Winters. <laughs> I do, yeah. We never covered that video. Which one? Steve Shives and Christy Winters did a super cringy video about how to talk to people on the right. And oh, I was right, like, right, yeah. These people are fucking idiots. That's true, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. So, I know Steve still makes videos. I didn't know until now. Christy Winters still does videos. Really? She does, she does live streams. Do you want to get her? You want to try to get her on the show? No. No, 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 no. I literally, no, 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 no. Please, God, no. I literally refuse. Okay. No, we're not doing that. Jesus Christ, Adam. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize. Look, I didn't realize you had such harsh feelings. Oh, my God. You know, her, her streams get like 100 views, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. No. I'm going to put myself through that fucking mental anguish for nothing. She literally is getting like a hundred views on her streams. You know when you say that, you know what I hear? No, we're not. I refuse. <laughs> you I'm know telling what? you, I literally refuse to do it. I you know what? You stream. know. You know what I'm I hear? I'm not talking to Christy Winters. That's such so fucking dumb. Tell everyone what I hear when you say that. Yeah, you're hearing dollar signs. Listen, <laughs> if you want to ask Steve Shives to come on and talk about some dumb shit, take I'll talk to Steve Shives about whatever shit he wants to talk about. Okay. Steve Shives would be a bit dif more difficult to get. I know, but but I, I'll talk to him. I'm not gonna fucking waste my time with the irrelevancy of Christy fucking Winters. I don't look. I was specifically talking That's about... That's my when, sexism. It's because she's a woman. I was specifically talking about when you say she gets like 100 views, I think, yeah. well, she probably would want to come on. <laughs> I know. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, I don't... No. No, 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 no. I'm doing it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you we're not doing it. I'm literally directing you that we're not doing it. Galleon doing in that. the chat says, do it, Adam. Yeah. Okay. That's great. We're not doing it. Uh, J Mac, our surrogate father, thank you so much. Oh Happy God. birthday, giving us a hundred gifted memberships. Oh my God! Happy birthday to all of us. Jeez, that's true. Welcome, new members. Thank you so much. That's literally twenty-five percent of the people listening to the live stream right now just became free members. That's right. For all people that stuck around even during the uh, Chank debate, you all rewarded with membership. Look at this. That's, there you go. But thank you so much, J-Mac. So incredibly 
generous father of us all, J-Mac. Okay. Um, John Benor for eight months says, I'm in the past, but I got a bunch of books for Adam's reading list. They are real books, not audible. I got a bunch of books from Adam's reading list. Um, Yoro S-Class is a best class. Well, thank you, John. I'm glad you're enjoying Adam's books. That that Labyrinth book that we talked about on the Sunday stream, I finished it. Oh, man, it's so good. It's uh, so good. End Time Memes, thank you so much for being a funeral seeker for eight months. It says, Destiny is debating Chank, and it's hilarious. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah, me too. Uh, PC for Joe says, Captcha are just us training our future AI rulers. True. Uh, yep. Gail on the Driven for $10 says, Get TJ and G and G Man to debate uh, God. Drunken Peasants throwback lore. Drunken Peasants is the podcast that killed Milo. Really? I, I didn't know. Oh, that's true. That. That's true. It was. Milo said that. all his stupid comments on Drunken Peasants. I thought he, no, he said. The the pedo thing he said on Joe Rogan, I thought. I don't think he did. I really think he did, but okay, maybe he did. Uh, T I asked TJ about coming on again, and he hasn't responded, so he might have ghosted me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. He didn't unfollow me on Twitter or anything, but maybe he's just busy. I don't know. You read Bricknose's? Oh yeah, you read Bricknose and Dana Irish, right? I did. Yeah. Uh, very original for five Canadians says, "Hey, I have an Orwellian doublespeak term for your drug prisons for the homeless." Sober exit housing. <laughs> oh, that is good. I love it. Sober exit housing. That's great. That is That's good. Great term. Sober exit. You have housing. to be sober to exit. Yeah. But it sounds it sounds like nice. Yep. Yeah. He says no. It was uh, DP, but people were saying it was also on, on Joe Rogan. Uh, maybe he said it on both. I don't know. Well, I think he said it on D DP, and then Joe Rogan asked him about it. Oh, maybe, maybe. That would because make it was like a big controversy. Well, because I thought the whole thing was that the, I could have swore he said the comment on Joe Rogan like a year before it like picked up traction. Because I remember I was like, I remember hearing it on Joe Rogan. And then like a year later, all of a sudden it's like controversial. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Okay. Uh, William Vance for 12 months of being discipline equals freedom. Thank you so much. Says all the people saying no to proxy votes for parents are just mad because they don't have kids and believe they never will. They just want to protect their dead end genetic political power. Go A team. <laughs> True. All these genetic losers. Yeah. They don't uh, want the voting power to us. Oh, wait, I don't have any kids. So what am I talking about? To you. Uh, Brick Nose for $10. Thank you, Brick Nose. Brick Nose has been funding us today. I know, says Brick Adam. Nose. Very generous yeah, of you. Based Brick Nose says, Adam, because most parents don't care about their kids' political takes, nor should they, it's debatable people with more kids care more. Childless adults are focused on working and not just banging. Mm, I don't okay. Bondu for five dollars says I actually used Adam's arguments on voting with the lefty. Kind of tweaked it by saying lower income people have more kids. He came around to it by the end. <laughs> That's funny. Look at that. Right. When this is a real when people when this policy proposal goes into effect, Sitch, I'm just gonna laugh. I'm gonna be like, ah ha ah, ah. Okay. It's never gonna happen, by the way, but that's fine. We already have a uh, senator who's talked about it. Okay. PC for $10 says, Adam, you definitely won me over. The kids should receive a vote that their parents claim until they're adults. What's that? No, just because I recently... What's that? It's not just because I recently became a parent. Doesn't make me biased at all. That's true. You did. Yeah. Again, congratulations. A new father. Yeah. Right. She actually vote. 
Look at that. Stuck- you just got an extra vote. There you go. Uh, you earned stuck it. Stuck for $2 says, what's your favorite thing about Christy Wintersitch? My favorite thing is that she's irrelevant now. That's my favorite <laughs> thing. Blaine's Escape Bam! Blaine's Escape for five dollars says, not just those watching. I get the free membership email when I'm not watching stream. I'm I'm a five JMAC months now going to see Jesus. I'm at five months from JMAC now going to see FFX no stream tonight. Uh, I don't know what FFX is. Well, I mean, it's Final Fantasy X. I don't know what you're referring to it now, but but I'm glad you were. I'm glad JMAC was able to procure you five month membership at Blaine. So that's cool. Good. I almost um, got a free membership from JMAC on EFAP, but I wasn't quick enough. Oh, okay. So let's see. Um, let me look at stream mobs real quick. Uh, Dr. Diddler for $2 says, I have personally received death threats from Alphabet Soup activists from activists on Twitter. Major news outlets have so far shown little interest in calling this out, but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Dr. Diddler for $2 says, Weird how all the sexism is a problem is directed at women. But when it's about a self-admitted misandrist, it's off topic. Shouldn't all sexism be addressed and not deflected away from? Yes. I'm glad I brought that up. It was interesting. Brianna did want to change subject very quickly after that. So, Did she do a whataboutism? Uh, no, but just sort of a... She was talking about that one person that was receiving harassment. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe she was receiving harassment because, you know, she said all this, like, very explicitly anti-male things in the past. So Right. Uh, Dr. Dealer for two hours says, I only watched the Sargon debate last night. Man, how did he wrong warp into Christian conservatives of the 90s? Can't help but feel sad and lose some respect. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. First I of don't... all, hats off for using the term wrong warp. <laughs> That's a nice reference. Uh, but what are you going to say, Adam? What is a, what's a reference to? Uh, it's a reference to in Zelda and other video games when you're able to load in incorrectly in a glitchy way that you end up using to your advantage to like wrong warp to places in the game mm. you're not supposed to be able to get to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't... Carl is on the Christian conservative path, so... I can... I did feel like a lot of the arguments he was making would be a lot more of acceptable if you had the God... If you could turn to the God thing. Well, not acceptable, but you don't understand the basis of what he was trying to lay out. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, acceptable to the people who believe in God. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Cause it's weird. Cause he believes in like platonic forms mm-hmm. and I don't know how that works unless he believes in a collective unconscious or something without God, without God. Yeah. I don't You're know such how such a materialist, like such. such a okay. materialist. I literally don't know what person in that call <laughs> believes in God. So, such anyway. a materialist. Um, Dr. Dealer for two hours says the funny things we could get. The funny things, funny thing is we could get footage of a genuine UFO with an alien on top of it and we become a meme within two hours and they get tons of edits. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, Stock for two hours says we need to, uh, quote, socialize children in a manner which is conducive to positive mental health, not to put a bandit on it with more services while continuing the same socialization approach. Yes, this might be largely gendered. I mean, I agree with that. Socialization is the thing that we're arguing over. Yeah, how to socialize. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Galen, the driven for five hours, says Adam changing hearts and minds. A team reigns supreme. 
Of course. It's all Anyways. about hearts and minds. All right. Anyways. Get to go watch the Destiny debate. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all for your incredibly generous donation. Thank you, Brianna, for coming on. It was a very interesting, enjoyable conversation, even when we disagreed. And of course, happy birthday again to our surrogate father, Jane. And of course, you who have made it to the end of the stream, you who are the true free will seekers, we salute you all. And we're going to send you over to Destiny vs. Chank, and we'll see you all on Sunday where we'll probably cover that exact debate. See you all Sunday. Bye bye! <laughs>